warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode Leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yay. All right. How you doing, Jake? I'm good. We nailed the opening. It's been a while. Yeah, that felt really good, didn't it? It did feel good. Yeah, it's raining here today. I feel like shit. Yeah, dude. This week's always a tough week for me, too, with the Mother's Day stuff. I'm actually glad to be doing the PCL pop culture phone with you this week. Yeah, yeah. Get away from all the Mother's Day stuff. It's understandable. We are not alone this week. We are joined by uh, my favorite Batman fan and my favorite teacher, Mr. Paul Hart. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely. How you been? I've been doing pretty fantastic. It is uh, the end of the school year, so shit's been going kind of crazy. So it is nice to just get on here and be able to shoot the shit. Shoot the shit. You know, shoot the shit. I think that I would have been a better student, especially in history, if my teacher was uh, Billy Joel. Um, yeah, because <laughs> you didn't, start, we the didn't fire? start the fire. <laughs> yeah, you guys are you guys are you guys are picking up what I'm putting down. You know, I it's like he just made history fun in that song, didn't he? I don't know. There's some parts that are kind of not fun. It's fun. It's a it's a fun catchy tune. It, I'm, I'm saying like you know, I guess you could go to class and you can learn from like your regular teacher. But like here, he, he's passionate about what he's singing. And, uh, you know, I'm picking up, I'm learning things from him singing. I know some of these things I didn't even know, and I'm searching them out. Like, what is he talking about? What, 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 children of thalidomide. What is that? What's going on with that? And so I looked it up, you know? It's like, he, he made learning fun. 
he inspired you he inspired to, me. to continue some education. Yeah, exactly. Until I turned in that oral report that just said, JFK, blown away, <laughs> what else do I have to say? You know, that was like, my teacher came to me, he's like, Brian, we need to have a talk. And I was just like, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? slam the history book down after yeah. you sing that line. Exactly. <laughs> Trouble in the Suez! You know, I was like, <laughs> like hey, Brian, I really learned nothing from your oil, oral report, you know? You know? <laughs> North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. Like, <laughs> Brian, all you did was go, quote this song. You get an F. I, I think that song came out in like 89. It and did. I was like 11. And um, I used to go to the roller skating rink all the time, and they would play that song. And I thought it was always the most bizarre song choice for a roller skating rink. E- even at 11, I was like, this is a really depressing song. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. That's a weird song. They used to always play Stevie Wonder. And ours. What's that song he sang? Uh, Superstitious? No, no, not, not, yeah, yeah, that's one of them. They didn't play that <laughs> one, though. It's, 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 it's a sweet little tender song that he sang. Signed, sealed, and delivered? Ah, no. God damn it. <laughs> oh, fuck it. He sang a bunch of shit, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I can name like 20 songs. Uh, I just come to say I love you. That was it. I was getting to it. Yeah, that was it. That was the song they used to, and everybody would do the slow skate, you know? I just oh, the slow skate. <laughs> to say how much I care. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you know what, guys? I'm getting old, and I felt it this week. Yeah. I did. I really felt it this week. Uh, we're going to get to the content, people. Chill the fuck out. You know, I felt really old this week. I went to, I went to Schnucks, Jake, and, um, I, uh, I bought a couple things. And, uh, you know, I, I went to the self checkout and, uh, I had a, a 12 pack of beer with me. And, uh, it says, uh, you know, present your ID to the, uh, attendant or whatever. And, uh, I, I looked at him and he looked at me. And he said, nah, you're good. Ooh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. That's the worst. You know, um, that's the first, our- first time that's ever happened to me, man. First time oh, ever. Man. And it just, it fucking killed me. Ruined your whole day. I, it's like, it's not like I was dressed. I, I wasn't adulting that day. I was wearing a fucking Black Panther hoodie. I look like a, I'm wearing, I'm dressed like a goddamn child. <laughs> I got my hat kicked backwards. I'm wearing a Black Panther hoodie. I look like a fucking child, and yet he looks at me and he's like, "Now you're good." Snap bracelets on both arms. Yeah, no shit, no shit. I, I wish I, I would have came in there and like fucking like uh, Oshkosh Bigosh and a like one of those, one, uh, holding a balloon and holding like, like like one of those big old suckers and shit, those lollipops. You know, <laughs> maybe maybe that would have worked. Oh man! At, at, at our store, it's city law that you have to show your ID every time you buy alcohol. Now they just yeah. passed this a few months ago. Yeah, and so you have to actually scan the ID in, and it's the opposite effect there, where everyone that is clearly over the age of twenty-one gets outraged every time. Yeah. Well, I was outraged because I didn't get checked. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. It sucks. So. It's. I'm getting so old. It's almost like you know. It's almost like uh, masturbation has just become clinical. You know what I mean? <laughs> to keep, you know, to keep the prostate healthy is the only reason I do it. You know, like when you go to the, when you go to the oil lube place and they change your oil and they leave that little sticker on your window that lets you know the next 3,000 miles or, uh, you know, if the next like three months have passed and you need to get your oil, oil changed. Like that when I masturbate, I just, it's almost like I slap a little sticker on my ball sack. 
saying like, yeah, next next tune up in a in a week just to keep the old prostate healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen hundred steps. Exactly. It's ridiculous. I, 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 I really felt old this week, man. It just sucked. Mm. Oh my gosh! Now my cat's going crazy. Okay. Yeah, it was that was an off-air thing. Yeah, cats are going nuts tonight. We got we got uh, Paul's got cats. Jake's got cats. I got cats. He he's off the table, by the way. It was on the table, rubbing his head on the microphone. So that was oh, a thing. Man. My cat just knocked a CarMax container off the table and is now banging it against the bottom leg of my chair. So, <laughs> some well-timed mute button action going on. Oh, I got an announcement here. I, I, people, I don't know why the Pocket Cast app is not working. I have no idea. I've, uh, they're saying it's popping up as forbidden on their end, so I don't know if it's because we don't have an SSL site. I, I have no idea. I'm looking into it. I'm in communication, so hopefully I'll get it fixed. That's all I got to say about that. Fucking pocket cast. We'll denounce them next week if they don't get it fixed. Yeah, yeah. You send, uh, please, people. Yeah, let pocket cast know that it's not playing. They need to resync the feed or something. I don't know what they need to fucking do. Recalibrate the calibrators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lower the engine repulsors and put some of that energy in the main phasers. Exactly. Jeez. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I also got an email last week, and it said, uh, Hello and congratulations. You have been nominated as a finalist in the first annual Scaracon Horror Podcaster Awards to be presented at Scaracon New England, June 9th in Framingham, Massachusetts. And uh, it goes on to say, as you all... No, there are several categories, each with several nominees, from which a winner will be chosen by our panel of judges and presented with a Scaricon statuette and various prizes. Uh, the judging will be done by an elite panel of, vocal, of vodcast, podcast, broadcast veterans from the industry, as well as a special guest judge for each individual category. So yeah, Jake, we are a finalist. Do you, do you, I, I I didn't even remember like entering this, but apparently I did at one time. Yeah, it, the whole thing about it being a horror award is kind of very very strange too, right? I guess that's covered in the individual category thing. But. Yeah, a bunch of the funniest podcasts. There's uh, you know people's choice. There's uh, old guys that don't need to get carded for beer. <laughs> I think that's a lock for us, Jake. Yeah. Winner. Yeah, yeah. Black lock of the week. Black Panther hoodie guy wins. There you go. <laughs> you old piece of shit. That sucked. Anyway, let's uh let's move on into uh yeah, so Scaracon in uh Framingham, Massachusetts. Might, uh, Do they offer to send you, or is that something you gotta pay for yourself oh, to yeah, actually yeah, go yeah, to the yeah, they're gonna fly me out there first class, Paul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's show up and get real unruly at the place. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that won't be too hard for me. Uh, <laughs> speaking of people that love me being unruly, let's get to our iTunes reviews. It's one Here we go. Uh, let's see here. You know, I'm all for uh, critical uh, iTunes reviews, Jake, you know, when they're warranted. This first one, I just, I, dude, I'm not getting it. It's just, it's, uh, 
it's titled <laughs> it's titled Endgame, and uh, it's a one star, and it comes from Jansen, and uh, Jansen goes on to say, main host mansplaining is egregious, and his treatment of his guests is appalling. It's one thing to be passionate. It's another to be condescending to the point where your female guest has to shout over the know-it-all male host. And then she quotes me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited for this. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish. I mean, dude, get some emotional intelligence, respect your guests, or just be alone on your podcast. God knows it sounds like you prefer it that way. Hold on. Jake, I, the thing is, like, I'm all for, like, uh, being critical and stuff like that. I just feel like this is misplaced feminism. Let me explain here. I wasn't even cutting off Rebecca, to my knowledge, because if, if I was cutting her off, I couldn't hear it over me cutting off Dan West. I, it had nothing to do with me cutting off Rebecca. She was the only female guest on that episode. I don't feel like I was mansplaining anything to Rebecca. Uh, and I wasn't shouting over her. It was me, uh, pretty much, uh, shouting over Dan West. I, this just feels like misplaced feminism going on. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, Rebe- Rebecca was kind of team Dan in that argument. I was kind of team Brian in that argument. I felt like we were more like Mr. Fuji's in each other's corner. Like, you know, we yeah. weren't really part of the action. Well, I was definitely a big part of the action going on. No, I mean me and Rebecca. Oh, you, you and Rebecca, right, exactly. It was, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, I guess I was mansplaining. You see, the thing is, I'm mansplaining. I was never mansplaining. I've, I don't think I've ever tried to mansplain to Rebecca. Like, if Rebecca's talking about Star Trek, there's no way I'm going to fucking try to mansplain anything Star Trek to Rebecca, ever. I mean, she's <laughs> the authority on that shit. And Rebecca, of all people, if you were constantly mansplaining to her, wouldn't even be our friend at this point. Exactly, exactly. But uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> <would be> hilarious. <laughs> thank you for that review. <laughs> we got another one. Yeah, Paul, did you have anything to chime in about on that? <laughs> no, I was just like being a co-host with Rebecca. If she thought she was being mansplained to, she would just tell you to fuck yourself like right there. And I just re-listened to the Endgame uh, review and there's no like nothing was hostile about it at all. So fuck off. I went Pantera fucking hostile on our guests. I was gonna say I, I don't, it was a little hostile, but that that was all good and fun. It was all in fun. <laughs> it's like I don't get it, man. I don't get it. It was all in fun. It was never to hurt anybody. We had a good laugh oh. about it afterwards. And you got that feeling out of it, like you didn't think anybody had their feelings hurt. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I thought we very much addressed that on the episode. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Everybody's everybody. See, people, Jake. Here's the thing: people, people will bitch and complain about podcasts where the podcasters agree with each other all the time. But if you go, they bitch to that extreme. But on the flip side, if you go to the other extreme and uh, and you kick the training wheels off and you're like, fuck this, and you feel like you have a point, and then even if you're wrong, it, it, it just people just don't like it. People don't like feeling uncomfortable. They don't like. But but then on the flip side, like people will watch Jerry Springer, where where people yell and scream and throw shoes and throw punches and everything, and it's just fine. It's all for entertainment. But we do it on our show, and I'm the big mansplainer. I'm the big asshole mansplainer. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who with the fragile ego. Blah blah blah. I've heard it all this fucking week. I've heard it all. I've heard it fucking all this week. I had uh, what was it? What was the one guy? The one guy last week that threatened to kick my ass in an email. I think I just responded with like "fuck you, cunt" or something like that. I, you know, and then every time he'd fucking email me back. 
I, I called him a bunch of shit and he called me a bunch of shit. And then, then he sent me a follow up email talking about how, uh, what was it? How, uh, um, uh, on our latest episode, I talked about how 50% of our, he's like, 50% of your listeners left. And, uh, you know, it looks like I'm not the only one. Duh, duh, duh. And I was like, dude, that was a fucking Thanos joke. 50% of our listeners did not leave. Listenership has gone up. Um, I didn't explain all this to him. I just, I, I don't mean, I just stopped responding at that point. But then I, oh, no, no, no. I sent him another message back like, oh, look, look who's still listening. Look who's coming back and still listening. And then he sends me this email like, oh, well, uh, my, my friend who was a big fan still listens and uh, we talked. Uh, whatever, dude. Cool story, bro. <laughs> Fuck off. Good story. Good story, man. Whatever. I don't care about you or your friend not listening anymore or not liking me. It's totally fine. I totally get it. It's like I don't want those people listening anyway, you know? No. Yeah. Get gone. There we go. We're at. My biggest takeaway from that, though, was PCL, the Jerry Springer of podcasts. Totally the Jerry Springer <laughs> of podcasts. You know, we, do we need a Steve to keep things in line? A Steve Wilkos? I, I just shaved my head. Here. Yeah. I just shaved my head. I, I, I'm game. There you go. You'll be our Steve Wilkos. And the next one comes from Leftover123. And uh, it's a two-star, and it's titled Check. <laughs> It's called, it's titled, it's getting better. <laughs> moving on up. <laughs> uh, it's called, it's titled, Check the Ego. And it goes on. <laughs> I have been a faithful listener for quite some time now. I enjoy the podcast and genuinely appreciate the conversation on a litany of topics. I have had some displeasure concerning Brian's role in the cast and I have chosen to bit my tongue, bite my tongue. But the recent Endgame podcast sent me over the edge. So he's uh, he, Jake, Jake. This guy's gone all D Snyder. I'm not gonna take it. No, I ain't gonna take it. I'm not gonna take Brian's ego anymore. So yeah, here this, which led to this iTunes review. It is clear that Brian's ego is so large that how large is it? <laughs> it's so large that he believes the podcast exists to prop up his own fragility on his of his opinions. Not only was he incorrect in his assertion and the explanation of Thor's actions with Mjolnir, he literally could not fathom the agony on of stopping the moving of his mouth for five seconds while someone else explained their respective position. He just screamed, another quote, hold on! <laughs> You're like Wilson Phillips in that quote. Hold on for one more day! Uh, let's, see. Uh, let's see. He just screamed. Now you got that song stuck in my head, Jake. Me too. <laughs> oh, man. What were their names? Connie Wil oh, was it Connie Wilson? Carney. Carney Wilson. Carney Wilson. Oh my gosh. I I will not get Phillips no matter what. I'd have to Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's uh anyway. He just screamed, Hold on, like a child. <laughs> That's not true. I got carded this week. Um he just screamed, Hold on, like a child until the other podcast members retreated. 
Um, I'm sure. <laughs> 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 oh, Dan, oh, Dan, that was my favorite part when Dan went back into his shell. Yeah, just held yeah. up. Uh, put down the gloves and held up that white flag of surrender. It was beautiful, and, beautiful moment. And never brought it up and made fun of what you thought about it ever again. Yeah, for the rest totally. Of the right. Yeah. Wink, wink. Uh, I'm sure Brian will discard all of this negative feedback and then justly pass it off as quote passion, but it really is just a thin and poorly attempted veil cover of narcissism. I l- listen to fucking, uh, uh, Dr. Joyce brothers over here. <laughs> oh man super dated reference check <laughs> well jake that's why i get carded uh let's see here <laughs> i like many others enjoy listening to jake and feel as though he should take over controlling the main flow of conversation oh please no <laughs> <laughs> it's not like jake you hosted other podcasts it's not like you couldn't handle it no that's for sure that's mm-hmm. for sure but I mean, I can handle the group, but I mean, just oh gosh, I don't want to. I don't want to scrounge all the stories and set up the outline every week. Yeah, that's oh my god, oh, Jake, you're letting all these people down, though. You know, and uh, they, I mean, if you want to do all that and just feed me the outline, I, I can go from there. Yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. We're mixing things up a little bit. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, those are the those are the worst of the worst here. So let's get back on track. Yeah, check the ego and the and I'm sorry, buddy. And if you're still listening, I I hope my voice grates on you. I hope that you can't stand me. And uh, just know that the that 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 the voice that you're listening to, I wouldn't like you either. I'm sure that I would not like you. So you're list, you're literally logging like downloading episodes and listening to episodes from a guy that probably could not stand you. And take the thing is maybe maybe with some of these people that have a problem with me, maybe if we sat down and we sat down at a Panera and we got a bagel, we'd be able to talk things through and work things out. But that's just not the world we live in. We live in a world with keyboard warriors that uh, that want to type stuff about me mansplaining and, uh, you know, me checking my ego. People that know nothing about me. People that know zero, zilch. They just got, like, one little piece of me in that podcast. And maybe, 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 maybe that is who I am. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, the whole thing is just so crazy. I mean, we do this podcast because it's a great release for us, and mm-hmm. we have we have fun doing it. And the, the minute it's not fun or we're not enjoying ourselves, we're fucking done, right? Yeah, it's basically me masturbating on a clinical, you know, <laughs> for, for clinical reasons. <laughs> Twelve hundred more steps to your next masturbation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way that Panera scenario would work. You'd be screaming Wilson Phillips at the top of your lungs and no one yeah. going to say anything. <laughs> hold on! Hold on! <laughs> hold on for one more day. Yeah. Oh my okay, what, what a hook, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, dude. It still works in grocery stores to this day. Yes, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, let's see. It's a Walgreens classic. <laughs> That sounds like something that. Wait, well, wait, what's that one store? Uh, you'd probably hear it at a David's Bridal. Yeah. And what's the other one? What's the other? What's the other one where you buy like the? Uh, oh man, I'm trying to think of the the name of that place where you buy like all the decorative shit that you like can. Like Jeffrey buy Allen's. Jeffrey Allen's. It's oh god, yes. <laughs> they, they got that fucking song on a goddamn loop in Jeffrey Allen's. 
<laughs> yeah, dude. I've always wanted to make like a compilation, like Jeffrey Allen's Volume One or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Uh, go to Spotify, look for the Jeffrey Allen's. Let's see here. I'm kidding. Don't do it. Um, this next one's titled The Back and Forth. It's a five star. Uh, it's by Parker963. I love this podcast. I think that the back and forth yelling, arguing, and bashing are what make this podcast better than the rest. Keep it up, guys and girls. And that comes from Parker963. I mean, how come the best reviews always have the worst usernames? What, what's wrong with, uh, Parker? I, I mean, Parker's fine. It's just, if you're gonna have four digits afterwards, that, that should be a, a deterrent, you know. Paul, what, Paul, what are your Paul? What are your thoughts? You uh, on uh, on numbers? You're a teacher. Uh, uh, oh, on numbers. Uh, I guess less is more for sure. The more numbers, it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But, eh, you know. Jake, you like your Parkers to stand out with less numbers. Yeah, exactly. Why not Parker? Do the Parker Lewis? Parker Lewis can't lose. That's probably taken. Yeah, anything but just random numbers i mean maybe i'm being an ass and that's like his birthday or some important yeah like, that could be like the nine si- september of 1963 and could be the day when uh this person was born or their father was born or their mother was born <laughs> it's, true. it's true and i'm a giant fucking hypocrite anyway my username on everything is usually mr 4815 16 2342 so oh, what, what are you gonna do that is true that is true <laughs> hello pot calling the kettle black i turned that into a song jake it was good yeah <laughs> i know that I, I, I didn't learn how to write lyrics from Billy Joel. I'll tell you that much. I only learned the history part. <laughs> Next one comes from XXX Tits XXXX McGee XXXXX. That, that's the iTunes username. That it is. Wow. I'm surprised they even let that pass. They Must totally. The they totally did, and they spelled tits with a Z. Oh, there you clever. go. Yeah. There you go. Very clever. Clever girl. Yeah. And you're dead. <laughs> just, just like our listenership. Oh. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. Check your ego. Check it. That's so quit, quit being a narcissist. Jake, take over the flow of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the iTunes reviews have broke me. I can't. Oh my gosh. Uh, I just started listening to the podcast. Avengers Ed Game Review was my first episode, and it was great. You guys have awesome theories and great dialogue that got me through a long day at work. Awesome show. Awesome job calling out the crybabies for getting offended over your Mjolnir debate. Uh, if you've never, uh, if you never need raves with your best friend, then you have no business listening to this podcast. And that comes from, uh, Bunch of axes, Tits McGee guy. Yeah, I kind of agree with Tits McGee here. Like, Me you know, too. anyone that has that opinion, like those first two reviews, most likely doesn't have very many friends because this is pretty much the kind of, like, what kind of debates do you get into, you know? You're just in an echo chamber with everyone that agrees <sighs> with you? People don't like my big personality, Jake. That's what it comes down to. People, you know, they just, uh, they just don't like it. They don't, it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Which is uh, it's weird. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, you're fine, Paul. I was just gonna say, it's, it, to me, it's a it's one of the unique 
things about this podcast and, and a draw. I think you get that from a lot of the people that end up really falling in love with PCL, you know? Well, I kind of put it out there as a litmus test. You know, it, it happened naturally. I naturally became an asshole on that episode. But, you know, it, it is kind of a litmus test as to, like, if you're going to be able to handle this in the future, you know? So, and- Which is why I call bullshit on that one was the leftover that or the yeah. username was leftover that said i listened to this i've been a long time listener and if that offended you obviously you haven't been that long of a lifetime listener because you guys have disagreements multiple times yeah i, I will i will tell you and i've always said this that the the um you know the the, the third leftover on this show is alcohol guys i was like five and i'm not, I'm not making excuses but i was i was five or six beers in by that time you know, so, I mean, yeah, I get a little, I, you know, I turn into that guy when I drink a little bit, you know, I get, I get, sometimes I do get a little bit more animated and a little bit louder. It just happens. That's what alcohol does, people. It's fucking science, bitches. Paul, you know about this. You're a teacher. I do. Science, yo. <laughs> this, is a, this is a long podcast, too. Like, how, what are we supposed to do? Talk like drones the entire yeah. time? Like, who's going to listen for five hours if we're like... Okay, and then in Endgame, all the Avengers showed up, and Captain America finally said, "Avengers assemble." And okay, Brian, it's your turn to talk. No, you it's, know? it's, like, it's what the, the fuck. It's the thing. It's here's the thing. They have no problem with me disagreeing with Dan. It's the fact that I just try to sh- like I, I shush everybody and I try to shut everybody down, and that's the big thing. I get it. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't change it. It happened. No, yeah, it, we get passionate about the things. I mean, it's yeah, the arguments are fun. I, I know myself, and I personally love to debate and argue. And it's if someone's going to disagree with your stance, that just opens the window to have a you know good healthy debate. And who gives a fuck if you start yelling or get passionate, especially I, with friends? I tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. Like it, it, you listen to it on the episode, maybe you didn't like it. But on the flip side, if you're my friend, if you're Dan. If if me and Dan were out and somebody was talking shit about Dan, I'd be that same loud guy yelling at that person for attacking my friend. And I, Jake, you know I've done it for you. I've stood up for you. I've said shit. And yeah, um, for sure. So I mean, that's you know, at the end of the day, no matter what I did or what I said on that podcast, nothing comes in between me and Dan's friendship and uh, me and your friendship and and uh you know what paul i'm gonna throw you up on the on the fucking on the uh on the listener board on the friendship board here you know how we i talk- made it you made I it fucking made you it. did it you did it paul doesn't need us he's our steve you're a finalist in the brian the thon brian you're a finalist hello in 2019 yes bitches. hello and congratulations paul you're a finalist oh can i get that like in a fucking certificate Oh, man, I will definitely send it to you in a certificate. Dude, that's going on my fucking wall. Yeah, it's going to have, like, uh, I don't know, what do you what do you want on the certificate? Surprise me. All right, cool. I'm I gonna, trust you. I trust you, Brian. I might have a clinical moment on your fucking certificate. <laughs> please, please do. Yeah, that, that, Paul, I just said that I was going to masturbate on your certificate is what I, what I said. And I still said I'm going to fucking frame it on my wall. All right, there we go. All right. Uh, This next one comes from Big Steve, 5544. Uh, Great show, never change, five-star. Decided to write this after seeing all the haters following the Endgame episode. I have been a listener for about six months, and that passion and energy is what separates this podcast from the pack. Clearly, those offended did not listen to the intro. Amazing show, never change, and keep up the good work. Uh, Great work, and that comes from Big Steve, 5544. 
Yeah, another fantastic review with a terrible username. Yeah. And and Big Steve gets it. He gets the podcast. Oh man. Like, Would you like to get it from Big Steve? Nah, I'm good right now. <laughs> okay, just checking. And I'm calling Big Steve for nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know. We got you know, fucking uh, <laughs> off the rails already. Let's go. <laughs> hey, Yola, what do we got here? I don't know. Uh, first time, long time, five star. This comes from Seahart Dirty Dirt. It goes on to say, thank you for all you do. I looked into doing my own podcast, and when I realized how much work it was, it makes me appreciate everyone else's podcast even more. The thing I like the best about your podcast is you guys aren't professional critics located in major media markets. You're just regular fans like us with day jobs living in flyover country like the majority of Americans. And I think that makes me like the podcast even more, way more real and organic. I have no beef with big city or big city people. But it's neat to hear a new perspective. Keep up the good work. And that comes from Seahart Dirty Dur. Dirty Dur. I, I like that review quite a lot. That was a good mm-hmm. one. That's, that's my review of the week right there. Review of the week. We need like a fucking like <laughs> like a bumper to accompany that. Review of the week. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> like King's Arrival trumpets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jake's review of the week. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, you know, we we don't live in the big cities. We're not in L.A. We're not in New York. Yeah. We're not professional critics. You know, I, I agree with that. It, it's nice to hear like a nice homebrew podcast. I, I, I like that, too, when I'm looking for podcasts about movies and stuff. I don't you know, it's more interesting to hear what normal down to earth people thought of it than it is, you know, yeah. Peter Travers or whatever the fuck. You know, yeah, I want to hear normal people yelling at each other. <laughs> 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 Only normal people will yell at each I other. Know. The other people, it'll never happen. I know. I just, yeah. <laughs> I just want to hear no, normal people with a one-sided conversation with of a one guy yelling at a group of people. <laughs> yeah. Throwing an occasional masturbation joke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I've let because yeah, some of this, some of the hate kind of fuels me a little bit all week. Jake, there were times when I was <laughs> reading some of these iTunes reviews throughout the week that I would have a smile on in the car. <laughs> yeah, dude, I wish, I wish I could get a bit more hate mail. Honestly, I'm jealous. <laughs> you got it. <you. laughs> it's kind of it's kind of cool knowing that you can have this effect on people. Like I don't. I have, and there are podcasts that I'm going to throw this out there. There are podcasts that I listen to and some of the hosts kind of get on my nerves a little bit or like it's a new host and they've changed things with a podcast I used to love. And so it's changed a little bit and it's like, but you know what? I've never gone back and changed my reviews and I've never gone as far as sending an email to said podcast and saying, yeah, you really need to get rid of so-and-so. You really need to do this. You really need to do that. Because, but man, for me to kind of like evoke that from people, that is, I I would say that is a skill, sir. Yeah, I agree. And not just like every now and again, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) And it gives you like a sense of power too. Like you've had power over this person enough to piss them off to fucking text. Yeah. They took time out of their day. You know what I mean? That's pretty amazing. Time is valuable. We are on earth for just a limited time. And I have stolen minutes from you. (laughs) Just in their car. (laughs) Fuck this guy. I'm going to fucking email him. (laughs) Oh, man. I know. 
Oh, man. They're probably checking iTunes to see if the review is posted yet. Checking iTunes while I check my ego. All right. (laughs) 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 Let's see here. Now I'm going to get that. Now, now we're going to get the reviews. He thinks he's funny and he's not funny. There we go. That's a new one. That's a new Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Bring on the originality, people. They're good. (laughs) They're good. Oh, man, this was a good iTunes review segment. We haven't had a really good one in a while like this. Yeah, it's been a while. So thank you for the one and the two stars, people. Drop it. Hey, fucker, drop that down to one. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been listening for a while now and uh, felt the need to dis- voice my displeasure. <laughs> I still think my all-time favorite iTunes segment is the uh, teacher from the school of the blind. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let's not go there. <laughs> that was amazing. All right. Guys, um, are you ready to talk? I want to, you know, let's not bury the lead here. We had uh, a new Spider-Man trailer come out this week. The uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer number two. This one was accompanied by a uh, spoiler warning at the beginning given personally by uh, Tom Holland. Uh, we had heard rumors about this and and it, it was true. Um, Tom Holland got on there and basically is saying like if you haven't seen Endgame um, you know this, this, this could spoil elements of that movie. Yeah, it's a pretty neat thing for them to do but I I don't really understand what purpose it serves, right? You've already clicked the thing or you're in the theater. Like what are people running away from their computers or out of the, out of the theater? Has it been, have they, have they, have they run that trailer in the theater? I haven't seen it in the theater yet. I haven't seen it yet either. Um, I saw Endgame yesterday and we did not get that preview. Well, well I, I imagine they're not, not going to play it before, before Endgame. Okay, well, I yeah. don't know. Because <laughs> if you haven't seen, like, everybody in the theater walks out, you know. <laughs> That'd be amazing. It's like, it's like playing a horror movie in front of a kid's movie. They're all, wait, they're all waiting in the, uh, in the hall, you know, for about five minutes before they can go back in when it's safe. Um, we uh, we got a new synopsis uh, for Far From Home. Uh, following the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. So we are going to uh, break down the trailer. I'm also going to be talking about uh, some of the news outlets had set visits, uh, and uh, they learned some things from the set visits. We'll be talking about those. I also have some – and guys, I have theories, but I'm not – these theories are wild theories. I have wild theories that I'm just throwing out there. I'm not necessarily saying these things are going to happen. I'm not saying I believe that this theory is going to happen. I'm just trying to think outside of the box and bring you something fun other than me yelling at everybody all the time. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he keeps bringing it up. He keeps bringing it. That's something else to bitch about, isn't it, people? Let's just, oh, yeah. let's just find anything and everything to piss and moan about. But here's the thing, Jake. It's like people think – we live in a fucking Burger King world where everybody thinks they have to have it their way and that if they fucking get on the internet and they bitch and they piss and they moan about something, that people are going to cave and give them what they want. Nothing's going to fucking change. Not a god yeah. – I'm not going to change one fucking thing about how I am on this podcast. Not a damn thing. It doesn't matter how many one-star reviews you send in. It doesn't matter how many emails you send in. I'm not going to break. I'm not going to change. I will burn this motherfucker to the ground before I fucking change for some asshole left over one, two, three or Jensen. 
I, it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we're hardly the fucking Sonic the Hedgehog movie over here at PCL. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm not changing the character designs for anything going forward. So, yeah, yeah. Th- th- it doesn't work like that all the time, people. You don't always get what you want. All right? <laughs> so, Jake, I'm taking the flow of the conversation back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I expected you to start singing. We didn't start the fire again right there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. JFK blown away. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> North Korea, Marilyn South Korea. Marilyn Monroe. All right. Yeah, trailer breakdown. So we got this trailer. It starts off with uh, Peter, and he's on top of a rooftop. Uh, he says, everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. And uh, we see that he's looking at some uh, public memorial street art of Iron Man uh, drawn onto the side of a building. And um, it made me think of that line, Jake, from Infinity War, where Thanos looks at Tony after he stabbed him and says, I hope they remember you. And it just, I mean, that just really fucking hit me, dude. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, Donos was completely wrong. I I think he kind of inferred that they possibly wouldn't remember him very much. That you know they'd move on, but that is not the case. And you know, it's it's not like just New York City is kind of like mourning his loss. I, I feel like it'd be nice to see in this movie kind of like the whole world affected by it. I'd like to see, you know, we've already seen the kids in the first trailer kind of like watching Mysterio as he. You know, is battling that water elemental on, uh, you know, like CNN or whatever, uh, headline news or whatever it is. I would like to see some other, like, Easter eggs of, you know, like maybe like a ticker at the bottom talking about, like, how people around the world are mourning the death of Tony Stark, things like that. I think that this should be not just kind of like a, a New York thing. I'd like to see his death be kind of like, um, impact the, uh, the world globally. Yeah, I think there's a very good possibility you will see that, beings that we're kind of globetrotting in this movie. Yeah, I know we're going, I mean, is, is it a European, I know it's a Euro trip. I, I've seen a lot of shots from Venice. Did, did you, the Venice stuff, I don't know if they've actually filmed in Venice, but Marvel Studios built, they have a whole studio that they've recreated to look like Venice. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they probably didn't even, it's probably not even on location then, huh? Uh, they might have, I don't know if they have like some stock footage, you know what I mean, that they'll probably use for like overhead shots. But as far as like Spider-Man and the action and stuff, most of that stuff might not be on location. Um, I'm sure some, some of it might, I don't know, but I know that I they built a mix. set. I, yeah. A lot of times, like what they did with like Star Wars was like, you know, the scenes where you needed the good sound control and everything they yeah. would do in the studio, but they would get all like the action shots and the on location shots of like, yeah. you know, groupings or walking right. or, or all that stuff. So they didn't want to ADR a bunch of stuff later and they would do all that stuff in the actual like stage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I can't imagine not going to the movie and at the end where they think like the different locations. I can't imagine them not thanking some of these European countries for like letting them film there. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's they do film a lot in Atlanta, though, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Canada, too, these days, don't they still? 
Canada, yeah. Marvels does a lot in Atlanta. I don't know how much they're doing in Canada. It used to be Australia was the place to film. That's how like they discovered uh, Hugh Jackman and some of these Australian actors because it was cheaper to film in, in uh, Australia for a long time. You know, do you think that maybe the next Thor, if they do another Thor movie, do you think that they'll film in Australia? We've heard Chris Hem- and we're going to get back to the trailer. Chill the fuck out, people. Do you think that they'll film the next Thor movie possibly in Australia? It seems like he's got a new movie coming out, I think, with uh, – yeah, we're going to talk – Maybe do I have that in my notes? Uh, he's got a movie with Tiffany Haddish coming out um, where she's uh, she's like a, an exotic dancer and he's a detective and it's called something Down Under. And it's uh, – they're filming it in Australia. And I think one of the reasons that they're doing this is because – Chris Hemsworth has said he's wanted to spend more time with his family, and it just makes sense for some of the Chris Hemsworth projects if they want, if studios want him in their movies to film in Australia. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, Taika's from New Zealand too, right? So if he was involved, it wouldn't be that much of a leap. Yeah, yeah, and we don't know if if. We don't know if 100% if Thor is going to be in the Guardians because, like, the Russo said that's 100% up to James Gunn. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard saying. Like, my gut tells me that they have to, like, continue, you know, connect the dots somehow. But on the other hand, we know Gunn has had this screenplay done for so long. But I, I guess he would have been aware of what the Russos were doing, too. Yeah. Uh, they say that they, that, that his script was not influenced by anything that they did in Endgame, but I cannot imagine that Feige would not pass notes on between directors. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, you know, just some bullet points of things that have to, they do just to make the stuff make sense, right? You know, to move things on to the next, next part. That, that's interesting, yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like what you're saying about, just to go back to the Spider-Man Far From Home stuff. Yeah. Um, and this being, you know, the first movie after Endgame, I think this is really cool. More, even more so than after the first Avengers and after Age of Ultron, it really does feel like this is just picking up emotionally right after the last movie kind of left off. You know, I yes. think that's something they tried to do yeah. the previous two times, but just kind of half-assed it a little bit with the continuity. Right. I'm actually going to talk about that because. Uh... Yeah, I'm, let, me, let me talk about that here in a moment. How how soon I think that this movie takes place after after Endgame, and I know that we had the statements by Amy Pascal in the past, and she says, you know, that the movie takes place minutes after Endgame, and and I think that that's kind of revealed here in this trailer. And I'm going to get to that right now here in a moment. Um, we got Happy Hogan uh, in the trailer, and he says, "Yeah, I miss him too." I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. Um, kind of like another thing of setting up is like, is, you know, like, uh, uh, Peter being the next Iron Man here. Um, and I'm not saying like Peter wearing the Iron Man suit. I'm talking about Peter is also brilliant in his own right and being kind of like the next big, um, uh, hero, uh, take on kind of like, uh, you know, uh, the roles that Iron Man was taking on because it feels like from this trailer, like this mission would have gone to Iron Man. Like this would have been Iron Man's mission. And Nick Fury is actually getting Peter to do this because Iron Man's not there. And of course, like he talks about how like Thor is off world. Uh, Captain Marvel is busy and all these things. And it feels like as far as like superheroes, he's doing some of the things that Iron Man, Tony would have done. 
Yeah, I agree with that assessment. I, I think it's an interesting kind of character beat. I, I think he's incorrect in feeling all the weight of that on his shoulders. Like, that obviously isn't really what's going on here. But the scenario kind of stacks up to, like, probably even amplify him thinking that in the first place. Mm-hmm. With the Nick Fury and all the elementals and all that that's going on. And even, I mean, I you know, the stuff that Mysterio is saying, it makes it kind of seem like Peter is, like, taking on that leadership role. Or in his head, he may potentially have to. And that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it looks like they are on one of Tony's private jets when this conversation takes place. And if I had to guess, then this is probably one of the first, if not first scenes in the movie. Um, when Amy Pascal did say that the movie takes place minutes after Endgame, I'm guessing this is Peter, Aunt May, and Happy flying back from the funeral of Tony Stark. Yeah, I bet you're 100% correct. And I, I think that's really cool that, like, it just makes no sense otherwise. There, It's not six months later and they're having this conversation with Happy Hogan like this. Mm-mm. No, no. Uh-uh. And he's on the, I mean, he's on the flight and he's crying. He's in tears. Yeah, they got yeah. raw emotion right there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Exactly. Not that they're not still beat up by it right. six months later, but it's, yeah, it just very much seems like it's the here and the now, like right after Endgame. Agreed. Um, I'm hoping that this is what I like, you know, the Iron Man movies uh, are probably done unless we get like uh, an Iron Heart or something like that in the future. But I'm hoping that Happy Hogan, you know, John Favreau, his character does go on in the Spider-Man movies. I, I think it's a great relationship. I love yeah. seeing him in these movies. I loved him in the first one. And I'm hoping that Happy kind of takes that um, fatherly role. For Peter, you know, he's already lost Uncle Ben, then he lost Tony, and uh, I, I want someone. I, I want someone stable in his life other than Aunt May. And with the there was a there's a teased romance from the two from the set visits, which I'll talk about later. But this this could be Happy's role going forward in the MCU, and I, I kind of love that idea if it does come to fruition. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I like it too. I I definitely don't want to just because Iron Man died lose Favreau in the Hogan role too. So hopefully they do find not a cheesy way to keep him involved in the storylines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see Peter in a scene uh, battling some criminal criminals in the uh, Iron Spider suit. Uh, he's still in New York, so this is before his European trip. And then uh, if you notice, I mean he. From the first movie where he's battling those guys that are robbing the ATM, in this one, like, he seems way more confident, and he disposes of these guys really easily, and he leaves them webbed up to the ceiling. It just feels like we've got a more polished uh, superhero on our hands in uh, Far From Home. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the training wheels are kind of off, and he's a little bit more confident in what he's actually doing. Yeah, he's and he's battling like street level thugs, and I feel like even Aunt May, knowing that he's you know uh, Spider Man, I feel like she's she's supporting him in this. I mean, he's he disposes of these guys pretty easily. I think it's like in this movie, <laughs> the fact that he's going to have to battle these uh, elementals is is going to seem a little out of his league at this point. Yeah, I agree. The street-level thug thing is one thing, but, I mean, just like Pepper is worried about Tony when he goes to that next level of things, it's the same kind of deal here, I think. Yeah. Paul? 
Oh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And even just when he's busting the cops' uh, balls, when they're like, uh, when he's like, you know, he says, I think they say, like, you should be the next Iron Man. He's like, well, yeah. I can't because I'm too busy doing your job. And they're like, yeah. whoa. And he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Like, he definitely has that confidence. Yes. And he's got that repertoire with, uh, you know, the NYPD. Like, I just love that coming from this. I love that. That's that's one of the things that I love from the comics. You know, uh, him joking around with the police. And this is mm-hmm. stuff that I love seeing in in the Spider-Man movies. You know, um, Peter, you know, working with the police and then... Even one of my favorite scenes, and I know you're not a fan of the of the Amazing Spider-Man and, and uh, Andrew Garfield, Jake, but one of my favorite scenes in any Spider-Man film was Amazing Spider-Man Two when he was helping the uh, fire department and and wearing that fireman's hat. I just thought that that felt like it was straight out of the comics, and it was it was fun. I loved that scene. Yeah, I do like that kind of feeling. And even, like, Raimi kind of does a little bit of that stuff in his trilogy, which is kind of how much New York eventually gets behind Spider-Man. Yeah, and, yeah on the subway. Yeah, sure. I love that. Oh, my God. That's still, like, uh, that's when an When they stand in front of him? Fuck, yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, what was uh, what was the one where, like, they take the – he's got the mask off, and they're like, he's just a boy. And like they, I think that's part two, yeah. Yeah, and they like they're yeah. all, yeah. Oh God, and they're and they all kind of like uh, silently vow not to like give give away his uh, identity. Just just yeah. a touching moment. I love that fucking movie. It's fucking powerful. Yeah, um, it kind of adds up to the whole you know friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Yeah, you know moniker. I, I like that kind of stuff too. Uh, we then get a scene of Peter and Happy fighting over who's going to answer a phone call from Nick Fury. <laughs> um, and uh, Peter sends Nick Fury to voicemail. I thought that was pretty hilarious. And then Happy says, you do not ghost Nick Fury. Yeah, I like that a lot too. It, it was funny like having seen the previous trailer too, knowing how Fury ends up actually cornering Spider-Man. Like The, yeah. the knowledge of what happens later made this even funnier, I thought. Agreed. I love that too. Um, we get uh, Peter and Ned. They're excited to go on this Euro- European trip. Uh, we see a, a scene of a of a random kid, a student, or something like that. And this is just a weird thing to throw in the trailer. But we got a we got a student running by Flash Thompson and dick tapping him real fast. I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck is that all about? Um, then we get uh, Ned talking about uh, falling in love when he's knocked out by, by uh, Nick Fury's darts. And um, Nick Fury says, you're a very difficult person to contact Spider-Man. And he he almost, he's cool about it, but he, you can kind of tell he's a little annoyed. Yeah. Fury, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Fury always kind of has that air about him, right? That everything's kind of wasting his time a little bit. Um, we get uh, a scene of Peter on the boat that we got from the first trailer. And... That it looks like it's that boat is leading him to a, a secret. I don't know if it's underground, but it's like a secret bunker where he's uh, introduced to uh, Quentin Beck, um, also known as Mysterio, who's being played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who shakes Peter's hand and says, "We could have used someone like you on our world." And then Nick Fury goes on to explain that he's from Earth, but not ours, and that the snap tore a hole in our dimension. Peter says, you're saying there's a multiverse. So they are, I mean, this is going off the events of Endgame, and multiverses have been introduced, and it looks like we're going to get our first taste of the multiverse here in this movie. 
That's exciting. If it's not all a giant trick and scam by Mysterio. True, true. Exactly. We are we are working with Mysterio. Um I feel like there's going to be a lot of twists in this movie, Jake, and I don't know if we've if 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 Do you think that that is the twist here, Jake? Or do you think that the twist could be something even bigger? I hope it's something bigger, and I I want lots of twists and turns in this storyline. Like, to me, it's a waste of the Mysterio character if we're not going to have big reveals and at Mm. least more than one as far as what's really going on here. I have a theory later. I'm not sold on my theory. I think it's a fun theory, and we'll talk about it later towards the end of of this breakdown. Uh, I have a quick question, Brian. Yes. Um, which snap, like, do you think there, like, which snap uh-huh. do you think caused the multiverse? Was it There's Thanos' initial snap? Yeah. Was it Hulk snap? Or was it Iron Man snap? Uh, Thanos snapped twice. I mean, he snapped to destroy the uh, stones down to atoms as well. Oh. So there were four okay. snaps. That's true. Four snaps. Okay. I mean, I, dude, I, I, that's a great question, and I don't know if they're going to get. I don't even know if they're going to get into that in the movie if they understand the dynamics of everything yet. Yeah, because just, if I, it was Thanos' first snap, that would have been like five years earlier. You know, I don't know. I'm yeah, just, no, that's a good point. Yeah, my gut tells me that this is just right after Endgame. They're they're this is really what's happening. I really. Like, I see all the possibilities to do a lot of storylines in the future they want to do with this stuff, but I still feel like it's all a red herring, and that's not happening right here and there. That this is all Mysterio scam. Hmm. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I, um, it could be. I mean, he, we, we do know that in the comics, you know, he's, he's, he's done things like this, and do, do you think that he brought the elementals with him? Oh yeah, he's definitely like putting the whole thing on. Well, here's like, the th- yeah. To me, that's Mysterio. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had I had that. Uh, that was one of my theories uh, when the when the first trailer came out was that those were kind of like illusions that he's created. I mean, they might be real villains, but he's kind of enhanced them somehow, right? Agreed, and they're just participating like actors, basically at this point, getting whooped by Mysterio, Uh running away. I've got another theory later that discounts that, but I'm not, you know, placing all my bets on that theory. But because I think I think I think most people have kind of like figured that not most people, but like most people that are really in bed with the MCU and in bed with these characters have kind of like. They know Mysterio, and they and they know that like nothing is as what it seems, and so I, I feel like there's got to be a bigger twist than like what we're kind of like. And Tom Holland had a quote this week, which I'll I'll, I'll bring up later. But it yeah, feels feel like, like there's something more worst, to this. Oh, go ahead, Jake. I feel like at worst the lie is that he's not a hero in his world, but I, I find that to be slightly boring. Like that's a big yeah, no shit. If that's like all there is as far as the reveal is concerned. You know? No, no, I think there's more than... Do you, do you want me to just get to my theory? I'm, yes. we, we, I'm, I'm excited so. <laughs> for it, but I, we can finish the breakdown. I'm not going to forget about it. Okay, okay, yeah. We'll we'll get to it. Um, but um, uh, lost my lost my place. Here we go. I'll, I'll get there. Um, 
one of the things is like you know let's say let's let's take this for what it is let's take it at face value let's say that mm-hmm. let's say that mysterio is from another multiverse um and that these elementals actually traveled over with him and that's why he's there is to help shield fight them he you know like that that's what a hero would do right i mean you know enemies from his world come to our world and he's traveled here to help battle them because, you know, he's the one he feels responsible because they came from his world. Let's just take that as, you know, like, mm-hmm. you, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at face value, like what, what if what if what if that is it? But I, my theory goes into into that, but like more. And, and I'll talk about that later. But one of the things that I don't like about this scene, and no, no, I'm not saying I don't like it from a like a of of. From like a film is I don't like it from like a, what Nick Fury's doing here. I don't like how Nick Fury lets this guy from the multiverse, Quentin Beck, Mysterio, know Peter's secret identity. That rubs me the wrong way. Something is off here. And, you know, it's like, I know that we can't 100% trust Mysterio, but can we trust Nick Fury? Because like, Jake, I don't know about you. I, it just... I understand that, like, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything's undercover, but it feels like, I don't know how long S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been working with this guy, how well they know him, and you're exposing a child's identity as a superhero to this guy within moments. And I don't even care if Peter agreed to this for his protection. I, I don't, I, I, there's some, I don't like no, this. Something I, I, don't, I don't like about this Nick Fury doing this. I've had the same exact thought process like that's the one kind of big gaping hole in the mysterio is completely full of shit theory yeah is that something besides mysterio just telling nick fury these things has to have convinced nick fury this hard that this is what's going on Mm -hmm. like i'm with you there like there's a bigger level of hoodwinking going on than just Mysterio saying, hey, Nick Fury, I'm from the multiverse and I'm here to help you. Yeah. Nick Fury's like, yeah, dude, I'm in 100%. Sure. <laughs> you know, no shiftiness. Like, I, obviously, yeah. but in my mind, I like to think that this just upsells Mysterio as even that much bigger and smarter of a bad guy that he has somehow been able to hoodwink Nick Fury we just don't know what he did. I mean, it could mm-hmm. just be more illusion. Like, he's a master of illusion. He yeah. could have taken Nick Fury to the fake multiverse, for all we know, and shown it to him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and we know Nick Fury, in the comics, there, Nick Fury has a lot of secrets. And, you know, those secrets come out in the comics and things like that. But I keep getting this feeling like... Like it's Karate Kid Three, where like Daniel is being played by both Crease and um, that uh, that that ponytail uh, jerk Terry. If you remember that movie, like like both of the people that he's unfortunately I do, yeah, like, <laughs> like both of the people that he's being trained by that he's supposed to trust are taking advantage of him, and I I feel like there's a chance of that possibly happening here that. I, there's something I just I just don't like about this. Yeah, I think Nick Fury's being played. I really do. Um, just master level played too for him to fall into so much fiction here. So, yeah, and that's yeah. unfortunate. He, he's definitely. I agree with you, Brian. You should feel uneasy, and I think that's kind of 
what makes it a little bit of a great villain scene, right? Is that boom, he's already yeah. just revealing all this fucking stuff. Like, ugh, not good. <laughs> yeah. And what's what's even worse about this is like like we we even see in this trailer kind of like him bonding with Peter and being a part of his life. I, I'm talking about uh, Mysterio, uh, Quentin Beck, yeah. and. Of course you could do that when he's so vulnerable right now after losing Tony. Yeah, exactly. Your emotions are way more easier easier to manipulate when yeah. you're in that kind of emotional state. Yeah. But oh my god, I will be like Brian level Iron Man 3 Mandarin mad if all of this is face value and Mysterio is still a good guy by the end of this. All right. Well, well we'll talk about that later. I have uh <laughs> I ha- I definitely have thoughts and uh um, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Multiverse. Uh, does the film introduce a Marvel multiverse, or is it just Mysterio lying? John Watts, had, the director for this movie, had a quote for this question. He said, we had to look at it in terms of the scope of what happened at the end of Endgame, seeing all the crazy things that they did and all the questions that raises. So we're definitely trying to answer one of the big ones alternate timelines so many possibilities opened up at the end of endgame and peter parker is one of the few people on the ground dealing with them in the film it's similar to the trailer he mysterio is introduced as a potential ally to fight off this elemental threat they're both from the same sort of parallel dimension yeah and that's the that's the quote from uh, from John Watts. Now, can we trust John Watts? I, I mean, he or is he coming from the school of the Russos here? Yeah, I think he's coming from the school of the Russos a bit here. Of course, he's not just going to lay out Mysterio and the Elementals, you know, origins and motivations right here on a you know press junk interview. Yeah. Paul, what are you thinking, man? Are, are you taking Mysterio at face value uh, that he's from uh, that he's a hero from another dimension? He's there to stop the elementals, or do you think that this is all uh, this is all uh, Mysterio misdirection? And what is his motivation? What man, is his uh, motivation at this point? What is Mysterio's uh, motivation to come into our reality, our universe, yeah. and wreak havoc? Is it because that? Uh, in his reality, like, uh, Iron Man still exists. And he has. Or hasn't does been- he see, like, an inv- like, does he see, like, a vulnerable universe of ours without Iron Man? And he's, yes. it's, like, ripe for the picking. Yes. Yes. Like, like, Iron Man still exists in his universe for some, you know, and, uh, and, um, he's come here because, you know, we are without Iron Man. And that's exactly. kind of- that's kind of a pussy move for a villain that you can't like you know what I mean? Like, oh I can't beat him on uh on our playing field, so I'm gonna go somewhere else where he doesn't exist. I, that's just a side note from me. But. No, no, uh totally. I don't know, man. After what I've I've watched this trailer a ton of times and part of my gut tells me he's like he could legitimately be a good guy. Like I and I that would be crazy against the character, but then keep thinking about Nick uh. Fury, um could he possibly have brought Nick Fury from the multiverse to our universe to kind of get Spider-Man vulnerable or whatever? Like, oh, I don't know, man. man. I'm so excited for this movie. Here we go. Let's uh, Fuck it. Let's get into my theory. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Let's get into my theory because I love what you're saying right now. Can, um, can we do a quick break? 
God damn you! Are you serious? <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. It's 12 ounce Red Bull, man. It's. <laughs> I'm literally gonna go into. Yes, we can take a break, dude. <laughs> All right, we will be back in a moment, and I am going to first read Tom Holland's quote and then lead into my theory that Paul set up for me masterfully. We'll be right back. Just jumped up on the table right as I hit record. Thanks for that. Love you. You're wonderful. Um, <laughs> We're all back. Hey, oh, I, let me predict the next iTunes review. You guys mentioned on your last podcast that you're like Jerry Springer. So that's trash TV and your podcast is trash. I can go to hell. <laughs> I I just want to beat them to it. That's all. I want to I steal their thunder. Yeah, I, we've already call, called our own podcast trash probably a hundred plus times yeah, on air, so I think exactly. we're good to go. We've called it the dive bar of podcasting many a time. <laughs> All right. Tom Holland had a quote, and I wanted to read this quote. He said, uh, and this was during set visits, he said, uh, there's a scene in the film where audiences will feel like they've been punched in the face, even filming it. I remember walking out and then watching it again on the monitors and asking John, are you sure that's okay? And he's like, no, it's not. People are going to hate this scene. But it really, God, it's pretty crazy. And it's very similar in the way that it's very tense and it whips the rug from underneath your feet. It's pretty awesome. And what he means by um, it's similar in the way that it's very tense and it whips the rug from underneath your feet is I believe he's talking about the scene in... uh, uh, homecoming, where he's in the uh, in the car and he's left alone with Michael Keaton's The Vulture, and uh, they have that talk. 
and he finds out that you know he's the villain and and all that you know what i mean you you know what scene i'm talking about yeah mm-hmm. and so i i feel like that's what he's talking about here so like apparently there's going to be some kind of like an emotional uh moment in far from home some people are thinking it could be a death like aunt may or or even michelle mj or ned um uh, some are just thinking it's going to be some kind of like a like big twist that uh, changes uh, Marvel fans' uh, view of of the film, the franchise, and and it could make them very angry. <clears throat> this kind of gets me to to my theory here, and um, Paul, you kind of uh, alluded to this. Uh, either I, I think either the, the the Nick Fury that we're looking at in this movie is either Nick Fury from the multiverse brought mm-hmm. over here and he's either and he could be a Hydra agent or this is Nick Fury as an evil scroll. I kind of like the evil Hydra agent Nick Fury. Um yeah. but I feel like he's also brought over with him his enemy or 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 something that 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 could be um not his enemy, but he could have brought over this 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 Mysterio that we've been introduced to. This uh, you know Quentin Beck from you know another multiverse, and that he is good. But what about the Quentin Beck in our universe? What if he's the evil Mysterio that we're going to meet in future movies? So like somehow. This good Mysterio that we thought is going to have this turn, this evil turn the entire movie, and we find out that there's a bigger bad in this movie, and it's actually Nick Fury. And somehow, at the end of this movie, we find out that the Quentin Beck from our reality is actually going to be going forward as the evil Mysterio. I like that a lot. That's that is a good one. That's a really fascinating theory. Um, I didn't even think about the possibility of this being not our Nick Fury. And that, that even makes me think of the possibility of it just being, you know, a mirage by Mysterio himself even. It just could be, you know, a faux Nick Fury. But I, that's crazy. Would you I, have Mysterio versus Mysterio at the end of the movie in, in that scenario? No, I would not. I would basically have the good Mysterio die at the end of the movie and the and the big reveal is the evil Mysterio kind of like taking his suit or something at the end of the movie. Okay. You know, his damaged suit and then like taking it and, and going into, into other moves. I, I wouldn't want to see a Mysterio versus Mysterio movie. I just kind of like want to see something where, where Peter has to, again, and it's tragic, but this, this, uh, Mysterio that he's grown to, to, he's fought with and, and, um, you know, side by side with, and he has to watch him die. And, um, at the, at that moment, he finds out that maybe there's an evil Mysterio, or maybe that's something that the audience finds out. But, I don't know. I, I it's, it's, it, I haven't thought about this theory. I mean, there might be holes in what I'm saying, but it's just one of those things where I'm trying to think of like, what what is Tom? I, I I have a hard time thinking that they're going to kill MJ in this movie. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they're going to do any kind of major death like that at all in this movie. I think they're smart enough to know that they can't gut punch gut punch twice in a row. 
Yeah. As far as like big death, you know? Right. Well, as far as like big deaths, as far as like characters that we've, that we've known in this universe, you know, I, I mean, if, if, if good Mysterio, if there is a good Mysterio, if he dies, I think like we'd be able to handle that a little bit better. And then it would be kind of like a, a cool way to still have Jake Gyllenhaal involved in future films and be able to play, uh, how deep, how cool is that? That he gets to play this Mysterio that's actually a good Mysterio from another multiverse. And that's also a very cool way to introduce the multiverses to kind of get audiences to understand this, that like not everything on every multiverse is going to be what it is here. Like, and this also kind of sets up their what if series, the, the animated series as to, you know, and some of the things that they're talking about with the what if series, there's like, you know, like what if, uh, you know, uh, Peggy Carter was Captain America and, uh, like things like that. And, and, um, like this is kind of like a what if scenario with, in itself it kind of sets up that series like what if there was a good Mysterio on an alternate universe and you, you know I mean there's a lot that they can kind of like I think Amy Pascal is is really embraced what the MCU is doing and I, I don't think that she has a problem with um, the with trying to keep Spider-Man separate from the MCU hell in the first movie we had Iron Man in there we still got Happy Hogan in this movie and and Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. are part of this movie so I I don't have I don't think that Amy Pascal is like you know putting her foot down and and, uh, wanting to kind of like separate this Spider-Man from the overall MCU and the 22 films that they've that they've uh, previously put out yeah, agreed. They're not trying to separate from like what is now the second highest grossing movie of all time anytime right. soon, right? Yeah. They, they want to keep that banner and keep that snowball rolling. Um, yeah, Brian, I, I love your theory. Um, cause honestly, one of my biggest worries about the whole thing, and I mean, it's not a worry. It could still be a good movie, but Mysterio is one of my favorite characters and I would hate for him to be a one and done villain like so many of them are in mm-hmm. these MCU movies. So that does make me kind of, you know, champion your theory a bit. You know, I don't want yeah. another vulture scenario. I don't think we're ever going to see him in any of these movies anymore. So like, so like my gut punch in this is kind of like, you know, in the first movie we find out that vulture is evil. What if the gut punch in this one is we hear this Nick Fury say, hail Hydra. Yeah. Holy. Yeah, that that could be crucial. I mean, just re, you know, reacting to how people reacted when Captain America did it in just the comic books alone, right? That would, yeah. that would probably upset a lot of people. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, Paul, did you have a theory that you wanted to bring to the table? I I actually do, and it's kind of jumping a little further ahead in the trailer, but kind of talking about the possibility of an evil Nick Fury, maybe from the parallel universe. I keep thinking. We get shots of the stealth Spider-Man. What if that Spider-Man, the stealth Spider-Man, isn't from our universe, but yet from the multiverse? Uh, I let me. I will get okay. into. Uh, let me okay. get into that. That that stealth suit, as far as I found out from you know some of the set visits, is a suit that's actually made by this Nick Fury. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that then then yeah. That that's all I got. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, this is from Slash Film. They talked about the the stealth suit and their set, set visit. They said, in a world which toy sales are arguably as important as box office numbers, it's a given that in each new superhero movie, the heroes are going to get new costumes. Typically, they just involve slight upgrades. But for much of Far From Home, Peter Peter rocks a whole new look. Um, I think it's one of the producers here, uh, explains what happens during Peter's first briefing with Fury in Venice. 
Peter Parker pulls Nick aside and says, listen, man, I really want to help. It sounds like you're really up against it, but there's got to be somebody else you can call. And besides, last time I, I went on a field trip, Spider-Man showed up and saved the day. Don't you think somebody's going to connect the dots? My secret identity is important to me. If this guy shows up, saves the day, somebody's going to do the math. I really want to help you, but it seems like you've got everyone you need anyway. So if you don't mind, and Nick Fury is like, I totally understand. He's like, you do? That's great. So he thinks he's off the hook, and he takes off. Uh, but the next morning, Fury gives Peter the stealth suit, a black tactical costume that looks more like a shield uniform than the colorful suit that he's used to wearing from Tony Stark. It's inspired by a bunch of different looks in the comics, Carol says. We have noir, we have big time, but... When Marvel Studios' head of visual de- development, Ryan Mindering, was designing this, he had all of those past S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in mind. So it's very reminiscent of what Black Widow or Hawkeye would wear. It's got amazing little details. This would be the patch where there would be a S.H.I.E.L.D. logo if S.H.I.E.L.D. were still a thing, stuff like that. This <laughs> is supposed to be a really tactical version of the suit. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles of the suit Tony gave him, but that's okay it allows him to operate in Europe without everyone just assuming Spider-Man's on the scene. Um, the one thing he asked for them to keep were his goggles because they help him focus with his heightened senses. Uh, because it's Spider-Man and we thought this was so cool, John Watts really wanted to find a way to make it less cool. So he gave him these cheesy flip-up versions of the Spider-Man goggles, like those 80s glasses. He has to operate them manually. There's no cool mechanism. It's so funny because we sent the design off to the costumes and props, and of course the first design they sent us was awesome, like an Iron Man helmet. We're like, no, that's the point. Dumber. It's got to look really <laughs> dumb when he flips it up. So we have a lot of fun with that, and where he's talking to really imposing-looking characters and has to flip this up to talk to them. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that sounds funny. That sounds like some classic Marvel humor there, and good for like Tom Holland to play off of, just yeah. being embarrassed. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like it's just it's going to be our Peter. It's just going to be him in this uh, kind of like downgraded uh, stealth suit. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. Because like the only thing I could think of, I was racking my head on the break about the gut punch and thinking of almost if there was like a Spider-Man from the parallel universe of the multiverse that like almost kind of did an end game where Nebula switched with the Eller Nebula. And that's how it ended with like the bad Spider-Man in our six, one, six universe. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that would be interesting. Oh shit. I mean, if we're talking about gut punches, that would be a huge gut punch at the end of the movie to find out that, you know, a different Spider-Man is, uh, you know, maybe Nick, I don't know. Maybe Mysterio wins, and now there's a, a bad Peter. I and and what happened? What you know? Where's where's the where's the good Peter? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I, and the more I think about it, the more you know the character of Spider-Man is so connected to the multiverses in the first place, right? Oh so, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, not, I mean, they did a whole animated movie, movie about him, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Nick Fury, uh, in the back to the trailer, we'll, we'll get to some other things here. Nick Fury, uh, tells Spider-Man that he has a job to do in the trailer. And what I'm hearing about this movie is it's, 
it's about Peter not wanting responsibility. So he just kind of wants to be a kid and hang out with his friends, and he wants to try to win over MJ. Um, where this is completely kind of like a 180 from the first movie where all he wanted was to be Spider-Man. He wanted to be an Avenger. <laughs> he wanted to be treated like an adult superhero. He wanted more responsibility. So I, I this movie, is, again, is it, it's Peter, and he's having a hard time finding that balance. And I think that that's really cool. Like, this is a, a complete 180 from what we saw in Homecoming. He's yeah, being a teenager. Sense. Yeah, he needs an emotional break. He needs to be a teenager. That was a lot of heavy fucking shit he just went through. Yeah. Um, let's see here. The job that Nick Fury is giving him is to fight these elementals. And uh, maybe these are illusions created by Mysterio. I, I still think that that's definitely a big time possibility um, that these are illusions that are created by him. Um, we get a shot of the water and fire elemental causing some destruction. Uh, Peter, we talked about this earlier, but Peter wants to find someone else to do the job. He asks about Thor, asks about, um, uh, Captain Marvel. And, uh, he says, you know, I, I can't do this. I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And then Nick Fury says to, uh, Peter, <laughs> bitch, please, you've been to space. Um, we, that, I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We get a shot of Peter in the stealth suit. Uh, we get some shots of Mysterio fully suited and he's flying and he's fighting, fighting the water elemental. We saw a little bit of that in the first trailer. Uh, we get a scene of Mysterio asking Peter what he wants. Peter just wants to go back on his trip and tell MJ how he feels about her. We get the scene of him getting ready to tell her something. And she cuts him off and says that he's Spider-Man. And he says no. And she says, it's kind of obvious. Now, hold on. I mean, is this... Is this what it seems is is this her sarcasm being used here for misdirection because like we, she's very sarcastic we saw in the previous trailer um, in the previous movie she's very sarcastic to him and maybe he's coming off so dorky that you know like throughout the movie that and and not smooth and stuff like that and and um, maybe this is misdirection in the trailer I don't know like like um I wouldn't be surprised if it's 50-50. I wouldn't be surprised if she, at the base, is joking, but the joke is rooted in her suspicions. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just... Just because, you know, Peter was gone for five years, and so is Spider-Man, it doesn't mean a thing. Like, 50% of all people were gone. Yeah, that narrows the world down by half. Yeah, so it's like Spider-Man could be anybody, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like it could be what it seems. Like she could have a suspicion, and it's not like she's stupid. She's very smart. So, and this feels like kind of the, a, a snarky way for her to kind of put feelers out there if she does have that mm -hmm. suspicion. Yeah, but it also could just be her being sarcastic, like her saying this is a joke because she doesn't think like he's. You know, he's he could be Spider-Man. Like, he's not that cool or that... He could have just done something really stupid, like... And she could be, oh, you're just going to tell me you're Spider-Man? And then, like, after, like if we see the scene play out, she's just like, I'm just... I'm fucking with you. I'm messing with you, right? I could see that, too. The only thing that makes me think, like, 
a little bit against that is that, that that's basically the joke with Peter and Flash for both movies. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the there's no way it's you because it's you right. joke, you know. Yeah. It, so it'd be like she was just doing more of that, you know. Yeah, uh, Paul, are you taking this at face value, or are you thinking? I don't know. I mean, it, it could go either way. Like, I'm not sold on either. Yeah, no, it definitely could. I, I agree with everything you're saying for sure. Uh, I just can't wait for this to fucking come out because it's got me totally hyped for it. Well, I, I think I think most people. Are uh, yeah, in the no, same no, boat. I, 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 I get that. I get that. Uh, no, I definitely. Yeah, I. I feel like after what I just said with the stealth suit, I shouldn't make any no, predictions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're definitely not Spider-Man. I will say that right now. Like, no. <laughs> is that what's sure. going on? Are you trying to like prove to me and Jake that you aren't Spider-Man? Because you're doing a great fucking job. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I just feel like it was almost like too on the nose in the trailer for that to be said. For her to like kind of be onto that, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's where, I, where I'm at. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna like, like, like uh, Mary Jane in the comics was smart enough to figure it out. So, are they going to do that this early though? I don't. Know. It just feels like kind of a big reveal to give away in the trailer. But that's, I mean, yeah. In, in the comics, it wasn't that she was so smart she figured it out. If I remember correctly, it was that. She she literally saw it from her backyard and then just kept the secret for a really long time. Ah, uh, okay, all right, yeah. Um, we see the elementals attacking parts of Europe, uh, and uh, Mysterio saying that uh, Peter might not be ready, but this is his responsibility. And he says, saving the world requires sacrifice. Sometimes people die. Again, I thought like that was uh, made me think of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Again, oh yeah, I think you're quote. supposed to. Honestly, that, that's yeah. definitely where it was trying to kind of pull your emotions. Yeah, uh, we get a quick scene of Peter in a vehicle taking off some glasses, and he says, "Oh my God, uh, Jake, I, I sent you a picture uh, earlier in the week. Um, these glasses are the exact same design of glasses that Tony had." They were, okay. Yeah, they're the exact uh, same design of glasses that Tony had in the beginning of Infinity War. So either he's impressed by the technology that these glasses could possess or could he have possibly gotten a message or something from from Tony in this before I don't know I I I'm part of me I just love that theory yeah. yeah I didn't want to bring this up before you got to the point in the trailer but I mean could this be connected to what we were talking about early like like if it is Tony if it is a message from Tony to Peter wouldn't that be the emotional gut punch Mm. Like in the comics, Tony kind of like transferred his intelligence. He kind of like created like an artificial artificial intelligence. Is that what you're saying here, or is it just like a no, message? What I'm, what I'm saying is just the audience seeing, you know, what potentially could be the very last appearance of Robert Downey Jr. in a movie. No, for because a long. the way John Watts said it is like people are going to hate this, and I can't imagine people okay. getting like a Tony message and hating it. Yeah, it would be emotional, but it's not like it's not the like mad tears, you know. Yeah, it's I, I get you, I get you. It's going to be a, a turn that's going to upset people. Yeah, 
Well, it feels like he's seeing something he shouldn't be seeing with these glasses on. That's that's the impression I got. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, what did he just see? Maybe Tony, the last time he used those glasses, was, like, plugged into Pornhub or something. <laughs> right? Getting his nut sticker. <laughs> getting his nut sticker. Uh, let's see here. Um, <laughs> Every yeah. time I'm on now, the past two times, the long-running joke has been a masturbation joke. Really? I appreciate that. What was oh, the last yeah. time? Was the the last fun time? nuggets with Johnny's mom in the tub. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that now. Jeez, now I feel like we're really failing this episode compared <laughs> to the fun nuggets. I know. That fun nuggets bit was great. Uh, let's see here. We get a bunch of shots of destruction here. We get the elementals attacking Tower Bridge. Uh, Peter doing an action sequence in the stealth suit when he's fighting Molten Man. Um, I, uh, the Molten Man elemental. Um, I thought that that whole extended kind of like action sequence looked incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. The action sequence sequences do look really good. Are you are you comic book nerd upset in any way that we're just gonna kind of use these characters? And obviously, there's not going to be much depth to them. We're basically just kind of using Multiman, using Hydro Man, and, and you know, we're obviously we're not going to have any of the Osborne relationships with Molten Man or you know any of the backstory with Hydro Man. They're just kind of pretty looking action set pieces are you are you okay with that i i don't know where we are going with this because like it has not 100 percent as far as i know and i could be wrong and you can do some research on this if you want to i don't know if it's 100 percent like they're just considered elementals i don't know if they, they're really considering this molten man or hydro man at this point uh i got you they're kind of nod winks and slash yeah, homages to those right. things but still not taking them out of the possibilities for later. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, I think, like, maybe down the road, um, people could be inspired by, like, what they saw in what was happening. And so, like, we could get, like, knockoff versions where it could be molten, yeah. man. <laughs> and to be, to be honest, it, it really... Even if it was, like, even if it was confirmed, okay, these are the comic book character yeah. movie version namesakes, and they're whatever. These are CD level villains. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Bigger, bigger, shittier things have happened to, right. you know, characters that I've been fine with. So I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, we've seen the Spider Man universe shit on before. So it's. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's obviously Molten Man's already cooler than Rhino. One hundred percent agreed. Oh my god! What, what, what does that? Do you think that keeps Paul Giamatti up at night? Like he's never gonna get to put on that rhino suit again. I think it does, right? Because like every like quarter, he gets that check for like seventy two cents. Yeah, the, you know royalties for it all, and he's probably yeah. like, ah, oh, motherfucker, yeah, son of a bitch. Yeah, TBS aired it again, seventy two cents. Because uh, everyone kind of wants to be in the comic book movie and have that comic book movie kind of fame. Well, yeah. not everyone, but, you know, a lot of people do. It does kind of suck if you uh, completely whiff it, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, and he just shows up at the end of the movie. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, let's see. Happy Hogan. We get a shot of Happy Hogan telling uh, the kids to get on the jet. The jet explodes. It seems odd to me. This whole scene just seems odd to me as far as like we got Peter early on in the movie um, talking about how he wants to keep uh, his 
identity secret. And those kids were protected by Spider-Man in DC in the first one. And in this movie, it feels like Spider-Man has given happy orders to put the kids on a jet and get them out of harm's way. Like, would, I mean, wouldn't they be able to figure this out that Peter's not there with them? We've got Happy Hogan telling him to get on a jet. We know that Spider-Man has worked with the Avengers. It's just like, that's like, at this point, you've got to think to yourself, like, some of these kids know what's going on here. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, It's hard to keep that that much stuff secret at that point. No, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, uh, too many coincidences, right? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that probably plays into the fact that a lot of this is all just one big giant scam in the first place, right? Everything is going to start to feel, you know, like it's adding up too perfectly at some point. When you think of, um, Europe, a lot of people think of romance, right, Jake? You know, definitely. It's definitely kind of like a, uh, honeymoon destination, you know, uh, so I think uh, from what I'm hearing is a lot of this movie is going to be about characters in love. And first character I'm going to talk about being in love in this movie is Peter. So Peter is uh, in this movie. He's trying to start a relationship with MJ. And uh, what happens is that uh, from set visits, they found out that there's another guy who's constantly flirting with MJ in this movie and making her laugh and he'll 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 say stuff that just grates peter like like um he'll say like he's read a book that she's read even if he hasn't and uh the character's name is brad and uh peter gets a piece of jewelry that he had made for her and throughout the movie he's carrying it around and he's just trying to work up the courage to give her um a bracelet or a necklace or something but um Every time he tries to, this Brad character steps in. He, uh, Brad is played by, uh, Remy High, who we actually saw in the first trailer with the, with the, uh, kids at the end of the movie, at the end of the trailer where they're watching, uh, the TV of Mysterio take on, uh, the water elemental. And it's Flash Thompson who says like, oh, he's like a, he's like a combination of Iron Man and Thor or something. And, um, one of the kids there is this Remy High here, play, who's going to be playing Brad. So this Brad is going to be getting in the way of Peter's European romance with uh, with Michelle. Oh. Brad, oh, that sounds like the name of someone who would step in between. It does. Fucking Brad. Fucking Brad. Oh, Jesus shit. You fucking asshole. <laughs> we just lost all our Brad listeners. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Bye, Brad. Yeah, here comes the reviews. Now yeah, oh, here comes the iTunes reviews from Brad. <laughs> B Red seven nineteen. <laughs> I'm a teacher at a school of Brad's. So yeah, I'm just outraged <laughs> by <Right>. this. <laughs> we got <laughs> uh, another romance that uh, is wanting to uh, come through in this movie. Apparently, there's a take in the film. Where Happy Hogan yells, I'm in love with Spider-Man's aunt. <laughs> so I, I'm still calling it that the mid credit scene in Far From Home is when Peter gets home from Europe 
he opens the door and he'll start saying something like, Hey, Aunt May, I'm home and starts, and it starts talking about his trip. Oh, it was crazy. And then he looks to see something romantic happening between Happy and Aunt May. Maybe they're kissing. And then Peter is going to be the one to yell, what the? And then it'll go to the credits, just like at the end of Homecoming, where she walks in to realize that he's Spider-Man. I'm thinking it's going to happen here. And it's going to be Happy and Aunt May making out on the couch. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say they're going to cut the Favreau ass. and Peter's That's what like, I oh was thinking, God. too. <laughs> what the really? Fuck? Really? That's why they call, that's why they call him Happy? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the first time Fabro's had it in the cinema, so you know. <laughs> I've already seen I've already seen one Hogan on tape fucking some random woman. I don't need to see. <laughs> Thank you, Gawker. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, uh Fandango was interviewed by uh, they interviewed John Watts, the director of uh Homecoming and Far From Home, and he did reveal that Aunt May was involved in the snap. He said uh she disappeared and came back. So he did confirm that she was involved in the snap. Okay. That that just makes everything convenient. Basically, every person that was a character or a side character in any of these movies was involved in the snap or everything is fucked up in continuity. You have to age someone five years. It's possible. I mean, think about this, though. Like, uh, all of Hawkeye's family was taken, right? So it's, it's random. Yeah. I mean, it's random. But for storytelling purposes, they do have to. There are specific people that just have to have been snapped. Good for them. Doesn't make sense. Good for them. I'm glad. I'm glad that Ned's back. I'm glad that Aunt May's back. Or not. Uh, Aunt May wasn't involved in the snap. I just think that that it just it does. You're right. You're 100 percent right. It's it's convenient for storytelling. But thank God I'm, it is. I'm not complaining about it. I don't like want I, them. Yeah, I don't want them to have to. You know, try to find ways to to work things in and. I don't want, uh, you know, ooh, we got to cast an older Ned now. And, you know, now he's, you know, he's, he's holding up his Jared subway jeans. He's lost weight over five years, you know, and we got a, we got a new Ned, older Ned. Also, it also helps the emotions for the characters too, by having everyone involved, right? Because basically, as we saw in Endgame, the people that survived were depressed and sullen, and it was like Avengers leftovers, and the characters that are coming back from the snap basically were, weren't even existing for those five years, right. so they're not just going to be like depressed and sullen, and you could kind of skip past all that, because yeah. none of that's really important in these like next three to five stories. Do you think Peter's going to be able to drink now? Gone for five years. Maybe he's twenty-one. <laughs> I love all these conversations. Like, there's just so many, like, you know, loopholes. Like, what about the prisoners? Like, did they serve five years of their sentence? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's so it's so weird. <laughs> I want them to address some of this stuff in the movies. <laughs> yeah, just like a. I want like a twenty-minute like Blu-ray extra where we just get like a, a big, yes. like newscast from the MCU, you know? You know, like where they used to do those like uh, you know, when the Blu-rays came out and they did like those short, short movies, you know, those little short clips and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I miss that. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. So uh, that's all I got for uh, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Uh, did you guys have any final thoughts or things that I missed or anything that you wanted to bring to the table? Or you can just, like, g- give me the uh, uh, the classic, no, I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought this was, a, this was a pretty great trailer. I'd give it a high taste it. 
um, you know, it brought up a lot of questions, a lot of conversation talking points. And I don't think potentially showed too much of the movie. Um, I don't think it's on par with the end game level of promotion already. It's kind of letting a lot more out of the bag than that ever did. But um, yeah, I, a, a pretty decent trailer. Super excited for Mysterio. I think Gyllenhaal's a great actor. Hope they don't fuck up one of my favorite comic book characters. As far as ratings go, um, I uh, wait, 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 Paul, what do you think? And what are you going to rate this thing? Well, I'm going to Tupperware it because I gave um, Homecoming a high taste hit. So this definitely got me excited, especially playing off of Endgame. And with going way back, like I'm really happy – Really happy, happy Hogan is going to get some good uh, screen time because I think it gives him a purpose where, you know, he, the I think the irony was that he was Tony Stark's bodyguard who didn't need a bodyguard. And I think mm. he now has a complete purpose of being like the mentor kind of support for uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is going to be fun to see play out. And like Jake just said, I'm just so happy Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I hope this isn't just a one and done. It was glad to see, and I think I don't know. I'm going to be surprised either way to see if he ends up being the protagonist or the antagonist. And yeah. I think that's kind of the fun for me in the trailer is trying to figure out: well, is he going to be the good guy or is he going to be the bad guy of the movie? I think so that it was there's a fun trailer. I think that there's no way at the end of the day that he's not going to be an antagonist in some way. Yeah, in some totally. way he's got to be, even if it's just the Quentin Beck from our universe or something like they're they're pulling a switcheroo. I just can't see them. I just don't want them to do like an Iron Man three Mandarin thing in this one. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't see any universe. I agree with you, Brian, where at the end of the day, yeah. he's not the villain. Like that's it's even kind of subtly being promoted that way. If you ask me, like the covers to the magazines and just the little things they're doing, like they know we're not dumb. They know that he's the build villain of the movie, regardless of what the trailer says. They know that's why they put those scenes in the trailer mm -hmm. is for our reactions to them. Yeah. Yeah. I, Paul, I, I gave Spider-Man homecoming a taste it when I saw that movie, this trailer, mm -hmm. as far as my excitement level, I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well. I, I, totally. I really, really enjoyed this trailer quite a bit and like what it teases. Now at the end of the day, when I see the movie, I mean, John Watts has really got to bring it, but as far as like what John Watts is bringing so far in this trailer, I, I'm really excited about this one. You know, fucking, uh, more Nick Fury is always a good thing. Uh, you know, we're getting Mysterio. We're getting, um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal finally in the Spider-Man universe. He was actually, uh, in, in the running to be Spider-Man back when they were casting, uh, Toby McGuire. 100%. Yeah. Back when they were casting Toby yeah, McGuire. Yeah. So he I almost did it even after the fact because yeah. Toby hurt himself and he was dating, um, Kirsten Dunst at the time. That yeah, yeah. So uh really looking forward to this movie. It really at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I'm really Jake, I I watched this trailer and I was thinking like, this could be better than fucking Spider Man two, which still stands as my favorite Spider Man movie. Agreed. Yeah, I mean it's Kind of the first time in a long time we're using like a, I mean, I guess Vulture too, but it's, you know, a villain that's completely untapped and, yeah. you know, just one of my favorites. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's going to be hard to top a Raimi movie in my eyes, but yeah, this definitely has potential. Do you think John Watts is going to do the trilogy and be out and then hand off Spider-Man to somebody else? Do you think John Watts will 
do the trilogy and be done with it? Or, or I mean, could we get a director that's like in it for the long haul? I mean, Tom Holland's recently came out and said like, you know, just in the set interview, like, oh, I'll do this character for 20 movies, you know, like he just kind of said that. But like John Watts, are they going to keep this guy around? Or are they going to want to like do a they're not doing a Thor? Do, or do you think they're going to do like a James Gunn three movies and then maybe he's gone? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's going to go anywhere until we start seeing a decline in, you know, profits from these movies, honestly. I think he's kind of locked in there. You know, I think if the, you know, the third or the fourth Sony Spider-Man movie dips in money from what the previous one made, then we start thinking about maybe getting some different, you know, visionaries in there to do some stuff. But I don't know. I could see this guy being here for six to ten movies honestly what is yeah what is the box office at the end of the day for this one like this is coming off it's uh coming off the heels of endgame uh i, I mean i don't expect it to be a uh, iron man 3 coming off the heels of avengers that was a year later first off but we had captain marvel make over a billion dollars and that was two almost two months before endgame came out endgame huge movie Probably, it's definitely still going to be in theaters by the time this is out. I mean, what are you thinking, man? Could this be a Spider-Man movie that makes a billion dollars? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I do have a lot of um, faith in just that follow-up shit. I mean, they they promoted Iron Man three as that follow-up to Avengers, but that was a year later. That was I mean, we had that was the next Marvel film, and it was a year later. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I, it's the summer and, and people are still so hyped. Endgame's still going to be in the theaters probably when this comes out. Hell, Captain Marvel could still be in dollar theaters. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, honestly, I think this thing could really do gangbusters. I, I think it could happen. Yeah, I gonna... wouldn't be surprised if this was one of the top five highest grossing Marvel movies. What are you thinking, Paul? Do you think that it could, uh, it could maybe gross a billion dollars globally? Oh, I, I think it's got potential. Um, I was going to say top 10 for sure, but uh, when's the release date for this? Because this summer is pretty stacked. July 2nd. Okay. Okay. It's a huge yeah. weekend, too, that 4th of July weekend. Oh, for sure. I think it's going to – I mean, especially with Jake said, Endgame still going to be in theaters. There's going to be some people that are going to want to double feature this shit, fucking see Endgame and go right into fucking oh, Spider-Man uh, for sure. Far From Home. For sure. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's got potential to really light up the box office. Uh, yeah, I think it. Absolutely. I, they do need the people double dipping though, coming back for seconds, right? Oh yeah, uh, you you, you kind of have to have that to get the billion, right? That, that's definitely part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. Like look at all the movies in that top five, or all those type of movies. Even the two Cameron ones that were up there were those type of movies like all the people that just saw titanic like 19 times i think it's kind of like wise for them to jake you talked about this earlier and i i i kind of see like maybe why they're doing this now you talked about this in a previous podcast you were like you know yeah this is this is i i I brought up like oh this is the capper to uh the infinity to, to phase three and maybe that maybe that is you know like people got to get that full story. They, you know, like oh, this is the end of phase three. I gotta, I gotta go see the end of this. Like the, we're not at the end of phase three yet. I gotta, I gotta go see this one in the theaters. Like, see, that's the thing. It's like Endgame. Everybody wanted to see it. Like that first week was really front loaded because and I'm not saying that the second week wasn't, but I'm saying like the, the, the first two weeks were really front loaded because people wanted to avoid those spoilers. Um. 
And it seems like Tom Holland, even in his quote, talking about that gut punch at the end, is trying to say, like, hey, you know, and even even with the spoiler warning, he's connecting it to Endgame. But like, <laughs> even with the, even with the set visit quote, which was a quote that he had given like nine months earlier. Those set visits happened nine months ago, people. But he's kind of like saying, like, hey, you know, you got to get in here the first week so you don't get spoiled on this. Uh, we got a big reveal at the end of this one. Big reveal. You, you don't want to be spoiled by social media. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think they've done such a great job of connecting this movie to that movie that it's it's linked in people's brains. And that's, mm. to me, they've done a better job of connecting this movie to the previous Avengers movies than any of those like earlier incarnations of trying to do this. And it's yeah. already worked not even doing it half as well. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this movie is going to do fucking gangbusters. God, and with like the fact that they showed that 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 Tony stuff in there and happy being in it. I mean, people kind of like want to see how the world's reacting. We've all had to uh we all grieved watching Endgame. We all shed oh, a tear yeah. watching Endgame and watching Iron Man die. And we want to see how the rest I want to see how the rest of the fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe is coping with the death of Iron Man. You know, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I want to, you know, like, fuck, man, it's gonna That shit's going to hit me pretty fucking hard being in the theater and seeing like these memorials that people are putting up and stuff. Like I saw a meme today. Um, uh, oh, God, I, there's been so many memes I've wanted to share on our Facebook page, but I'm still not at that point where I want to jump. Uh, Jake, we've got like. 2,600 people on our Facebook page and it's not like I, I'm, I'm ready. The movie's been out for like three weeks now, but it's, I'm still just not ready to like start spoiling stuff because I know that there still are people that haven't seen it. So yeah, I agree. Honestly, if you're like running some kind of like media site, like, like you do, I would wait till like a week or two after the freaking Blu-ray release to yeah. even start posting memes That's, like that until it's just pop culture knowledge. I've said that. I've said that. Like, I, I don't feel safe until it's like uh, out on DVD and Blu-ray. I really don't. Like, I was like, part of me was like, oh, maybe a month after it's been out. But like, you know, it's like, what's the point? Like, it, it benefits me nothing to just start posting like spoiler memes and stuff like that. Just to get no, you know yeah. people to re- repost them and stuff. It it really doesn't. I I I I I think I'm gonna kind of avoid that stuff. But I saw a meme today that said "Heart and Soul of the MCU," and it's got a picture of Robert Downey Jr. and um, and uh, Black Widow, um, both smiling. And underneath mm-hmm. underneath Tony, he's the heart, and it shows that that first arc reactor, the one that he gave to Pepper, mm. and proof that. Tony Stark has a heart. Yeah. And then the second one, um, underneath, uh, Black Widow is the soul, her holding, uh, is, uh, Hawkeye holding the soul stone in, uh, Endgame. And it, you know, the title is Heart and Soul of the MCU. And I just thought that that was a beautiful meme. One of those I really wanted to post, but like I had to pull back on and say, God, I I really want to share this, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with the, your kind of rule there. Wait till the, you know, DVD people have had a, yeah. at least a couple of weeks at it. Yeah. If you're waiting for HBO though, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> are they still going to, I mean, are they, I know that Captain Marvel is going to be the first movie that's going to be released on the Disney plus service. Like, are they going to oh, be shit? Shit. Yeah. Let me update my joke. If you're waiting for Disney plus, go fuck yourself. Yeah. We're looking at November. <laughs> Do you think that, I wonder if Disney plus is like going to crash like the first day they launched that thing. 
I bet they'll make it crash on purpose. That's the fashionable thing to do. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's been able to get on for hours because it's so immensely popular. Mm-hmm. Oh God! It was it was it November second when that's going to drop. Yeah, yeah. If you're taking it off to watch The Mandalorian, take the next day off or take two days off. Yeah. Because get ready for some king fuckery there. All right. Hey, let's take it. Let's take another break and we'll come back with good pop, bad pop. How's that sound? Yeah, dude, I love it. It's great. It doesn't matter if you like it or not because I control the flow of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I like how Brian turned into the rock there all of a sudden. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Fuck you, Jansen. Uh, thank you, Paul. I love you. <laughs> Fuck you, Jansen. I was gonna tell you, like you're clam like when I, I've got my favorite like listeners that I have on the podcast, you know, my favorite guests, you're climbing the ranks. I think you're number two. You're right behind Neil. Oh shit. It's like neck and neck. Neil, I'm coming for you, brother. I'm coming. Oh, this this next fucking stretch of podcasting is gonna be a real heater for you, Paul. You gotta bring your A game. Oh man. You gotta bring it. Oh, gotta- okay. All right. Alright. No pressure. After the break, let's do this shit. <laughs> Alright, we will be back with good pop, bad pop. I'd like to take a minute real quick to mention our sponsors for this week over at Impact Theory Comics. They're a new independent publisher and they're releasing their first comic, Neon Future. It's actually out now. It came out March 20th. This comic is a collaboration with world-famous DJ producer Steve Aoki and it's written by the Eisner Award-winning writer of Justice, Jim Kruger. This is a science fiction comic book you do not want to miss. It's got artwork by Neil Edwards and Jeremy Rapak. The artwork and the story are absolutely mind-blowing. You've got a world in the grips of an economic crisis due to mass unemployment advanced technology has been outlawed the world is now divided between those implanted with technology and those without when the world's most famous anti-tech crusader dies and is resurrected using the illegal technology he has sworn to eliminate he must decide who to fight with his terrifying new powers i'm telling you this is an amazing comic and the coolest thing about it is you can actually read the first issue for free all you need to do is follow at it comics on instagram Instagram, and then follow the link and they will send you a free comic, a digital issue of this comic. And it is incredible. The world building in this is absolutely amazing. I love this book. Please put this comic book on your poll list at your local comic book shop um, and uh, start reading the on future. Impact Theory Comics came out with like guns blazing with this book. It is absolutely fantastic. So please check out Neon Future from Impact Theory Comics. All right, back to the show. All right. Hey, we are back. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, I'm going to start off here. I I just want to talk about some things that I watched really quickly. Um, Some things that I've talked about 
previously on the show that I'm still watching and I kind of want to catch people up on. Uh, first off, uh, Sneaky Pete Season 3 is out on Amazon Prime. I have not started it yet, but I just wanted to make the announcement um, that it is out. So I will be watching that. I've been watching some other things here recently, but uh, I probably will talk about Sneaky Pete Season 3 in an upcoming episode. Uh, I'm still loving it. I think the season is finished, though, but I watched that... Uh, I, I maybe if I, I gave it a high taste when I first like reviewed it on the show, but that uh, Mondo show that you can watch on Verve, uh, Brogan, Master of Castles, which is the uh, kind oh, of the like, He Man, the He dude, I love it. Six episodes, it's a Tupperware now. I it, it fucking kills me, man. This show is so each episode is literally like five minutes long, and I can't get enough of it. I absolutely love it. It is a Tupperware all the way. So uh, love Brogan, Master. Master of Castles, uh, Tacoma FD on True TV. Still watching that. I'm caught up on that show. Still a Tupperware. I love the Broken Lizard nice. Troop. Those guys are hilarious, and this show is just it, it, it is brilliant, and I fucking love it. Having a great time watching that. Um, I'm still watching Dark Side of the Ring on uh, Viceland and loving it. They had some great episodes recently uh, with the uh, the killing of Bruiser Brody. And then this last episode, well, the newest episode I haven't watched, but the episode before that was the uh, a story about the Von Erichs. And wow, what that was, that's an incredible watch. Like even if, even if you aren't into wrestling, I highly recommend that you watch. If you go to Viceland, watch Dark Side of the Ring. It is so good. Yeah, that's crazy. I bet the Von Eric one is really good. I need it, to check that out. Very, very good. And then, Jake, I finally watched that uh, – what's that what that thing called? I watched it a few weeks ago, and I forgot to bring it up. But uh, that Too Funny to Fail, that Dana Carvey thing on uh, Hulu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it. I loved it. What a great documentary. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that, but that was just amazing. And that actually inspired me to go ahead and watch the – I watched the entire run of the Dana Carvey sketch comedy yeah. show right after that. Yeah, it it was hilarious. I it's one of those things where like I, you know, like I didn't uh, remember that show until I started watching some of the clips, and I do remember watching some of the episodes live as they aired. Like I remember um, watching uh, the one where Dana Carvey and uh, God, I can't even think of his name right now from The Office. What the fuck is his name? Steve Carell. Steve Carell, where they they would order stuff at the drive-in and drive off mm-hmm. and laugh after they've paid. You know, like, and like I, I remember watching that live and and, to, and just like watching this documentary again and be like, oh my god, I remember watching this show. Oh, so man, yeah. Yeah, just the balls on Dana Carvey, man. Like all the cold opens were like addressing what all the censors and yes. network people were telling them not to do, Ugh. just fucking head on and doing it worse. Loved and it. Just like they were really just trying to. Put Poke the bear right there. They were. Oh, man. It's so good. And just crazy the amount of talent that they had behind the scenes writing for them. And, the you know, Stephen Colbert and uh, uh, Steve Carell on that show. Just just absolutely crazy the amount of the level of talent that they had working on that show. It was way ahead of its time. Reminded me of uh, of the Ben Stiller show in a way being way ahead of its time. Wasn't Schmeagel way involved in that, too? Who? Robert Schmeagel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's where him meeting uh, Carell and Colbert is where the ambiguously gay duo came from. Exactly, and that's it carried over onto SNL. They talk about that. That's really cool. 
Um, started watching uh, Tuca and Birdie on Netflix. Have either one of you started this? No, I have not even heard of this. I'm sorry. Same, yeah. I haven't heard of it. Well, Paul, I know you're a big fan of BoJack Horseman. I am. Oh, is that the... Okay, that's the animated show. Yeah, it's, okay, it's, I am. this is the same animators as BoJack Horseman. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, it looks like the artwork and everything looks like it's straight from BoJack Horseman. But this one's... Oh, man. It's got a female cast. It stars Ali Wong, uh, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Stephen Yun. And then... And then there's an okay. So first off, it's the story of two thirty-year-old bird women who live in the same apartment building, and they could not be complete opposites. Kind of like the Odd Couple, but it's set in this like uh, animated BoJack Horseman world. As where like like if you're expecting BoJack Horseman, where it's going to get deep and dark, like it does. Like each episode has its own you know thing that it tackles, but like it's not as dark as BoJack Horseman, which is good. I need that break. Like there's oh, only for sure. You agree with me. Like I, I love BoJack Horseman for what it is. I, I think it's a brilliant show. It's one of my favorite every year in the Tupperwares when we do our, you know, our best of like BoJack Horseman is on that list. I love BoJack but, Horseman, but I can't, I have to watch it in spurts, man. Cause like it, that shit hits me hard. It takes you to dark places. Yeah. It, for an animated show, holy shit. Now, does this take place in the same universe as, it, like, is, it has is Bojack, a, yeah. like, a kid, like, I mean, not that he's in the show, but, like, is he, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Does it take place in the same universe? Okay. Uh, no, no, I know what you mean. Like, I'm only two episodes in. I just started it this morning. So, like, they haven't addressed Bojack yet. Okay. And maybe there's Easter eggs that I haven't caught. So I'll have to look into that or like complete the whole season. I don't even know how many episodes it is. I, I just, I saw it. I added it to my notes that I was going to watch it and I've watched two episodes. And I would say it like each episode's like 25 minutes or so. I would okay. say like the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, this show's a taste it. And as it went on, I started to really, really dig it and dig what they oh, were man. doing. And I'm going to give it a Tupperware two episodes in. I think it is fun. It's, 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 it's a fun watch. I am definitely going to be finishing this in like no time. This is like definitely bingeable. Um, I love Tiffany Haddish's character is just off the wall, fucking crazy. Uh, Ali Wong's character is kind of like neurotic, but also still very charming in a way. Um, the I would kind of compare her to Zoe Deschanel's character in um, what's that show that she did? My, uh, uh, the new girl. The new girl. In a way, uh-huh. kind of just neurotic and weird and eccentric uh, a little bit but um and then Steven Yun plays like her boyfriend in this like uh and he's great and then as i'm watching the show like the first episode is all about um her giving away her boyfriend played by Steven Yun's um grandmother's ashes which they kept in a sugar dish and uh <laughs> They gave it away and they had to track it down and um they track it down to like this pastry shop where one of the at, pastry chefs end up and ends up putting it into a cake and so she brings it back to her boyfriend his grandmother's ashes are now in a cake (laughs) and then the cake starts talking and when the cake starts talking it's his grandmother's voice and it's talking to him i was like i know that voice the voice was nicole byer oh shit from that's awesome from um uh the 
baking show. The baking show. What the? I can't think of any. Nailed it. It's Nicole Byer, and I'm like, oh my god. And uh, Nicole Byer actually shows up in uh, the episodes as like multiple characters. She's not always just playing Grandma Cake. Uh, She shows up as multiple characters in the second episode. She shows up as a uh, a bird lady that's uh, sitting in the center stall of a women's restroom. Um, I the second episode dealt with. uh, uh, sexual harassment and, uh, Birdie, played by Ali Wong, gets sexually harassed by a male bird who is a rooster. And, um, it's kind of funny because the rooster is a big rooster, so he's like a big cock. And so I'm thinking, <laughs> it was just funny that he was the one sexually harassing her and he's a big cock. And, uh, th- that kind of, like, I was like, oh, I, I get it. I get the joke. And, um, and she gets, she gets so offended that uh her left breast basically checks out and like hops off of her body and leaves and is like i'm out of here <laughs> like oh it was so weird but so funny and the, but the movie the, the show does address sexual harassment and um basically says like i should not have to think about my body at my place of employment and i like wow like this, you know, like it should. This should not have to be said in a show, but it 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 does, and they and they said it in such a way that like, if you are like somebody that's sexually harassing a woman at work and saying rude things, like you need to watch this and take this to heart because women should not be feeling like that in the workplace. And it was just like it does. It's doing what BoJack Horseman does about depression, but it's doing it about uh, you know. Uh, issues that are important to women. And I, I, I applaud this show. Two episodes in, I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I think it is absolutely brilliant. It's fun. The characters are fun. I love following these ladies around and, uh, the different antics going on in the show. It's just, it's very imaginative. And I was just like, people were saying online, like, oh, it doesn't compare to Bojack Horseman. Um, and is I think, it trying to? No, like- <laughs> no, it's not. Just, the only comparison is the animation, in my opinion. And, is it the same writing team at all? Do you know or uh, the, 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 it's a, 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 the 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 main showrunner? Uh, what I can't think of her name. Uh, I can't think of her name, but it's a it's a female show showrunner. And I apologize oh. that I did not write down no, her name. No, 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 that's fine. I just I'm pissed. I didn't know this was coming out uh, this week. I would have fucking watched this in a heartbeat. Came out May third, so it's been out for a week now. So definitely oh, jump shit. jump on this one, Paul. I think that oh you'll, for sure. And give it the, give it that first episode. The first episode's bizarre. The second episode is a sexual harassment episode. But I was sold basically like I'd say twelve. 12 to 15 minutes in on the first episode, I was like, okay, this has gone from a taste to a Tupperware. This is, I love what they're doing here. This is so fucking cool. That's fucking awesome. And now I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be so, so, uh, gung ho or positive that it's not going to go dark because the first, like, five episodes of Bojack, of Bojack Horseman were pretty lighthearted and then it fucking picked up into the darkness. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Either way, like, fuck, I can't wait to watch this. Yeah, it's called uh, Tuca and Birdie. Uh, one is a toucan, uh, and uh, it's a blast. Stephen Young is great in it. I, I loved him. He, I mean, this is I think this is his second? I could be wrong. Second Netflix thing? He, he was in uh, that one sketch 
in um, I think you should leave that show with Tim Robinson that I reviewed last week, and here he is again. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Stephen Yun's uh, relationship with Netflix deepen a little bit more, and him get his own series because I, I really love Stephen Yun. I think he's, and I'm, I'm really starting to see some of his comedic stuff come through. Uh, you know, especially on that one show, and then and then in this too, he's really good. He's kind of like he's kind of like the. Um, uh, what's this fucking face from Breaking Bad? Like his character in uh, he's Aaron Paul. Aaron he's Todd Paul from yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. You, you got me sold. I'm gonna watch this when we get fucking done recording. <laughs> watch this. You will dig this <laughs> fucking, fucking show, a, man. And Nicole Byer, just hearing her voice in the show, just like brings a smile to my face. It, it was a Tupperware before I even knew she was involved. I'll be honest with you. So it like that just sold me even more. This it took it to the like, Tupperware Plus territory. It's <laughs> really fucking good. Well, um, because there's something so basic about the BoJack Horseman animation yeah. that makes it so brilliant. So I can't wait to watch this. Uh, real quick, I watched the movie on Amazon Prime. Uh, it came out in 2014. It's called Fed Up, and it's about uh, the food that we eat. And I'm not going to sit here and preach and talk about it too much. But I, I watched it, and uh, this is after I've been making some like different dietary choices in my life. Um, but uh, they talk about how like bad sugar is for you. So... If you are, if you need some motivation to stay away from the sweets, definitely watch this. Uh, it's called Fed Up, and it's on Amazon Prime. And I'm not even going to rate this one. Just, just watch it if uh, if if you want to see it. It's um, pretty eye opening. Pretty eye opening. So, um, yeah, it's called Fed Up, and it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, I watched another series. I, Paul, I know you watched it because I talked to you in a Facebook message. You finished yeah. the series by the time I talked to you. Uh, Dead to me on Netflix. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I had start. I had told you that I was going to start this one, and I watched it throughout the week. I watched like two episodes the first day. Watched another episode. I finished it this morning, so I've watched all ten episodes as well. Okay, uh, it's a series. Jake, have you started Dead to Me? I have not. Okay, it's a series about a powerful friendship that blossoms between two, uh, between a, t- a tightly wound widow. Uh, and a free spirit with a shocking secret. Uh, creator is Liz Feldman. Uh, she's a writer and producer. She's known for her work on Two Broke Girls and The Great Indoors, which I, I actually watched the first three seasons of uh, Two Broke Girls, which is a show that I, I really enjoyed. Um, Eric Andre makes some appearances on that show. I, I liked it. But this one, this show, Dead to Me, stars uh, Christina Applegate, uh, Linda Cardellini, uh, James Marsden, um, and uh, Christina Applegate, Will Ferrell, and Adam McKay are actually executive producers on the show. Um, you've got two women here. Uh, their husbands have died, and um, they join this uh, grief support group. And, you know, you've got Linda Cardellini, who comes off as really weird in the grief support group and really kind of mm-hmm. wants to get to know Christina Applegate's character, who's very standoffish and not really... Uh, emotionally open about anything and just kind of, kind of aggressive too. Um, and, uh, Linda Cardellini just kind of like wants to hug her and, and, uh, when they first meet and she's not having any of it, but she ends up giving Christina Applegate her number and saying, you know, I stay up late at night and I can't sleep. If you feel the same, feel free to give me a call. And, um, they end up, uh, she ends up getting really lonely one night and calling Linda Cardellini's character and, uh, of Judy and, uh, I think it that first episode really sets a really good foundation as far as like showing why these two are friends. I don't yes. know. Paul, first off, 
I'm going to rate it a Tupperware. I, I, I love this show. Oh, yeah. I yeah, love this yeah. show. It sounds like you binged it like within like a day or something. I, I, I did it in a day. Um, I like right after the first episode, I was you, I'm not going to give anything away. But like at first, I'm kind of like some shit seems a little too coincidental. And then it really starts to explain itself. And I got. I got sucked into it, and Christina Applegate, holy shit, mm. that she put on a fucking powerhouse yeah. in this entire uh, fucking series. But I give it a Tupperware because I was drawn in to everything they were doing. And, like, uh, I think I said in the Army page, uh, Applegate and Carta I'm, – I'm sorry, how do you say your last name? I always – I feel like I say it wrong. Uh, Linda Cardinelli? Uh, Cardellini. 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 Doesn't, doesn't her cool. last name sound like uh, like a uh, like a magician? The amazing Cardellini, <laughs> or, or like like or a drink like or a something. Pasta. pasta could be definitely a pasta, but I also think like it could be like uh, um, like uh, what, what are they called? Like uh, what, what, Dick Grayson's family, like the the trapeze people, the flying right? Grayson, the flying Grayson's, so the flight, the flying Cardellinis. You know, like yeah, a whole family. The in it, yeah. Yeah, like like the whole family is involved in like uh, being trapeze artists. Jake, that's a lost kind of art, isn't it? Like, do you have to be born? Like, do do you have to be born into a trapeze family, or can you like go out on your own solo and just like I, you know, like man, I want to be the next great trapeze artist. It feels like that's something that's passed down. It's not like you know what I mean. Like the same thing with like being like a you know like a like a like a what are they called? Uh, what are those people that repair shoes? A cobbler. It feels like people don't like like all of a sudden like they're inspired to be a cobbler. Like oh, I feel like my life goal is to fix shoes. It feel and like, that feels like it's a dying thing anyway. It feels like you ha- that has to be passed down. Like your dad has to be a cobbler and he's just like I do this worthless job. You're gonna have to do it when I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think. Um... <laughs> oh, <hold on. laughs> do you think? Reviews from the trap. Oh no, we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna get, we're gonna get some one stars from some cobblers out there. <laughs> oh man, I was in the middle of my act, and the next thing I knew, I was hitting the safety net because of this bullshit you were saying about my profession. <laughs> I listen. I listen to pop culture leftovers when I'm on the trapeze, <laughs> and I got so, I got so steamed. I got so. I safety net. I have nothing. I ruined this guy's pair of work boots because of you. <laughs> his red his, hit that nail so hard and then just fucking ruin the whole cobble. <laughs> I was cobbling like a motherfucker. I was <laughs> and and I ruined this guy's pair of red wings because of you, you son of a bitch. Oh, man, it makes me want to Google acrobat internship. Man, can you imagine somebody in a trapeze family that like doesn't want to do that, but their dream is to be a cobbler? <laughs> I like the crossover. I know. I know. I'm fuck. I'm writing a Netflix series right now, Jake. Acrobat school is that a thing? Um, and they, they would call it. They would call it trapeze school. Trap trapeze. <laughs> it is no. trapeze school. It. Uh, yeah. Treading yes, the, NY, Trapeze School, New York. Treading the trapeze, because tread on your shoe, and then, oh. I don't know. I, I, I'm getting a little... That, I see what you yeah, did there. I'm getting a little too deep with it. Do you think... They have, they have 2019 Trapeze Summer Camps getting ready to start, Brian. Really? 
2019. <laughs> I, I say we ditch the podcast and fucking join the circus. Dude, fucking ne- next week's sponsor is going to be fucking these, uh, this trapeze school. Yeah, dude. It's the trapeze mm. school of New York located in Chicago. <laughs> Which, that makes sense. Um, this is the dumbest conversation we've ever had on the podcast. Hey, yeah. Um, I don't know. My mind works in a weird way where I'm talking about trapeze artists and then I go into cobblers. I know. That, that is was weird. one of my favorite all-time pauses in PCL history, honestly. I was like, holy shit, I got to say something now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like. I like. Like. How do? How, yeah. How do you respond to that nonsense? <laughs> I thought I handled it pretty well. You did. You did a damn good. You're a fantastic. fucking pro. <laughs> fucking. Pro. Everybody else. Every, you know they bring this shit up. And everybody else is like deer in headlights. But I got fucking Jake. You're like old faithful. You're like that goddamn geyser in the ground. Yeah, man. I went to fucking man. juggling school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know, man, this is year, this is six years of podcasting where you can handle that kind of shit. That's, that's, you're fucking, <laughs> you're fucking pro level. Like if, yeah, if PCL, yeah, if PCL was like a role playing game, you just fucking gained like 50 points of experience <laughs> for that shit. Yeah, that was crazy. That was a critical hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so dead to me is good. Oh, dead to me is great. <laughs> James Marsden, man, he's almost Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal level, like. He's becoming severely right. underappreciated. Yeah, I mean the shit he does in uh, the shit he does in Westworld was great, but to see him kind of be this role again, I don't want to go into you know I don't want to go into any spoilers or anything, but I think it's a deeply fascinating show that deals with grief and the way people deal with it completely differently with uh, you know Applegate and Carlini. Mm-hmm. And I think these two, when it comes to Emmys or Golden Globes, if their names aren't mentioned, it's going to be a damn travesty because they did some amazing work in this. And I just read an article that Christina Applegate actually needed to see a therapist after doing this show. Really? Yeah. And you can – I mean, if you watch the show, you can – she takes herself to some dark places. Yeah. And it's – it's yeah, I I, like – I did it in a whole day. I think what it's like thirty minutes an episode, maybe thirty five. Yeah, but yeah, a little over, a little over thirty. Yeah, it's. I mean, you get. Uh, I can't speak for everyone, but I got sucked into the characters. You know, to the sons, to you know, to everybody. I was just completely sucked into the drama, the mystery. I, I love the fucking pastor that runs the grief group. Oh yeah, and, he's great. Oh my god, he's fucking amazing, and. uh yeah, so it's yeah, I I tupperware the shit out of it. I think you need to check it out. It's it's really good. Christina Applegate's timing in this is great. Her uh her her aggression, her anger when it comes out of sarcasm in this is just it's perfectly timed. Yes. Uh, I loved uh the friendship that they built in that first episode. We find out that her husband was killed by a car accident. Somebody hit him as a hit and run and yeah. uh he and uh her husband Ted died, which uh Man, um, you know, just well, and just it's a in the trailers thing. that she's like stopping at every car that has like a, like what did she say, like a human sized dent in it? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like she's kind of doing her own investigative uh, type of shit because she feels like the police haven't done enough at this point. Exactly. It's. Yeah. I mean, there are a ton of twists and turns in this. There it's, are. It's definitely. Yeah. There are. Hold on, and I, I want to, I, I do want to reveal one, but I'm going to give everybody a spoiler warning and a like a 
a time to check out if they want to, if they want to skip ahead. Um, okay. I love the, um, when, the, when, when, she, when her and Linda Carnalini are like on the phone and they're talking, like this show does such a great job of setting them up as good friends and them kind of like bonding. Um, like when they are watching the facts of life, at the same time over the phone and yes. you know they're like oh my god I didn't even know it was on this late at night and they're like you know like which one do you think I am and she's like you know Linda Cardellini's like telling Christina Applegate she's a total Blair like look at your house look at your life you're a total Blair and she's like I'm a Joe I'm a Joe I'm from New York and blah 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 blah, blah. I'm from Brooklyn blah 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 I was like what a what a funny conversation i love that like i'm i'm starting to uh love their friendship as well like the dynamic between linda cardellini and krista applegate in this show i love how uh christine applegate opens up to her about how she meditates and it's her sitting in her car basically listening to heavy heavy metal music and screaming like yeah like stuff like that um so i'm gonna Jake, I want people. There's a hook here. There's a huge no, I, hook. I, I kind of don't want to hear this honestly, really? myself. So I'm. You can say it though. I'll I'll scoot away for two minutes. Okay. 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 All right. Tell me when you're gone. 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 All right. So if you don't want to hear like the big spoiler at the end of the first episode, then oh, you're doing this one. Yeah. At the oh shit. Yeah. I want. I was thinking the first spoiler. Well, let me let me get to it because Jake's going to come back in a couple. I don't want him to hear this. Okay, all right. So I'm going to spoil the first episode in three, two, and one. At the end of the episode, you see that Linda Cardellini's character opens up a storage locker, and in the storage locker is the car that hit Christina Applegate's uh, husband, uh, Ted, and it was. Linda Cardellini's character behind the wheel of that car and she has befriended Christina Applegate because of her guilt and she feels like she she just feels this tremendous guilt for killing her husband and that's where everything starts to click where you're like this isn't just a coincidental meeting like she is fucking like there like you just said there's so much guilt that she feels like she needs to kind of step in and help out the family because oh man yeah my jaw hit the floor when that happened me too me too. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Be- because before that, there is kind of a, another big spoiler I'm not going to get into, but you kind of find out the real reasons why she's in, you know, like there's there's definitely some uh, deception going on from Linda Cardinelli's part where you're like, oh shit, like. You said her name wrong again, Chief. God damn it, dude. Fuck. It's, it's, it's L before N, Cardellini. Cardellini. I always remember her as the girl that broke up uh, Corey Matthews and Topanga. Oh, that she was in uh, Boy Meets World. Yeah, she kissed Corey on the playground when he was dating uh, Topanga. Oh wow, fuck! I need to go back and watch that episode. I love Linda yeah, Cardellini; man. she's fantastic. I was a big Freaks and Geeks person. Like that oh, was sure. I think that was on Friday nights, and I that show came out when I was. It came out in ninety nine, and I was mm-hmm. twenty one. And that was the only show that would keep me home on Friday nights. Like after Freaks and Geeks was over, then I would go out and uh, hang out with my friends and shit. But like that was see, the only show that kept me at home on Friday nights. See, and that came out when I just started high school. So I was like, oh shit, dude, this is what fucking awaits me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God. Jake, you back? Yeah. Okay, I'm back. All right. Yeah, we're done. We, I, 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 I spoiled the fuck out of it. 
He really did. Yeah. Yeah. I really. Did. I mean, nice. I wanted you know, like if that if what we said wasn't enough for you to watch the show, I wanted to give you that big twist, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to not hear that big twist. Um, no, no, no. I'm not so. knocking you. I like. I think that definitely could be a selling point, and yeah. it's it's just one of many twist that comes along in that fucking show that, that, yes. that you're just like holy shit yeah it's like M. Night yeah. Shyamalan Michelle's was, been wanting to watch it. oh sorry no I was just saying it's like M. Night Shyamalan was jerking off all over this fucking show <laughs> yeah but twist after correctly. twist do you, think, off correctly. do you think M. Night Shyamalan's penis looks like a fucking pig's penis or like a pig's tail like it's twisty it's all twisty yeah. oh, I, I, until you said that I had no idea where this was going I don't know I guess we're talking about M. Night Shyamalan's dick right now <laughs> <laughs> Won't be the last time. M. Night Shyamalan can use his dick to fucking, like, uh, uncork a fucking champagne bottle, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's quite the twist. Well, we were talking about trapeze artists and cobblers earlier. What the? What is going on? Going off the rails. <laughs> what, were you, what were you saying, Jake? Oh, I, Michelle was talking about wanting to watch this show with me, mm. so I was like, oh, I don't want to hear the big twist. All right, yeah, you got to watch that with Michelle. We got we to gotta get, get Michelle back on the show. What the fuck is her problem? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure she'll respond to that. <laughs> She's fucking good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She's fucking sure. good. I'm not just saying that because Michelle's your girlfriend and I gotta keep her happy. Michelle's fucking good. She's fucking, she was great on this show. Everybody loved her. Yeah, it's been a long time. I, I think the last time she was on, we were in Frank's basement. Yeah, so it's it was been quite a while. It's been a long time. She needs to get back on the fucking show. Why she? Why are you dragging your feet, Michelle? Huh? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just <laughs> you, I'm just giving you shit. No, she, I, I'm just saying that because she was really good on the episode and people liked her. It's quite the contrast from, from people's reaction to me lately. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, get her out and meet her and get, get into a fight in the podcast. That's always oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, guys, let's move on to another thing in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Jake, what do you got this week? You got anything? Yeah, um, I watched the new Anthony Jeselnik Netflix special, uh, Fire in the Maternity Ward. Have you seen this yet, Brian? I know you're a fan. I'm a huge fan of Anthony Jeselnik. I recently listened to his Joe Rogan podcast, uh, which was fantastic. Um, I started this special, and I stopped it about 15 minutes in because I just... Jake, this sound, I love Jezelneck, but I feel like it's worn on me. The whole, I, like, I, every, I don't, maybe I need to keep watching. It just feels like the, like, um, the whole, I get his comedy now, like what he does, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely, if you don't know Jezelneck, it's yeah. definitely, he's very much a character. It's almost very much in the tradition of like a Jack Handy or a Stephen Wright type delivery. Except just like even more dark. Like yeah. It's, oh yeah. And it's just a miracle this guy even has a career in 2019. Well, he is fucking know, comedy fired left and right. Comedy Central canceled his Jeselnik offensive. Yeah, his show. I re- exactly over over something that wasn't even really nowhere near the worst thing the guys ever said. It was well, over the, the Shark Week stuff, right? Well, yeah. I think didn't they cancel him over the Shark stuff? Yeah, it was the shark stuff. Yeah, there, <laughs> that's a whole other story. I've watched his previous Netflix special. <laughs> yeah, and that whole story is hilarious. Yeah, Brian, I highly recommend you do finish this. Okay, um, I'm not going to tougher word. I'm going to give it a high taste. It. 
Um, I agree that it's not as good as the last special, but the strongest stuff is in the second half. Okay. Like hit the actual bits, like where he does a couple, you know, ten to fifteen minute kind of narratives instead of just quick, you know, yes. Stephen Wright zingers. Thank you. That's what I want because, like, in the first special that I watched, like I remember him doing like the roasts on Comedy Central, right? Yeah. So I loved him from that, and then when he came out with his first Netflix special, I was like, oh my god, love him because like he did the whole, uh, um, what's his name? What's the, what's the what's the singer's name? Oh, I'm blanking. Here in heaven. What's that guy? What's his song? Eric Clapton. Eric, Eric Clapton joke. The whole Eric Clapton joke like grabs you at the beginning of that fucking comedy special. And like I'm, I, I it's like I'm here. I'm here. Now I'm here. You got me. You won me over. But like the first, this special is just like just quick snappy one liners, you know, like. And it's like, I get it, man. If the whole fucking thing's going to be like this, I'm just, I was like, I'm done. I'm going to go back to dead to me. Yeah. You, you should definitely stick this out, get to the end. A, a lot of the big narratives and story beats are at the end. And there's some really funny stuff. Like he does a whole bit and I'm not going to repeat any of the jokes cause I, I'll ruin them cause I can't deliver them anywhere near like he does. Yeah. But there's a whole bit about a glass eye near the end <laughs> that you have to hear. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'm not knocking that. He's I mean, he's brilliant and he's funny. I'm not knocking him. I'm just like, I felt like, am I getting the best Anthony Jeselnik in this in this special? And and uh, I felt like there was other things that I I wanted to finish dead to me. So I was like, okay, I'll, maybe I'll come back to this later. So. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, it, it is just so crazy. Just like the topics that he covers and the fact that even like Netflix is airing this kind of thing. Mm. It's pretty amazing. Like what he gets away with. Um, I read an interview with him in the New York times that I actually put a bullet point on here. I thought it was a great quote from him about that kind of thing where he says, comedy is under a microscope today, but because my career has been going on long enough, I've been grandfathered in. Oh, (laughs) so I think that he's almost just being his character right there. But I mean, he's just not joking. I mean, in this hour long comedy special, there's jokes on murder, suicide, spousal abuse, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, slavery, dead babies and abortion clinics. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg here. So if you were easily offended by non PC jokes, this is definitely not the thing that you should look towards watching. But, you know, if you like just kind of Stop, off the wall Jake, humor. Jake, you yeah. ha- <laughs> you've, you've fucking had me at, uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna mention which. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just have to guess which yeah. one of those. You'll just have to guess which one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I was crying fetish. What? <laughs> Dead babies. Um, let's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <God>. uh. <laughs> I um this is um I actually saw Jeselnik live last year. It was I had a really great time and it was this exact same set. Yeah. Like word for word, probably ninety five percent. Um a little bit of the ad libbing in between jokes and reacting to the crowd stuff was obviously different. But and, and I'm not gonna lie, I it made it really hard to rate this 
and mm. seeing this live, it was an absolute Tupperware. I just had such a great time, and he just kind of grabs the audience and like doesn't let go. But does he? Does it, he? All, does all he? Jokes again a second time. It was kind of just not as funny. Does he grab them by the jezel neck? <laughs> the jezel necks. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That was just a terrible joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just kind of letting that go. Don't, gonna... don't, don't, don't wait, don't wait up for my Netflix special, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you've never seen Jezel Nick, definitely check this out. Honestly, if you've never seen him, you should watch Thoughts and Prayers, yes. which is his previous special, yeah. which is an absolute Tupperware. Brian, it's, he was talking about the Eric Clapton from there, and yeah, it's just, it's just fantastic. But if you like that. Watch this too. You definitely won't hate it, but it's not quite as good. Man, uh, when he was he was great when he was a uh, um, a judge on the uh, roast battles on Comedy Central. God, those that was a great show. They need to bring that back. Yeah, I'm surprised that didn't work better with ratings. You just never know, I guess, with that kind of thing. God, the I, roast did so well, but that just could not pull in an audience. Roast battles were fucking great. They had on, uh, what's her name, Whitney Cummings. I love her. And it's like... Yeah, she's fantastic. Man, she's one of the best comics working today. Uh, I love her. I love Bill Burr. Love uh, Jezelnik. Um, of course, Rogan. I, I think Rogan's fucking brilliant, but... I'm into the last couple of Pete Davidson appearances at these things. Oh, Pete Davidson. My God, he's fantastic. I love him. Yeah. He is, he, he's, he's very much Jeselnik. Jeselnik on Rogan, did you know that he used to write for Jimmy Fallon? No. You should listen to that Rogan episode, man. It's like, he really, he, and he talks about Jimmy Fallon a little bit behind the scenes. It's not too dark at all. I mean, it's just, it's kind of funny though, you know, cause like, he's like, America's talk show host and and here he is talking about you know a little bit about Jimmy Fallon kind of like behind the scenes and stuff like that it's kind of cool yeah I'll definitely check that out was that within the last couple months yeah I mean this is one of the newer episodes that came out within the last month all right I'll, I'll get on that before it's behind the paywall yeah dude he uh, Rogan's had some great guests recently um uh Eddie Izzard I'm on that episode right now I love Eddie Izzard nice. oh, I, which is I've been into listening to select episodes of Marin lately, actually. Really? I, I, just finding guests uh, I like and listening yeah, to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do the same with Marin. I'm just not, I don't know. I, I like Marin, but well, who am I to judge? He's good. He's really good. <laughs> I, I think he's really good with the guests. Yeah. He's super genuine with the guests. And if he, if he smells bullshit, he's not afraid to speak out about smelling bullshit. And you don't yeah, hear that too often that kinda, from a podcast host. Kind of burnt me up about, uh, Rogan lately because he used to be that way and he had Dr. Phil on and I think Dr. Phil is slime and it's because Rogan's friends with Dr. Phil's son it's like fuck off really yeah same thing Rogan had um Alex Jones on recently mm-hmm. too and I, I yeah. think he does yep. kind of cater to his audience and I listen that, to that comes one. off a bit slimy to me yeah I know because everybody that we have on this show I genuinely love I, I don't know I don't know if I don't know. Could, would, what, Jake, who, who would you have it's on? It's not about loving or hating. It's yeah. about when someone says something that you just completely, with all your soul, don't agree with or, or follow uh-huh. by. You're you're not afraid, and you of all people aren't afraid to. 
you know, yeah. say that that's not the case. That's, that's true. To me, that's more. It's the integrity of it all. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. By all means, have, you know, Alex Jones on or have whoever on, if that's your thing. But don't lose your integrity over it. Still be you. Don't right. cater to that guest. And yeah. that's the slimy part. Agreed. Yeah. Um, anything, uh, anything else, Jake? Uh, no. Um, I was, you know, going to talk about one other thing with you here later. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, let's see here. Let's see here. Well, let's see here. She got real swanky up I think I'm, I'm going to talk like a Cajun for the rest of the episode. <laughs> uh, see, I imagine, I thought it was more like an oil baron at first. Ooh, an oil baron. <laughs> yeah, wealthy Texas oil baron. Yeah. Maxi, oh, oh. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of French came through there, right? Yeah, yeah, you got, yeah. you got it crossed over there. Kind of like, oh, and it was very stereotypical French, right? Like, like what Americans would like. That's like Pepe Le Pew French, right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, that character I don't think is allowed on TV anymore. Oh yeah, talk. Let's talk about sexual harassment, people. <laughs> Holy shit! Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. No means no, Pepe. Yeah, no crap, man. He's all over that fucking pussy. <laughs> uh, not even the same species. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, no means no. Hey, uh, let's talk about uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Came out this week. Yes. And we all did we all get a chance to see this one? I did not. Fuck you, Paul. Ah, I'm a son of a bitch. <laughs> Jake, I know I'm you a got a terrible person. No, you're fine. Uh, you're not a terrible person for not seeing Detective <laughs> Pikachu. Um Jake, did you get a chance to see this one in 3D? No, I really wanted to. Um I I might end up going to see this again just to see it in 3D because I ended up I had to sneak this by myself in between mm. work and something else. So yeah. I think Michelle wants to see it, and if we see it again, I'll, we'll definitely see it in 3D. All right. I, I did see this in 3D. I will talk about that. Uh, the story begins when ace detective Harry Goodman goes mysteriously missing, prompting his 21-year-old son, Tim, to find out what happened. Aiding in the investigation is Homer's, uh, Harry's former Pokemon partner, Detective Pikachu, a hilariously wisecracking, adorable super sleuth who is a puzzlement even to himself. Finding that they are uniquely equipped to communicate with one another, Tim and Pikachu join forces on a thrilling adventure to unravel the tangled mystery, chasing clues together through the neon-lit streets of Rhyme City, a sprawling modern metropolis where humans and Pokemon live side-by-side side in a hyper-realistic live-action world. They encounter a diverse cast of Pokemon characters and uncover a shocking plot that could destroy this peaceful coexistence and threaten the whole Pokemon universe. It's directed by Rob Letterman. He did. Uh, <laughs> what are you giggling about, over there, Jake? Uh, that was a great movie. I loved hearing you read that movie description very much. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I try to bring something to it. You know what I mean? A little something to it. You know, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I know. I'm not making fun at all. <laughs> I know. Like, you know, that's uh, that's what that's what I bring to this podcast, people. When I when I when I read these synopses. Whatever. Hype for that Pokemon. I just, yeah. I, I loved how many times you had to say the word Pokemon. Pokemon. In paragraph. Yeah, device, a device, a uh, diverse cast of Pokemon characters. <laughs> and then uncover a shocking plot that could destroy this peaceful coexistence and threaten the whole Pokemon universe, Jake. 
<laughs> the world of Pokemon could be rocked. We could rock the world of Pokemon and Pikachu. Yeah, yeah watch out, MCU. Yeah. Tinder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> directed by Rob Letterman uh, from Shark Tale, and he also did uh, Monsters vs. Aliens. This one stars Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu, Justice Smith, uh, Catherine Newton, uh, Bill Nighy, uh, Ken Watanabe, and uh, Chris Greer. Got to give Chris Greer some love here. He plays uh, Roger Roger Clifford, uh, and he's from FX's uh, You're the Worst, which is one of my favorite shows. And I was so happy to see uh, Chris Greer in this one. He plays the son of that uh, tech billionaire guy, Jake. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <sighs> yeah, I just can't put the face in my head. You just so saw the you just saw the movie. <laughs> I know, I know, but remember the the son, the son of the of the, bi- of the the wheelchair dude. Okay, I, I got you. Yeah, I should have said I should have said wheelchair dude son. Wheelchair dude son. That was I needed to jumpstart the old brain. <laughs> 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 Jake, can you imagine? Really rub the wires. I would love to see me and you on twenty thousand dollar pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck it'd be good tv i'll tell you that <laughs> wheelchair dude son and you're like chris greer <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh michael strahan would be blown away oh man uh let's see here rest in peace dick clark that's all i gotta say he was he was he hosted the twenty thousand dollar pyramid right yeah, yeah, yeah. By today's Correct. standards, when you've got a show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, who gives a fuck about twenty thousand dollars? That's like a that's like a nickel now, right? Yeah, e- even Clark himself upgraded it though, right? It became the hundred thousand dollar. It did. You know what I've been watching a lot of lately? <laughs> the, on Pluto TV, the Buzzer Network has uh, on Pluto TV. They got the Buzzer Network, and they got like they had a match game marathon. Uh, last weekend. It was incredible. Oh, man. Matt, I love classic match games. With that Charles so Nelson good. Riley and Betty White. Oh, yeah. Just getting hammered. Oh, yeah. Everybody's just fucking getting drunk and snorting lines of cocaine. And <laughs> This week's episode is brought to you by Marlboro Cigarettes because it's the 70s and we don't give a shit. <laughs> Fuck the Surgeon General. Smoke him on. Smokey Mon. I like. Oh, there's your mashup, Michael Cannon. All right. I want to see Pikachu with a tracheotomy. Um, <laughs> with lightning coming out of the hole. Pika, Pika. Um. <laughs> Choo. All right, Jake. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. What did you – hold on. Tell you what. You're, you you know, I didn't play uh, Pokemon uh, growing up. I, I got a question for you. Was Pokemon originally a Game Boy game or was it a trading card game first? Which came first, chicken or the egg? Uh, the Game Boy game. All right, then. I am going to say that Detective Pikachu is the best video game movie ever. Yeah, there you go. I uh, give this movie a Tupperware. It's hands down a Tupperware, in my opinion. I saw this in uh, real 3D. It was fucking incredible, in my opinion. As far as, like, animated characters or just, like, animated properties in general, 
a lot of them fail. I mean, and like, look at what's going on with Sonic right now. It looks like a clusterfuck of just bad decisions. And, but this, I, this is, this has been happening throughout time. This has happened since like the fucking eighties going back to, you know, Howard the Duck. Uh, George Lucas is Howard the Duck, and then even like the Garbage Pail Kids movie, Jake. Like Super Mario Brothers, you yeah. Throw that Super in Mario there. Brothers, agreed. Like, but this movie, in my opinion, was fantastic. Uh, it, it throws you into a world where Pokemon just exist and always have. Like since like you know like uh, um, earliest man, like uh, like Egyptian times is where it goes back to. So it's like. It's historic. Like Pokemon have been around, and and our relationship with Pokemon, how we've worked with Pokemon, and um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jake, but like I never saw a real animal in the movie, like a dog or a cat. Like like it felt like real animals in this universe have been replaced by Pokemon. Yeah, agreed. I was even noticing that when we'd see, like, birds flying by. Yeah. That even all the birds had been replaced. It, it seemed like every animal was a Pokemon. Like, the actual animals as we know them in, in our world don't yeah. even exist in that world, it felt like. Exactly. And I thought that that was brilliant. It wasn't, like, an introduction to, like, you know, uh, here's how the Pokemon enter our universe. Like, no. This universe, they've always been. And, like... Everything was just Pokemon, and there are tons of Pokemon in this movie, like, all over the city, and you would actually need to, like, pause every frame of this film to see all the Pokemon that are in this movie, um... I loved that. I thought that that was brilliant. I loved the detective angle in this movie. I thought that it was great. I thought all of the action in this movie was great. The comedy, when it hit, it hit. And it was funny. Ryan Reynolds was funny. And this is a must-see in 3D. It was gorgeous in 3D. I loved this movie in 3D. Like, this is this is up there. This was made for 3D. The 3D is beautiful. Jake, even, like, the, the earthly-looking stuff, like when they're in the mountains or... And uh, just, just cars driving through, um, you know, like that the the country roads and things like that. Everything looked really great in 3D. Like this was a great 3D um, uh, transfer. It looked really good. Yeah, I believe it. You know, when someone tells you to see something in 3D and then you don't, you kind of can't help but have that eye for it mm-hmm. and kind of. And yeah, I, I even like a half an hour in, I was kind of like, I can really see that this would really be enhanced by the 3D. And I don't even know if like this influences my rating, but this is one of my favorite films of the year so far. I wow, absolutely for me, and I don't know. I don't think this is for everybody because last time I checked, it had like a sixty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But for me, I I really loved, 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 loved this movie. It's one of my favorite films of the year. I give it a Tupperware, the highest of Tupperware. I really, and I did not grow up being a Pokemon fan, like my, my Pokemon fan. I was uh i said pokemon pokemon i wasn't a pokemon <laughs> Close enough yeah i might as well just say I, I didn't grow up being a cardinelli fan right paul um, uh, i know i brought it you back got me there yeah I know. <laughs> you got me, son. the way he treats his guests is appalling 
God, man, I feel so abused. Uh, the way I he a- mansplained <laughs> Pokemon and Pokemon. Cardinelli to <laughs> Paul was just appalling. It was uh, just... Oh, I see what you did there. I know. I'm tying it back to that fucking um, asshole. Um, I do have a quick question about this movie. I have mm. a six and four year old. Yes. Do you think they would be able to handle that or is there moments where it gets a little too like intense or like is there like monster on monster fighting or Pokemon on Pokemon fighting that might scare them? Jake, or- I think like even the arena battle with the uh- with the that uh, that dragon looking Pokemon is even kind of like a fun scene, right? Yeah, all that stuff is really tame. I, I I'll actually address a little bit of that in my review. Yeah, Jake, um, go for it. Yeah, um, I really liked this movie, um, but I did not like it as much as you did, Brian. Uh, for me, it's just right. right there as at a high taste. It. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. For, I thought the humor was very hit and miss for me. Um, you know, there's some pee jokes and whatnot, some low hanging fruit jokes, and it's whatever. It's a kids movie. I'm not going to take that against it, but I don't know. I thought a lot of the funniest stuff I'd already seen in the trailers. I thought the second half was kind of a little bit lagging and slow for me, honestly. Um, things I did like. I thought the casting was brilliant. Um, I thought the CGI was fantastic. Like seeing the fully realized Pokemon and getting to see a bunch of my favorites and it was kind of a bold artistic choice I thought to um, make them look as much like real animals as possible with the fur and with the feathers and that really did change aesthetically what quite a few of them looked like in this universe and I actually I I applaud that I'm not like so like eh, nose up in the air about it looking exactly like the video game I, I thought it was fantastic Psyduck is one of my all time favorite Pokemon and I was kind of blown away seeing him look like a real duck like when, you, when he turns around and you see Psyduck's butt, it's, he's got like the tail feathers of yeah. an actual duck. Yeah. And that's just something I never thought of in my brain when playing these games and seeing these cartoons. And like that stuff really just kind of warmed my heart. And I really kind of fell in love with just like the visual designs of the Pokemon. But I don't know. I found the story to be a little bit lacking. I thought the mystery was good enough. And I don't know, maybe I'm being way too nerdy about this and looking into it way too much, but to me it felt like they were doing everything they could to kind of deviate away from the biggest plot of Pokemon, the actual Pokemon battles and fighting, to the point where they were slightly changing the mythology, which I I, I found a little bit alarming. It makes me wonder if we'll ever even see a live-action Pokemon movie where it's like kind of the story that you're used to in the 20 plus games you know they did everything they could to make it where we got to rhyme yeah. city as fast as possible a place where the pokemon are never held captive um even describing a new way to capture the pokemon was kind of weird to me where it just all became about feelings and both of you sharing these feelings and then you could capture the pokemon and there was so much exposition that was really heavy-handedly changing the narrative of something that I didn't need think needed to be changed to really affect this movie. Like they they didn't know, need to go through those lengths to kind of erase the 
fighting of the Pokemon to tell the same story. And it made me wonder if that was on purpose because in the future they are never going to kind of live action adapt the actual monsters full on fighting each other and trainers training them to do so. They, so I don't know. Yeah. It bothered me. Okay. All right. See, and that goes back to my statement of me not being – I didn't grow up with Pokemon. Like I, I, I didn't play the games. Like my first introduction to Pokemon was playing that Pokemon Go game that came out a few yeah. years ago. <clears throat> Now, here's the thing, Jake. Every other video game movie has to give us, like, all... They have to, like, uh, shoo in these video game Easter eggs and make it feel like the video game at all time and and uh, and things like that. And every video game movie, in my opinion, has kind of, like, suffered for, for some of those reasons. Like, uh, you know... Um, for people that are, that are not, uh, you know, uh, um, big fans of the video game franchise, like, like, uh, like other people will watch, like, you know, like the Doom movie or I'm trying to think of like Prince of Persia and stuff like that. And they don't, they don't, like if they didn't play the game, they don't care about that kind of stuff, like shoehorning that shit in. And I feel like, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, but I feel like they did make that decision because they were like, we just want to make a good movie with these characters and not have to kind of shoehorn stuff in. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't shoehorn, maybe shoehorn stuff in because there there is a scene where like, you know, like they're fighting in the, the arena and uh, um, Pikachu, I think believe, somebody says something like, oh, you're a good trainer. Like, you know, and he talks about being a trainer. I know that, that that's a big thing in the video games, being a Pokemon trainer. And like, you know, even Ken Watanabe's character is like, I thought you, you had a dream of being like a Pokemon trainer when you were a kid and blah, 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 blah. You know, like, I don't know. I just feel like when you try to work. such a deviation, though, and that's what was just weird to me. Well, even the title when it first came out, Detective Pikachu, sounded like a deviation from, like, the video games, right? Yeah, and it's cool. I liked it. I really did like yeah, the movie. I yeah. did not think it was a bad movie. But, and... It just it felt like this movie was affecting future Pokemon movies with its mythology choices. And that really scared me. They did show like the the relationship between humans and Pokemon and they showed like the the one character in the arena wearing like uh the Pokemon like that outfit that we always see the fucking character. Like, it's yeah. not that they, they washed it away. Yeah. But they kinda tiptoed away from it very like obnoxiously kind of like they made such a point to kind of distance themselves from the fighting and violence of it all sure that it was just a little bit jarring to me okay and if this movie in like a in a self-contained bubble i like this movie a lot more than if i think of like the overall aspect like because it's weird to me this movie's doing gangbusters right i think last i saw it was like already at like 56 mil for the weekend good and so obviously they're going to do more and like it seems like the natural thing to do is like, you know, the more natural Pokemon thing where we're going to see trainers and battles and, and raising and the quest and all that stuff, you know, but it just, I just feel like they're not going to do that. I feel like this movie specifically said we are never going to do that. And it's always just going to like Pokemon now are these familiars that are like, hang out with you like a dog or a cat at all times. And it just, it was just so much changing that it just yeah. kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Okay. If I, and I know that's super nerdy. I'm self-aware that I shouldn't, like, let that destroy the movie for me. And, you know, it it, it didn't. 
but it was enough that it's just not a Tupperware for me. See, I don't have that attachment to uh, Pokemon, and uh, that's I think that's one of the reasons I loved this movie. And I think like the 3D experience even brought me into it even more. I this is it's gorgeous in 3D. I'm not just saying that. Like I'm saying like this is a must see in 3D. It is gorgeous, so amazing. Like um everything. Everything the action scenes are incredible. Jake, can we talk about the uh pop culture the PCL cameo oh, that, in the movie? That was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I kind of want some of that merch. <laughs> Yeah, there is a. I don't uh, understand the acronym, by the way. It doesn't use the letters PCL, but it the doesn't. acronym is PCL. It is so weird, isn't it? Yeah. What about the, like when they yeah. when they said it? I'm trying to remember what it was. It, um, the middle word was like genetic, though. I thought. right, yeah. I, it didn't make sense to me either when they when they threw that out there. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, PGL was like some golf league already, so yeah. they were like, oh, we can't do that. Yeah, we'll just see. Fuck PCL. No one gives a shit if we can take their fucking acronym. <laughs> Jake, I understand, like, this was a detective movie, but, like, other than that, did you understand the Home Alone Easter egg in the film? No. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't. The movie that they were watching, the movie that the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I got you. I got you. It's not a real movie. Dad loved and the VCR. Yeah. Like, why... Was there somebody involved in this project that was involved in Home Alone? Or is, like, this movie saying, like, it's built... A, it's in the same world that Kevin McAllister is in? Like, what's going on here? Is it... Like, is it, like, like, what does this have to do with a John Hughes movie from fucking 1990? Yeah, that that is kind of bizarre that I don't know. I mean, I guess that just goes in. This is basically like a alternate universe, right? That goes yeah. to explain why dogs and cats and birds don't exist. It's yeah. just that's real here. Right. That was such a weird thing. That Home Alone Easter egg kind of like it didn't take me out of anything. But I was just like, OK, I get that. That's kind of like a, this is a detective movie. And that's kind of like but that's like a gangster movie <laughs> i was yeah, like okay yeah. all right whatever whatever if you want to throw a john hughes uh home alone easter egg in this movie that's cool i guess no eight-year-old's gonna get that so yeah it's no big deal and yeah paul to speak to what you were saying i i think it would be fine for the kids i this movie like like i said really tiptoes away from all the violence aspects that are like found within pokemon as fast as possible okay cool cool and even that, even like the big climactic action sequence really isn't terrifying. So I think if anything, uh, if the kids are too young, they might be bored by this. I think the the Bulbasaur orgy might not be like <laughs> the Bulbasaur orgy. Yeah, yeah. I, I the mystery was good though. You know, I, I I thought the ending was very charming and a pretty fun twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, yeah, uh, the Indian also made me wonder what the fuck. Like, how are we? How are we going to do Detective Pikachu too? You know? Yeah, agreed. How are you going to do Detective Pikachu too? Are you just going to have different? Uh... Did you yawn, Paul? Uh, no. He was gasping in excitement. Yeah, I you, was gasping. You better have been fucking gasping. I'm just kidding. I was gasping. I just took a drink of water. He was like, oh, my God, they just spoiled Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I was. I, I was a little worried. I thought, I thought we were doing another dead to me. Uh, yeah. Dead to me. Spoiler. First, over here. first, first, they blow the fucking uh, Bulbasaur orgy. And now now they. Yeah, I don't know. 
No, no, I did not yawn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm just trying to scar Paul's kids. Yeah, Paul, it's safe. Go take your kids to see this movie. Well, yeah, because I I did take Hayes. I I took my daughter to see Captain Marvel, so it probably can't be any worse than that. Yeah. She's like six. Yeah, I told I told one of my best one of my best friends asked me if um, they could take their like seven year old to see Shazam, and I was like, oh yeah, all the kids in my theater loved it. She'll love it. She's like scarred for life from it from that boardroom <laughs> scene. Oh God, buddy, yeah, Jake, my that was like mad at me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I don't have kids. <laughs> Ask I another parent, seen, uh, right? I remember seeing Kick Ass when it came out and seeing kids come in, like young kids come into that movie. I'm like holy shit, dude! You guys, it's it's rated R. Well, that, like, I mean, check the fucking ratings. There was that Shazam whole... is PG though, right? No, it's PG thirteen. Uh, ah, yeah, there's where I fucked up. He can look at a poster. That ain't my fault. Well, there was uh, there was that whole news story this week uh, where uh, uh, they played the the movie theater played the Curse of La Llorona instead of Detective <laughs> oh, Pikachu. Yeah. Dude, I would be fucking pissed, man. Yeah, here, hold on, I got the, here, this. Uh, this came from the gamer dot com. Um, Screen Rants Ryan George was in the theater in Montreal when the events uh, the events unfolded. He took to Twitter to tell us the tale. Uh, the theater I'm in is playing a trailer for Annabelle Comes Home before Detective Pikachu. Look away, oh, <laughs> look away, children. And Annabelle Comes Home is like. Like, what a terrible trailer to show children because it's basically like a doll coming to life and killing people. Yeah. Right? No. I know, like, some people are like, oh, that's hilarious. And it, and it totally is. But, like, man, like, my kids who have been fucking just watching, like, True on Netflix and shit and, all, like, we would have to leave right after that. The whole experience would be done. Oh, God, like, they yeah. would be – they'd be – you know, all the, all the money on concessions or whatever, the tickets, like – they would be completely out of it. It's like, okay, we gotta, we gotta go find fucking a therapist right now and get you over this shit. Yeah. I mean, that's the, t- every, you, people that go to the movies enough kind of know the trailers that precede the movie kind of thematically, you know, relate to the movie. So once that Annabelle trailer started, it should have been pretty obvious. Well, like, uh, here, 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 this is, this is from, so yeah, the Annabelle trailer started and then they showed, they showed the Joker trailer next. And then after Holy that, shit. they showed the Child's Play remake trailer. Oh, my God. Hold on. Here's, this is the best part. George reports that the trailers made way for the curse of La Llorona, a supernatural horror about a ghost who torments a social worker and her family. Note, La Llorona opens with a scene of a mother drowning her child. <laughs> That's where Squirtle was. <laughs> And it's not like you can just close your kid's eyes and wait for it to be over. Like, you hear the sounds and everything. Like, it's fucking... What the... You're a bad parent if you let 30 minutes of those kind of trailers go by and your kid is still there watching that opening. Man, I'd be out. Can I just say that... (laughs) Off topic here. (laughs) That Well, kind of off topic, but on topic... I went to AMC today. I'm going to talk about a movie that I saw. I went and saw The Hustle today. I'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but be, that movie's an hour and 34 minutes, I believe. Just because a movie's an hour and a half doesn't mean that you need to show seven fucking trailers before the movie oh, starts. Shit. 
Oh man, it's always that way anymore. It's 25 minutes to 30 minutes before I'm fine. Dude, I'm fine with four to five trailers. I'm fine with four to five trailers. I am. It's fine. I, I, I have no problem seeing four to five trailers. But dude, just because it's a fucking hour and 34 minutes doesn't mean you need to make, need to make up the difference with seven fucking trailers. Yeah, Seven. that's outrageous. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Man, when I get reserved seats, I, I show up late on purpose anymore. Yeah, my seats were reserved, but sometimes I like to get there early. And um, I like to get there early because, like, I want the armrest. Fuck you, dude, next to me. Yes. Yeah, why can't we make real rules for that? Yeah. Fuck you, dude, next to me that, like, comes in late and thinks that you're going to get the armrest. Like, no, not, not happening today, dude. <laughs> I was here, I was here watching fucking Maria Menounos do her newbie bullshit way before you fucking walked in this theater, you son of a bitch. That's hilarious. After you, after I get done with you, you're going to have to get your shoes cobbled. <laughs> I have no idea what that means or like, I, I, it just relates to what we were talking earlier. And I thought that, that might be funny. Really didn't work out that way though. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. You could tell Paul really belly laughed at that. I know. He threw me the biggest of bones, and I thank you, sir. You are welcome. Because I got I got nothing from Jake there. So (laughs) yeah, at least I didn't give you a Paul yawn. Yeah, it's true. Hey, hey, hey! God damn it! Come on now. (laughs) That was a big time yawn from him, and he tried to act like he was drinking water over here. Yeah, okay. I apologize. Yawn. You fucking caught me. It's not you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Life caught up to you today, didn't it, Paul? No. I'm sorry. I'm not being... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Detective uh, Pokemon, I I think I like this a little bit more than I probably... Than most people did, Jake. I I don't know. I really enjoyed this movie. And, uh, you know, I, I can't... I can't relate to where you're coming from because you do have all the history with the Pokemon and stuff like that. I, I really have none of it. And, um, but I, I came away walking, I I walked out of the theater, like feeling like a kid, like, Oh my God, I love this movie. It was fantastic. So I knew you were going to love this and I already felt like a big asshole for being annoyed. I don't, 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 don't. It's not like like real. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, ah, God damn it. Why can't I just fucking set aside you know yeah. the lore and the but it, oh it was just so heavy handed how they were just like no we're doing this now Pokemons can feel your feelings and they'll decide whether or not they're they're gonna get in your ball yeah you don't have to fucking beat up animals anymore you know <laughs> it was just can't we just brush it over and not actually verbally say it you know it just felt weird man um let me get to uh, I yeah I was, I was pissing and moaning about those seven trailers, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the trailers that they showed before the hustle was uh, scary, scary stories to tell. In the is it scary stories to tell in the dark? I believe uh, so. Sounds right. It's That's a new the Guillermo del Toro produced movie, right? Yes. Have you seen the trailer for that? I have. It looks awesome. Holy fuck! Does it? I mean, it looks incredible. Dude, it looks great. The spider coming out of her face at the end. Oh, oh my god, dude! Right? Yeah, it looks so. I mean, I've 
At first, I thought he was directing, but then I found out he's just producing. But yeah. man, dude, I'm I'm anything with his name on it, I'm there. I yeah, I I, I don't even know the release date. It said something like this summer. Like uh, it's I'm August ninth. Sure, August ninth. Holy fuck! Happy birthday to you. Thank you, kind sir. Man, yeah. Shit, dude. I'll have you back on for that episode. We'll talk about that movie if you can make it out to see it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys see the red bit, the extended red band trailer for Brightburn? No. No. I posted it on the, uh, Pop Culture Leftovers Facebook page. They've got, uh, you know that scene with the waitress and it's in the trailer where she's like, she locks herself in the, uh, in the cooler? Isn't that waitress the same lady that's like the mom of the girl whose hand he like crushes? Could be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They show an, there's like a, two and a half three minute extended it's not even extended trailer it's just a it's like a three minute clip of that whole scene being played oh, out and uh i highly recommend i highly recommend that you like our <laughs> facebook page but like i highly recommend that you seek it out just do a um a search on youtube for a uh bright burn red band trailer and you can watch that whole scene being played out man oh my god bright burn looks fucking awesome so uh, when does that come out now uh soon that comes out yeah may 24th i believe wow oh, that, that's real soon this month yeah, yeah i am excited went and saw the hustle today um i've teased it enough i've talked about every fucking trailer that preceded the movie uh, but I haven't actually talked about the movie. Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson star as female scam artists, one low rent and the other high class, who team up to take down the men who have wronged them. Uh, this is a uh, remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, it's a movie that I actually saw in the theater uh, when I was 10 years old. Um, and I loved that movie as a 10-year-old. Uh, to, to this day, it's one of my favorite comedies. I, I own it. Um, I, uh, it's on Roku channel, or at least it was, and I just watched it recently, probably two months ago or so. And uh, Steve Martin and uh, Michael Caine are just great in that movie. I love Glenn Headley in that movie. Um, the late Glenn Headley, she, I believe she died like last year or 2017. But... Um, uh, this one's directed by Chris Addison. Uh, he's been a producer on Veep. Uh, he's also done some acting himself. He played Seb in uh, Doctor Who. Uh, like I said, this stars Anne Hathaway and Rebel, Rebel Wilson. And um, the thing is with this movie is like I think like this movie works if you've never seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I think it works really well because like some of the audience members in my theater like. We're really loving this movie, and some of them were like audibly gasping at some of the reveals and things like that. And it's like, I think it's pretty much everything that happens in this movie happens in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, some of the jokes are new, some of the elements that they throw in are different, but, um, and then some of the things that happen to characters are flipped by the end of the movie. But overall, it's pretty much Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, Anne Hathaway is great as the Michael Caine character. Fucking Tupperware, her performance in this. I, I loved her in Ocean's 8. More Anne Hathaway greatness in this movie. I think she's really good in this one. I think like the weakest parts are um, the actor that they have playing Glenn Headley's role in this movie. He, it's a guy instead. 
of course, in that role as the mark in this movie, the one that they're trying to scam money out of, and then later on in the movie have him try to fall in love with them or have sex with him or whatever. He's not as good as Glenn Headley. Like, Glenn Headley, like, is way better than him. And then Rebel Wilson is not as good as Steve Martin in this movie. I think that you could have done some better casting with those two characters. Like, the guy could have been Thomas Middleditch. I think he would have been great instead of the guy that they cast. And then I think instead of getting Rebel Wilson... She was good in certain parts in this movie. I'm not going to lie. She she did have me laughing. But I think I think Kate McKinnon was made for this fucking role. And I think that that was a missed opportunity. So I'm going to give this a taste it overall. I mean, I, I really wanted to see it. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is one of my favorite comedies of all time. And so I wanted to see what the ladies could do here. And I think that uh, Anne Hathaway really holds her own in this movie. I think... Had they cast maybe Kate McKinnon and Thomas Middleditch or just somebody different than who they'd cast in this movie, it would have been a little bit better. And I think because I had, I've seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels so many times, it was just, this movie was just too predictable for me. Yeah, that's, I love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels too, yeah. so I don't know if I, I would probably have kind of the same adverse effect to it, I think. Yeah, this is like, uh, last time I checked it also had a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes, but like, I don't put too much stock into that all the time. You know, I still wanted to check it out and I'll still give it a taste. It. I thought it was a, uh, a fine and serviceable movie as far as like, and, and it worked for a lot of people in my audience. Um, and I would say, 90% of my audience was women. So, uh, you know, I think, I think it really worked, uh, for them. I, and I feel like who, I think it worked for people that maybe haven't seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in 30 years and don't, don't realize that this is an actual remake, right? You know, I mean, like, that's what it felt like. The lady next to me was like gasping at some of like the reveals and the twists in this movie. And I was just like, yeah, saw that coming from a mile away when I watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels last month. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Yeah, taste it. Uh, Jake, uh, it chapter two trailer dropped, and oh. I want to talk about that, Jake. Yeah, the it chapter two trailer. This is definitely one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Same. Um, and. I'm pretty sure this is the same stuff that they showed um, CinemaCon. Um, it definitely matches a lot of the descriptions that we saw from the brief bit they saw there. But yeah, we got our first trailer. Um, let me. It, it, it's you know the sequel to the blockbuster 2017 horror movie that was kind of a, a sleeper hit. I think people thought it was going to do well, but I don't think people expected it to uh, blow up and make as much money as it did. I I believe it still is the highest grossing horror movie of all time. Highest grossing or highest grossing for that month, but it might be the highest grossing of all time. That sounds right to me. Yeah, it definitely broke some records when it comes to the horror genre and money. And yeah, and this is, you know, 27 years later, you know, every time it Pennywise returns and it's all the characters returning once again to Derry, Maine, but recast as, you know, their older adult selves. And, you know, they got some big star power, I think, that maybe they might not would have gotten had this movie not as made as much money as it did i'm like talking so terribly here but yeah oh jake keep it up with the flow of conversation (laughs) way to go nailing the flow of conversation 
Fuck you, iTunes reviewer. This, yeah, yeah, this is what you were asking for. We got Jake over here blowing it. All right. Be all careful right. what you wish for, leftover one, two, three. Sorry, Jake. Yeah, we got, uh, I, that, that was at your one, expense. Two, that was at your, your expense, and I apologize. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you don't have to put me down to put yourself up yet. <laughs> So, so, so much, so much yelling on this show. I the, know. What the, the, fuck? the host is just so much yelling, and the way he treats his guests and the co-host is appalling. I don't know why I'm talking like Kevin Meany right now. <laughs> I know. Lots of Kevin Meany. Lots of Kevin Meany. The last two episodes, right? Jezelnik's got nothing on Meany. No, no, he's right. at a level of his own. <laughs> All right, now that I've interrupted your flow of conversation, Jake, I'll, I'll I'll pass it back off to you. I apologize, man. Yeah, they've cast uh, like James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader's here, uh, Jay Ryan, Isaiah Mustafa, James Ransom, and Andy Bean as the uh, Losers Club in this new trailer. And yeah, I thought this was a pretty fantastic trailer. I'm going to give it a high taste. It, um, yeah, it's got a interesting way of laying out the trailer where mm-hmm. kind of the first two thirds is all just from one scene of the movie it's not straight up the scene i've heard a lot of people describe it as they show one scene and then you see a bunch of clips this this is very much you know probably gonna pan out to be at least a three to five minute scene i would think that's kind of cut down to a minute half. yeah i think the cinemacon stuff was the actual whole scene okay, I, okay. but i could be wrong so yeah, so I, but I thought, you know, it's a, the scene that it opens with is a very iconic scene from the book. Um, it's a scene that was also recreated in the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s miniseries. The John so, Ritter, John Ritter. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. With John Ritter and, John, uh, and uh, his name from John, Night Court. Yeah. Uh, Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Yeah. Uh, Harry Anderson. Was, uh, was John Boy in this one? Good night, John Boy. Was he in it? Or am I thinking of somebody different? Yeah, you're thinking of someone different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was it the Waltons? Was that the Waltons? Yes. Was Who is in that, though? Huh? The guy from the Waltons is in uh, the miniseries on thank, TV. Thank oh, you. you go. Good night. I see, I'm not. Good night, Jake Boy. Yeah, he plays uh, Bill. He plays the older Bill. Boom. Boom. Wow, justice! I I justice is served. You didn't yeah, watch, like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the famous scene <laughs> is Beverly returning to Derry, Maine. Mm-hmm. She goes back to the place where she grew up, and you know, suffered abuse from her father. And I mean, it, you can kind of see that she's a little bit worse for wear too. So it does seem like they're, you know, I I don't want to go totally. into any spoilers, I guess, but it does seem like. Her situation in the movie is definitely the same bad situation that it was in the book. So read from that what you will. But, yeah, um, she gets to the door of her house. And I thought a nice little Easter egg here is that I actually paused the door and zoomed in on the the picture to see if they had the fact from the book where the name on the door is Marsh. I was going to bring that up. Thank you, Jake. That's amazing. Yeah, it, they do not in, – in the book, she – Double takes. She, yep. She's Mars and double takes, and it has changed back to Kirsch. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it, I mean, they still could do that in this because this is kind of a truncated version. But it definitely does say Marsh right at the very beginning. And she goes and talks to the elderly Mrs. Kirsch, who is the, you know, the new occupant of her apartment where her and her dad shared. And they, um, you know, she goes up to her old room and things seem kind of normal at first. And the old room is still like has all her stuff in it, which it doesn't seem like she finds weird. Like she's kind of in a trance almost, it seems like for a while. Totally. In this trailer. And so, yeah, she finds the letter from the first movie and then ends up back with Kirsch back in the room and they, they have some tea and uh, there's a great super like long, awkward moment where Mrs. Kirsch um, says, no one dies or no one who dies here ever really dies. And there's just such a great like pregnant pause for about three, four seconds that really drives home the creepiness of this moment, I thought. And uh, this feels like it's the moment where Beverly starts to realize that uh, something is going on. Uh, I believe this is the same moment that you see she's got kind of like burn marks underneath her neck and her shirt and everything. But mm-hmm. before Beverly can get out of there and mention something about it, uh, a cooking timer alarm goes off. And, you know, she's like, oh, no, let me go get these cookies. You know, you don't have to leave. Don't be rude, blah, blah, blah. And so all that happens. And that's when you kind of get the reveal as Beverly is walking around the room and looking at pictures that something is way up with Mrs. Kirsch and that she is actually uh, Pennywise's daughter is what's being presented here and uh wow this this whole scene just really blew me away and then you get curse shows up like lurking in the background completely naked is yes 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 you're gonna see that in the movie you're gonna see a naked old lady just running at jessica chastain yeah oh man which is just so creepy uh the music and the editing here i thought was was pretty fantastic and yeah, so just such a great scene to open the trailer on. I'm, and I got some stuff about the um, all the little bits we see later on too. But if you guys want to talk Same. about just the opening scene, yeah, I want to hear what Paul has to say. Man, I agree with Jake that this is my after Endgame. This is my most anticipated movie of uh, 2019. I can't wait for this, and I I gotta give it a Tupperware because this opening scene was just. I mean, it built the suspense. It got the music going. And I know we'll talk about it later, but I love the little tidbits that kind of showed me that we're going to get some of my favorite parts of the book that weren't necessarily included in the miniseries that we're going to be exploring in this movie. And I just, I, I can't wait for it. That opening scene just gave you, you were like, I never felt safe. I felt completely on edge with that old lady. And, you know, like, uh, just them drinking the tea and kind of knowing what's possibly in the cup is really I I can't fucking wait for this. Yeah, it's hard saying what's in the cup because you had one thing in the book, you had one yep. thing in the original miniseries. So it's change, yeah. My gut kind of says we're going to see yet another horror in this cup for the third time. Yeah, totally. I can't yeah. fucking wait. Um, one interesting thing before I move on, I've seen a lot of people actually complaining about this trailer that are super familiar with the story, that this trailer is just so full of spoilers. And uh, you know, why, why are they spoiling these major plot points already? But, man, I think you really have to. I don't think any of these things are spoilers if you don't already know the source material, honestly. <laughs> it is so subtle. Like, yeah. Because they do the stuff where that you the all the grown-ups come back to Derry and you see the reflection of the child actors in a mirror 
and people are pointing out that it's not all the adults and there's more kids than there are adults. So you can already tell who who's died at that point in the movie, which is just a ridiculous thing to complain about. Um, obviously, it's not all of them. And one of the characters just hasn't even shown up yet. So mm-hmm. this is no indication as to who has survived in the last 20, 27 years. There's definitely more surprises awaiting you than whose kid's reflection is still in the window and which adults are standing there. So I, I think don't read too much into this if you haven't read the book already. Yeah, no, I thought that was kind of nonsense too because if you really want to complain about them giving stuff away, you can just watch, you know, like there's a sequence at the end of the movie where they kind of do an order of the kids and it's like, come on. Like, and it, and like you said, the the people complaining, the people that read the book, well, you already know some certain stuff, so like just just quiet down. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And you're not going to get spoiled unless you're the one doing doing the spoiling book readers. Like no one that doesn't know the source material is going to come out of this like Sherlock Holmes and knowing who survived and who didn't from it, just this mirrored scene. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, we see a little bit of their reunion at the Chinese restaurant. Um, there's just a bunch of different clips here. Uh, we see Georgie in the sewer. He's got his oh. boat back. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. We see a lot of scenes of the carnival. Which excites me, Jake. Yeah, the, yeah, the carnival. I, I thought that's kind of what you were talking about. This is a really famous scene from the book that was not included in the miniseries. That is, you know, the second chapter of the book. Because the way the book does it is it goes back and forth a lot more between the kids and the adults the kids and the adults it's not just perfectly split down the middle so what you're going to see here is actually the second chapter of the book which is the first big like heinous crime that pennywise does much like the georgie crime 27 years before that kind of lets everyone know that pennywise is back and this is what sets off the beacon and the alarm for all the other uh, losers club members yeah, and it'll probably be the opening scene of the movie, which just the visual of that carnival was amazing. That yeah, that, that completely excited me to no end because that that that's one of my favorite parts of the book. Just like the reemergence of Pennywise and the evil that lurks within Derry, and the brutality, and especially covering that kind of topic, you know, like with the whole, you know, with what happens, covering that in 2019 is almost still as relevant. As it was when Stephen King wrote the, you know, wrote that chapter. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And I'm kind of trying to dance around what the heinous crime that Pennywise is going to. I'm trying to too. I I apologize. I apologize. No, don't you? I don't think you've broken any rules. I I, you made a great point though. I I do think um, it does. It will be an interesting thing to see happen in 2019, and kind of how emotionally that makes you feel now as opposed to then. Um, But yeah, I can't wait to see this scene. I think it's going to be potentially just as creepy as the opening scene from the first movie if they kind of follow the blueprint of how it goes in the book and i kind of think they will so yeah we don't see any um any of pennywise really in this trailer except just like brief glimpses until we get to the very end you you do see the one moment where he's like ripping his face off um we see beverly go into another blood-filled room uh, we see them all going down into the sewers, which seems to be potentially the, you know, final conflict stuff with Pennywise, mm-hmm. if it's anything like the uh, Booker miniseries. And then we actually do get a shot of uh, Pennywise for the first time in this trailer at the very end. I can't tell who he's luring in. There's just a, a child girl, actor yeah. or a little girl. 
she's not a character that I'm right away familiar with from either the first movie or the book. It just might be just random Pennywise victim while he's kind of on his reign of terror in Derry. Well, it so. kind of reminds me it could possibly be a play on the girl from the miniseries at the beginning, like by the clothes strings. I don't know. That, that's the only thing I had from it. Yeah, I've seen people um, theorizing that this could be one of the children of one of the Losers Club members. Oh. But I, I don't know about that either. There's really – that's just kind of guesswork. But, yeah, and that that's pretty much the trailer. I, you know, I thought it was a pretty good trailer. I, like, I, it's not just quite a Tupperware for me. Um, I don't know. I just don't like trailers like this that are just like one big scene and then all these kind of kind of clips. Just the – the pacing and the editing of it wasn't my favorite thing, but I'm still just as excited for this movie. I'm gonna yeah. Let me step in here real quick and give my rating. I uh, I actually the the first movie I, I liked it. I gave it a high taste. It. Um, this trailer, I give it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. I I, I thought it was like I I needed that uh, that scene. It was scary, and it, it I mean, it freaked me out. Like I was like, that, that's a, you know, and that doesn't happen very often. Um, just watching a no. trailer, um, and then the second part of the trailer was just kind of like getting me hyped for this new cast and the great job that they've done casting Jessica Chastain, of course, like we see here in like the opening clip, but like of course, like Bill Hader, love him, and like perfect, oh, cast, yeah. perfect casting, James McAvoy, like. You know, like perfect casting, like so. Like I, uh, as 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 much as I enjoyed the first movie, I didn't Tupperware it, and I know like most people did. Most people did. Um, I gave it a high taste for that first movie, but I Tupperware this trailer as far as like my excitement level now. And I think that the the mini series for me and I think most people enjoy the first part of the miniseries and the second part is kind of like terrible so yeah um, specifically like the last 15 minutes totally yeah, yeah. so uh, this gives me hope that the um, that chapter 2 can be a fantastic way to cap off the, this this new it so I, I give it a Tupperware that as far as my excitement level now. This is – it's not – it wasn't one of my most anticipated movies of 2019, but it, it's it's rising in the ranks now after this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that scene of all the balloons coming underneath the bridge. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, I think Andy Machete has got, got to be fully aware, aware, well aware of the reaction that the ending of the original miniseries garnered from people. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I think he has to. He has to know. It's like they. It's like step that up. It's like the miniseries ran out of money. <laughs> it, it's not even like that. That's what happened. Okay. I, I. I. That's what I took from it when I when I watched yeah. it. So they got on set. The 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 thing that the you know the practical special effects people had designed was completely useless and unusable, and they did not have the time or the money. To make anything else, okay, that that makes sense. That's why I feel that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's garbage. Like, yeah. I forget. I saw a pretty good documentary about it. I think they might be pretty candid about it on the newer, like, uh, you know, online release of it, or you know, yeah. on the newest DVD version. I, I think they're just kind of very open with what happened. So, mm. 
Yeah, it's pre- pretty crazy that they just let that kind of peter out the way it did. And that it actually is, as you know, it's power to Tim Curry's Pennywise performance. Totally. That, you know, it overcame that fucking ending and people still talk about it and kind of, you know, still have fond feelings for it. But yeah, it's not it, great. It doesn't hold up. No, not at all. No, yeah. I actually watched it again after the loving the first part of this new movie so much. Yeah, oof! I almost wish I didn't. You got it. Gotta, yeah, good. But, I but agree. Yeah. Wa- watching it with like like my uh, watching it uh, when I was a kid though, like it did its job. Like, but oh, oh my god! When the newspaper came alive when I was mm-hmm. a kid and Pennywise was in oof. the newspaper, I like just wanted to go to bed right then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Bill Skarsgård has the guy that plays Pennywise has he's kind of commented on how some people said there wasn't enough scary parts of him in the first movie. Yeah. Besides the beginning, and it sounds like they really tried to amp that up in Good. this movie. Good, because I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. And that story wise makes sense because and that's one of the drawbacks to pacing it where it's half the kids, half the adults, is because his real just like crazy reign of terror happens while they're adults. Yeah, okay, good. So I mean, it, it's I, more of an underground thing in the first half, you know. After the after the first movie, I was like, and if you go back and listen, I was kind of like, man, I wish that Will Poulter would have done this movie because, like, he was originally cast as Pennywise. I was like, man, I wish Will Poulter would have been Pennywise because Bill Skarsgård just is he just did not do it for me. There was like one or two parts in that movie where he was like freaking me the fuck out, and then the rest of it, I was just like, you know, I thought. I, I don't know. I thought he was kind of weak as as Pennywise. So well, I'm yeah, and he totally addresses that. He's like, you know, he's like, I was. He's like, we're gonna kind of continue on the part of like when someone, you know, like if you're bullying someone and someone stands up to you, like either they back off or they come back with a vengeance. And he's like, we're gonna see Pennywise with a vengeance coming at these adults. Okay, good, good. I mean, I mean, but he's. Of course, he's the actor, and he's going to say that. But I mean, well, yeah, totally. I, I hope that no, I hope you're right, and I hope he delivers on that promise because that's what I need from his Pennywise to give me, uh, to give to to give me that uh, that Tupperware to give the movie the Tupperware rating that uh, that I hope yeah. it gets. It is interesting though how the movie versions oversell Pennywise so much because I, I mean I get that he's the, you know the main baddie, but even in the book. More often than not, he's not in the form of the clown. Like exactly. the horrors are not the Pennywise clown. Yeah, I, I I haven't read the book in over twenty years, but like I remember some of like the the things that he would manifest himself as, and those things were actually grosser than like the clown version. Like oh yeah, like the actual horrors and things that he would yeah, become. Yes. Yeah, wait, like the clown thing was really more made famous by the miniseries, Wasn't in my it, opinion. In the book, if I remember, dude, it's been over 20 years since I've fucking read it. But like, isn't, isn't there, doesn't he turn into something that has like buttholes for eyes in the book? Or am I crazy? Yeah, right? I so he like turns into the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like he turns into all types of shit. It's, yeah. it's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's him that's the character at the beginning of, the mo- of this trailer, even. Yeah. Right. Like, that's a form of him right then and there. That's not really his daughter. That's him. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's him. I'm, I'm excited for the movie that it, it, this trailer worked on me, and I was not, uh, I was a fan of the first one. I thought it was great, but like, 
it just didn't get that Tupperware braiding for me because like I wanted to, I wanted to be scared, and I felt like this was more of um, how do I say it? Like, uh, and even this trailer kind of like put off like this epic kind of like that second part where they're flashing everything. It came, I don't know, it just felt more like a, like an action adventure movie when they're showing like all those clips. Well, yeah, definitely put up like a good versus evil showdown. Like it definitely set the yeah. stage. Like shit's going to end here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, I want, I, I you know, like I just want, I just want horror, I guess. And like, I want to be scared. Yeah. I yeah. laughed at how easy they went with the poster. They're like, Oh, two balloons. Two balloons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two, come did on you, guys. And did you not get a Winnie the Pooh feel when he would like said hello at the end to that girl? Yeah, you know I've heard a lot of people say that. I I, I didn't get that until after hearing a lot of people say that. Yeah, yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just very. I, lately, I've been extremely critical on rating trailers, and yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't give this one a Tupperware, even though everything I saw, I love. Just. Just I don't like the way they cut when they cut trailers like this. It's like do one style or the other. It felt like a trailer preview followed by a quick commercial sneak peek type of thing instead of like a proper trailer you'd see before a movie. You are camped and stingy with your Tupperware ratings of trailers. <laughs> you really are. Yeah, I want the next trailer I Tupperware I want really to earn it, you know. Yeah. Captain Stingy. <laughs> I wanted the Tupperware this trailer. I remember when it started, yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm finally got a Tupperware trailer." But you look down, you look down at your, uh, you look down at your uniform, and you saw that <laughs> <laughs> you were, you looked at that medal, and you were like, "That's that's why I'm Captain Stingy." <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, you know, this is just a random thought. That I'm sorry, but I just ignored that and moved on. No, it's fine. But, no, that's a, you. 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 You are every listener that just listened to what I said. <laughs> I, I this random thought just occurred to me that the whole Pennywise thing is every 27 years. And isn't 27 like the famous age that all the rock stars die at? It is. Kurt, as well? Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, uh, Shannon Hoon. Hendrix, I believe. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder if that, I, I know King's such a fan of like that kind of era of rock and roll. That can't be a coincidence. <laughs> Cannot be a coincidence. It's weird. Isn't the comedian thing 33? Yeah, I think you're right about like that. Crit- Belushi and Farley. Good Belushi, Farley. I think there's more. Like, I don't know. Pa- not Sam Kinison? No. 33 now. Uh, I, don't, I think he was a bit older than that. I don't know. How old was Kinison? I don't know. I'm looking it up. Kinison yelled a lot, kind of like me. Right? Yeah, dude. You're like a modern-day Kinison. <laughs> I'm a modern- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was 38. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite 40. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went... Like Kinnison impersonation there. That was good. I went full Kinnison on Dan West on the Avengers Ed Game podcast, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Hold up! Ah! Hold on! You fucking bitch! <laughs> oh, oh, ah! I can't do it. I can't do it. I lost it. <laughs> Anyway, hey, let's take a quick break, and we still got more good pop, bad pop to go over, because we're just dilly-dallying. Who the fuck says dilly-dallying anymore? Stop your dilly-dallying. <laughs> My dad used to say dilly-dally. 
yeah, yeah. I, I hear it every now and again. Really? Who, who, who's uh, who's dilly dallying you? Are you hearing people dilly dally people? Yeah, doesn't doesn't dilly dally sound like? Pe- there's a lot of older people where I work. Okay, so they they, they stop your dilly dallying. Do they do that? What's where, where does that where does that originate from? Who was the first dilly dallier? I don't know. Was it someone named Dilly? I don't know. Some possibly someone named Dally. <laughs> was it Dally Parton? All right, I'm trying. Hey. Dilly Dally. No idea. There's a rock band named Dilly Dally. Yeah, yeah they, they have yet to put out a hit, don't they? <laughs> True. <laughs> They've been dilly dallying. Um, that bad joke. Sorry. Dilly dally. Who the fuck says dilly dally? Yeah, Paul. You you, uh, you hear a lot of people say dilly dally. I do not. Not recently. Paul's just fighting off yawns right now. You know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I forget to hit the mute button once. Son <laughs> <laughs> of a bitch. I just regret of my life. Notice how I tried to cover for him at first, and then I was the first one to bring it back around. Here yeah, afterwards. you did. You backstabbed. Yeah, you did. And that's, that's, when he, that's, when he, that's when he broke. He broke I after break. that. I did break because if Jake figured it out, I'm like, oh, man, dude, man, there's, I, there's no coming back from this one. I, heard, I, I, I thought I heard it, and you were like, I was like, you heard it, and then and then he's like, uh, you're like, oh no, I, I came s- with a bullshit excuse. I, I lied. I know you did. You're like, I, I was unknowable. I was drinking a glass of water. I was drinking yeah, something. That was the lamest excuse. Oh ever. my god. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. Hold on, I'm really thirsty. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm gonna take a drink of my Pepsi real quick. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Paul tried to like pull that off throughout the entire episode. Like, hold on, guys, need to take a swig right now. Ooh. Oh man, that's the hardest sell. Long time. I yeah. was thinking about it too. You fucking asshole. <laughs> how am I gonna? How am I gonna bury this lead? <laughs> oh, whatever. I got. I got a. I got a couple. We haven't even asked what Paul's got to talk about this week, but I got a couple more things to talk about. As do I, as do I. All right, uh, shit, this episode's fucking stupid. It's fucking... (laughs) (laughs) It's like 10 o'clock, and we haven't even gotten through good pop, bad pop. So, we're going to take... Yeah, we did two trailers, that'll do it for you. Two trailers, two trailers, I don't know, man. I think what what took us off our game is uh, going back to Paul's yawn. You're a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch. Oh, Can we go back it's, to fun nuggets, please? I, I, I don't even think it's the, 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 my flow of conversation. I think it's, I think it's your yawn that kind yeah, of. Bring it on, Jansen, with the fucking yawn <laughs> review, you piece of shit. Oh. Wow. Wow. Go, Paul. Get, 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 get these assholes off my back. Let's Thank do you. It. I'll be the deflector. <laughs> I love you, Paul. You are my human shield. Um, <laughs> I'll be there for you. All right, all let's right, go. To break yeah. that was terrible. Let's yeah, break on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone be on again. <laughs> yeah, unsubscribe. I think, I think oh, everybody I groan, needs to be on. Yeah, more like a <laughs> groan. All right, we will be back in, in a, like what are we? Uh, <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I've been drinking too much. Hey, we will be back with more of this, um, I don't know, bullshit that we do. Right? Mm. Yeah, I, I second the bullshit. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry about the yawn, gentlemen. It's no <laughs> reflection on you guys. <laughs> It feels like like that took me out of my you know like took me off my Did game, it, dude. I apologize, man. I'm sorry. Like I was like, man, Brian, you're 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 firing on all cylinders tonight. <laughs> you were. I was. You were. I was. You I was. Were. I was firing on all cylinders. I felt like huh. you, you know, like I felt like. Um, I felt like 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 what like the best run that like Carl Lewis had. You are you know making I mean? me feel like a piece of shit. No, like like <laughs> Michael Jordan after he he scored sixty nine points against the Boston Celtics in Boston Garden in the fucking playoffs. Wayne Gretzky after his best game, I was like, man. I'm gonna go take a piss. I'm feeling <laughs> I feel like crap. I'm feeling like that, and then all of a sudden, I got Sleeping Beauty over there. No, no, I got I, okay. I got I'm fucking. Sorry. I got Sleepy. <laughs> I got Sleepy Dwarf over there. No, I was getting my ugly sleep. I was getting my ugly. I'm, no, 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 no. Paul, I I, uh, I coached a wrestling tournament. I'm not. I'm not even make excuses. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> Trying to coach kindergarten through eighth grade wrestling is a son of a bitch. No, like, it would have been a perfect segue if we fucking had uh, Casper Mattresses as a sponsor on this show. But or Lisa that, Mattresses, yeah, yeah Something, totally. you know what I mean? But that's not the case. No, Paul, I'm just fucking with you. I dude. will agree. This is, uh, one thing I will always remember about the movie It was this was my first PCL experience. I sent you guys an email of my review. Yeah, that's right. And you read it online and... And I plugged my Boring Married Couple podcast. It was our first and only episode that reviewed the movie It. So, yeah. I, 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 you guys, I love the movie. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited about this one. You even put in, like, you even wrote in Yawn in your fucking... I did. I did. You have a you have a great goddamn I, memory over I, there. I know. <laughs> I did. I Like, I put in parentheses. You put it in parentheses, like... Like on. You on here. Yeah, you, you, you were very aware. You wanted me to feel like I was in the room with you, even reading the email. Like, even I, then, you were tired, and you were like, here, I'm going to let you know about it, Brian. I could tell you were going to be at, like, on another Michael Jordan run, like, when yeah. he was, like, had the flu against the Jazz. Like, oh. I felt like that was going to happen on that episode. Like, you know what? I got to bring this motherfucker down to earth. Yeah, exactly. No, I, guys, I've never felt like I was on fire, like I was firing. <laughs> I've never felt. <laughs> I've never felt like I've been firing on. I've never had a Michael Jordan moment on this podcast ever. So Paul, don't even you NBA Jam moment. Yeah, I was. Ne- He's yeah, on fire. never, never. So um, definitely not this episode. Hey, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and talk about more good pop, bad pop that we probably could have talked about an hour ago. But Paul yawned, and you know that story. So wait, we've been recording this whole time. Oh, yeah. shit, we're not on break. <laughs> Holy shit. No, I've been recording this whole time. Shit, dude. <laughs> no wonder Paul's been taking it so hard. Twist. You just fucking, uh, fucking Shyamalan dick twisted. <laughs> Alright, well. Alright, good night, everybody. We'll be, we'll be right back.
All right, hey, we are back again. We've how many breaks have we taken this time? Like four? This is four? Yeah, it's it's been a lot. Yeah, a lot. only the first one was my fault this time. Yeah. I was able to take a whole nap though, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tomorrow now. It's, it's Sunday now. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a whole eight hours. Okay, <laughs> got a got a got a question for you here. I never watched this show. I'll be honest with you. Malcolm in the Middle. Is it called Malcolm in the Middle because he's the middle child? Yes. Yes. All right. What if What if in, like, the uh, second season, the youngest child gets uh, murdered? <laughs> like, I thought you were going to go with, like, what if they had another kid, but you're no. going full on, like... No. You're no. still the middle child, even even in that situation. But would that have, like... Okay, so, like, the, the season finale of Malcolm in the Middle... Season two, season finale, middle of the youngest child gets murdered. Is that a big, like, is that a big discussion? Are people saying, like, is he, is, are they going to change the title? Like, uh. Is it like Malcolm yeah. in the middle, kind of? <laughs> like I, was a, thinking, I was thinking you just add the question mark to the end of it. Oh, oh shit, dude. This <laughs> Malcolm is like, in the middle? They could, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mark, Malcolm in the middle, question mark? Like, they could, like, oh, like an asterisk or something. You know, like, <laughs> they could have, they could have, like, this could have been, like, the, you know, who shot JR? Of the '90s, had they done that, right? Like, what are the, what is it going to be titled when it comes back? Like, Malcolm is he in the middle anymore? Because, like, you know, fucking his little was it a younger brother or sister? I think it was all boys. They got he got murdered. Cold murder. <laughs> You're so happy saying that he got murdered. Well, his dad was Walter White, so yeah. it's not too big of a surprise. Yeah. Well, for the longest time, I thought uh, Breaking Bad was a prequel to fucking Malcolm in the Middle Lake. <laughs> he was going to go, like, on fucking protection, like, witness protection, and he's fucking raising three sons that he hates. What a terrible ending to the series that would have been. That would have been awesome. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, I uh, went and saw the uh, new Fox Searchlight film, Tolkien. Uh, this is the uh, movie about uh, the uh, author of Lord of the Rings. Uh, Tolkien explores the formative years of the orphaned author as he finds friendship, love, and artistic inspiration among a group of fellow outcasts at school. This takes him into the outbreak of World War One which threatens to tear the fellowship apart. All of these experiences would inspire Tolkien to write his famous Middle-Earth novels. Uh, it's directed by... It's a Finnish director. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Dom Karukoski. Dom... Yeah, Dom Karukoski. I'm not really sure how to pronounce this name. It, 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 if it's pronounced Doomy, then that's fucking awesome, right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, do me. Yeah, awesome. do me. Yeah, do me. Yeah. Do me. Do, do me. Yeah, it's, it's better than under the dome. Yeah. And he's finished. So like his partner could say, finish him. And, and then like, he <laughs> get over here, get over, do me. Toasty. Do me. <laughs> Toasty. Um, it stars Nicholas Holt, uh, Lily Collins and Colm Meany. No relation to Kevin. Uh, I, I enjoyed this film. I, it, it, uh, it explores, uh, Tolkien's life and it, it shows the friendship, uh, between Tolkien and his friends that he meets at this, uh, prestigious academy for boys. 
uh, takes his friendship from their childhood and, and it goes into their time at, um, at, uh, at the universities, uh, respective universities that they go to, Oxford and Cambridge. And then it also gets into Tolkien's romantic life uh, with the girl that he meets as a young boy while he's basically living at this uh, foster home. Um, this woman, this rich woman takes him in. Um, and it, it's cool. Like you, uh, you find out at the end of the movie that uh, he and his wife's gravestone at, at, at Tolkien's instruction, he has the names Baron and Luthien engraved on it, which is a, a reference to a uh, famous pair of uh, star-crossed lovers from uh, from the fictional world that he had created. And they, they 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 bring that up at the end of the movie, which was very cool. Um, the World War One war scenes in this movie are. I thought that they were done really well, and they they're dark. They're very powerful, in my opinion. Um, they also, within these war scenes, they mix in some of the visuals from Lord of the Rings to kind of show where the inspiration for some of the books came from. And I think some people might take it as him hallucinating during the war, and I did not. I kind of like felt like they, they'd made a creative choice to kind of show like where that inspiration came from. Um, some of the things that... Uh, were weird though is they introduced Tolkien's brother and they focus more on Tolkien's friendship friendship with with the the three other boys and and um so his brother in this movie takes like this huge back seat in the film like he's barely in it and and uh they don't explore that relationship at all like he's in the beginning of the movie he shows up once later and then at the very end so like he's kind of like he's like the third Wahlberg brother that makes hamburgers like he doesn't you know what i mean like you know or like or like or like the third manning brother like the nfl guys like the quarterbacks like he's like the third manning brother probably Peyton, Eli Peyton, oh, no, Archie was the dad Peyton and Eli, and then like the third Manning brother who probably also makes hamburgers for all we know. I don't know, but um, <laughs> he takes a backseat. I, 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 th- I'm going to give it a high tasted. I thought it was really good. I, I feel like there's so much to Tolkien's life that you can't unpack it in a movie that's under two hours. Like you, this would have to be. Like, uh, you know, as Amazon's doing that Lord of the Rings series, I think that Amazon would have to do like a series on Tolkien to get this guy's entire life in. It felt like, like, stick to one thing. Like, talk either the friendship or his romantic life. It, it felt like it was all too much, but those worlds did collide. So in that way, it did kind of work. I don't know. I, I maybe they should have just done his relationship with Edith. <laughs> Or his friendship with these boys. It felt like it was a little too much to fit into one movie. And I felt like that this may have been better as a series. And it didn't get into his friendship with C.S. Lewis. And I would have loved to have seen that in this movie. The the author of uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and and that whole series of books. Like The Silver Chair and things like that. It did not get into C.S. Lewis at all uh, in this movie. Um, and that, that, that was a friendship that it started off as a friendship and then they lost touch over the years, um, had some disagreements and, and really never, um, uh, that friendship never recovered. And 
and I wanted to see a lot of that, and I didn't get that. Um, but I, it's understandable that like he, it, you're talking about a guy who lived a massive life. And uh, there's only so much that you can put in a movie. And I know that the Tolkien estate is not happy with this film. But, like, when are they happy with anything, really, Jake? No. Yeah, never. And this movie's getting is kind of a punching bag right it now is. from what I've seen. Yeah, 47% last time I saw on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I, I liked it. I mean, I, I you know, I know enough about Tolkien to get by. I don't know how everything stacks up in his real life. But um, I liked the movie enough. I, I liked I liked seeing the scenes of him as a young boy um, at the at the at this academy, and then uh, you know him him um, and his love for language and uh, and things like that when he was uh, at uh, at the university. But um, I enjoyed it overall. It's not perfect, so I'm I'm gonna give it a high taste. It. Did they show him creating the elvish language? They yeah, like they they uh they they did get into like his language writing and you did see some of the it looked like the elvish symbols that he had been writing down and stuff like that. So that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, I I do even though this is getting kind of beat up, I I do really want to see it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I like Nicholas Holt quite a lot. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it's not really coming across for everyone and I, I guess I can kind of see why here in your description and from the trailers I've seen so that's yeah. unfortunate his life is a lot to unpack man and it, you can't do it in under two hours I think they did the best that they could and um yeah so I, I would still watch it I, uh but uh yeah you really bummed me out with the C.S. Lewis stuff but and the more yeah. I'm kind of thinking about that it's like that doesn't end on a good note so yeah. They probably don't want to piss off two different estates of, you know, <laughs> writers. So mm-hmm. they probably just like, if they can't end on a good note, why include it and just but make other relatives upset? It's some of the most interesting things, uh, interesting stuff that happens in his life, though. And I, I would love to Agreed. see that played out in in, in a movie. Uh, Paul, go ahead, Jake. I was going to say both stories kind of fed into each other's creation. So yeah. it, it does feel like an omission to yeah. not include at least some of that. Agreed. Paul, what do you got, man, for good pop, bad pop? <clears throat> All right. I'll go uh, fairly quickly. So I watched uh, Zach Efron, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Nice. Ted Bundy movie on uh, Netflix. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give it just a middle of the road taste it because uh, I've uh, – I have a friend that's big into true crime and she's given me a lot of books on Ted Bunny and there's just a lot of stuff that is completely inaccurate from this movie in real life that I was just like, uh but I think Zach Efron did a fantastic job as Ted Bundy and it's kinda of like what you just said about Tolkien, like it's a movie that kind of doesn't know what it wants to be. Like, does it want to tell the story of Ted Bundy or does it want to tell the story of the love of his life? Mm-hmm. And it kind of unbalances it out if that makes any sense so uh i give that just a uh i just give that just ready to taste it um this has been brought up a lot on the podcast lately but doom patrol on dc universe is i think one of the biggest must watches of uh 2019 so far it's killing it every week and uh i think we're just two episodes away and i think what they're doing for DC Universe, for their second show, it has no right being as good as it is right now. Like, they're, they've are they been killing it with Titans and all this, and it's fucking amazing. I give it the highest of Tupperwares. Um, 
<clears throat> I know everyone uh, is a huge Game of Thrones fan, but I think one of the biggest must-watches on HBO right now is Barry. Oh, hater! I have not started Fuck. season two yet, but man, I, I oh my god! Yeah, I loved the first season, man. It was a Tupperware for me. Dude, season two, like, there's one episode that's real divisive with fans, and I fucking love it, but the, the risks this show takes is absolutely amazing, and uh, it's only a couple minutes, but after every episode, they do, like, the inside the episode thing where they talk to Bill Hader mm. and um, the other creator of the show, and it's just, Bill Hader right now is just, he's putting out some good shit, and what he does on Barry is really good, and... Uh, Henry Winkler. Yeah, this guy is a fucking national treasure, man. Right. He's he's so good in this. And um, one final thing that kind of goes back to uh, your whole Anthony Jesselink uh, thing with Whitney Cummings is I've stumbled upon a podcast with Topher Grace from um, that '70s show called Minor Adventures with Topher Grace. And what he does is he gets a celebrity on. Every episode, it's like 30, 40 minutes an episode, and his first one was was with Whitney Cummings, and what they do is they do like a minor adventure, and with her, they uh, did like a lie detector test, which is a lot of fun. You learn a lot about them, and they have Paul Shear on, and him and Topher have uh, a telemarketing contest where they try to get so many people signed up for like a charity event, and they have Zachary Levi from Shazam where they actually officiate two strangers weddings <laughs> which is re- which is really fucking cool they got like wilmer valderam on and the latest episode had chelsea peretti on where they did uh the meyer briggs personality test yeah it's 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 a lot of fun i give that a tupperware um for sure i, I would check that podcast out do uh question in a fucking second yes did you uh yawn during that podcast i Yes, I did, because <laughs> I'm a teacher and a single father, so absolutely I did. All right, I know. I keep and that has nothing that to do with the content, sir. <laughs> <laughs> did we lose Jake? You still here? Oh, shit. We lost he's, that he's guy, didn't we? Oh, there he is. I'm back. I'm back. I'm there back. he I'm is. There he is. I'm what? power yawning. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, dude. Yes. Yes, you know we got Tristan shifting now. We got Yanni Pauly. Yeah, shifting, uh, shifting, contagious man. Shifting Tristan, and we got uh, yeah Yanni Paul. Yanni um, Paul. Yeah, no. So uh, I think I said Barry was a Tupperware. Yeah, and that's pretty much everything. Um, oh, I was able to finish Cobra Kai uh, season two, which yeah. is a taste it. I w- I'm I'm with you on that one, man. I. God I damn was it. up to it until the final episode. Really? Yeah. The Tupperware until the final episode, and then the whole high school thing. I'm like, fuck oh, this. Oh, God. That was ridiculous. But I do have a big theory. I don't know if it's a spoiler thing, if I should fucking text you later, but I have a huge theory on where season three is going to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, text that to me later. I'd like to, I'd like okay. to hear that. I, I will totally do that. And that's about... Yeah, I really haven't been able to, besides Dead to Me, which we've already talked about, that's that's pretty much everything I've been able to check out this week. I think that um, you can purchase, don't quote me, but I think you can purchase Cobra Kai Season 1 on uh, Amazon now. I'm sure you can. I mean, that first season was amazing. Oh, God, wasn't it? That was a fucking game changer. 
And there was a lot. There was a lot of Tupperware moments from season two, like yes. when uh, when Johnny and Daniel meet up at the Mexican restaurant. That yes, was, that was a Tupperware all uh, the fucking way. At C two E two, they showed that scene. Oh my god! When, when fucking Johnny says the last, like when they order another shot of another round of shots, he's like, "Oh shit!" The last time I went four rounds of Caruso, I got kicked in the face. Like, okay. <laughs> they all laughed. I lo- oh my amazing! What a great yeah, that was great. I, I I loved all the Johnny and Daniel stuff. I think it was like the, the big miss of season two for me was the kids. Yeah, I mean, and not that all of it failed, but, like, they really messed up the execution. Right, I agree. At the end, like, I really enjoyed bringing in Miguel's new love interest and all that. Yeah, scene where, uh, you know, um, shit, Johnny's son went, like, but at the end it just got kind of of over the top. What was up with the – I – I, did you catch the – the Ramby, the Ramby, <laughs> the the Rambo Easter egg in 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 this season. No, it was when um, Miguel's new girlfriend was calling out Daniel's daughter, and she okay. gets on the uh, the the intercom at the school, and she tells her, "I'm coming for you." Oh no, I didn't. I didn't even uh, put the two together. Well, uh, the. The actor that plays John Kreese was in Rambo 2. Oh, okay. And it it was fun having him back and seeing his whole, uh, yes, you know, like his whole arc and, and the episode with, uh, bringing the old Cobra Kai guys back. That was great. That was fucking good. If you, if you would have told me that I'd be rooting, like actively rooting for Johnny Lawrence, like so many years ago, I tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. But goddamn, yeah. William Zabka, he is putting some good shit in. He like really he is. is really getting you to peel the layers back on Johnny Lawrence, and it's been a fun ride. It has. But been. uh, but that final episode was just a little too much. It was a little too over the top. Yeah, I felt like I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what show I was watching when I saw that shit, but it was fucking ridiculous. And and I don't know if you agree with this, but the guy that played the bodyguard in Ayatania, the one that hits Nancy Kerrigan with yeah. the yeah. I I could have gone without him. The the whole Stingray character sucked. Yeah, I could have gone without him. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Yeah, he had that whole like Willie Nelson braid, but it was oh, uh, goatee. I'm the beard. But but one thing about the final fight when the teacher comes out and the kids are fighting, he's like, "Fuck this! I don't get paid enough." I'm like, right there with you, buddy. Like, <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Screw that shit, dude. I'm going back in the teacher's lounge on that shit. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is the last uh, thing that I'm going to talk about before we all talk about something. But uh, I saw, um, uh, went to the theater last weekend and I saw uh, High Life. It's uh, the new A24 science fiction film. Uh, the movie takes place beyond the solar system in a future that seems like the present about a group of people who accept a mission in space to become the subjects of a human reproduction experiment. They find themselves in the most unimaginable situation after a storm of cosmic rays hit the ship. It's directed by Claire Denis. It's written by Claire Denis and Jean-Paul Fargo. And it stars... Robert Pattinson of uh, of uh, Twilight fame, and he was in that uh, Harry Potter and the uh, Goblet of Fire movie. Um, and then uh, Juliet Binoche, uh, Andre Benjamin, 
is in this movie. He's uh, the Andre three thousand. Yeah, the, the nice. from out. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, Mia Goth is also in this movie. Uh, I uh, actually had to edit a word or two out of the uh, synopsis not to spoil this film, and because um, uh, I, I, I I knew nothing about this movie going in, so I kind of wanted to like keep that out of the synopsis too and and um not knowing anything about this movie i i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing um i will say that this movie is a lot to process once you've seen it and for me i didn't know how i felt about the movie after it had ended um the only thing i can tell you is like this movie will stick with you once you've seen it uh you will definitely be thinking about this movie on the drive home. You'll think about it the next day and the next day and the next day. Um, wow. And it took me days. <laughs> it took me days. It's not going to be like this for everybody, but it literally took me days um, after I'd seen this to realize how truly odd and yet brilliant this movie is. There is really a lot of high concept sci-fi going on here with it, it you know it has black holes in it um some truly amazing visuals that are reminiscent of of Kubrick oh, and I hate to say that I hate to say that because like Kubrick made his movies before we'd ever even been into before a man had even landed on the moon right I mean that's how brilliant Kubrick was as a as a director, as a visual director. But there are there are definitely some twists in this one if you avoid reading about the film, which is why I didn't read like the full synopsis, which is why I'm I omitted some things out of the synopsis. Because like I want to keep those twists uh around for you. Um you basically have this group of people who are sent um, on this alternative energy mission. They're, they're, they're supposed to find an alternative energy uh, in space, and they're going to extract that energy from a black hole. Each of these passengers are also treated as a guinea pig by this Dr. Dibbs, who's being played by uh, Juliette Binoche, and um, she wants to create the perfect child through artificial insemination. Um, the thing is they've outlawed sex intercourse between the passengers on this, on this space mission. But the ship is equipped with this device that they, in the film, they call it the box, which is, used by the crew to masturbate. <laughs> oh, okay. the box? It's called the box, and boy, do they masturbate in this movie. <laughs> um, if I haven't said it yet, do not let the kids watch this one. Paul, do not. <laughs> don't take the kids to go see uh, High Life. Um, Too late. <laughs> <laughs> That was a fun ride home. 
Um, there's, uh, there's, uh, in the movie, there's one celibate prisoner, and that's Monty, and that's played by, uh, Robert Pattinson. And, um, Dibs, the, 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 uh, on ship nurse here that's doing this whole artificial insemination, uh, experiment, she, uh, she tries, she tries to uh, have sex with him on multiple occasions. Here, she's she's flirting with him and things like that. Um, there are uh, they do encounter black holes in the movie. Um, those are really cool visuals. Uh, there's a few, there's a, quite a few twists in this movie. Um, when I walked out of this movie, I didn't know if I liked it at all. Um, I appreciated it a lot more after I kept thinking about it and how daring and how imaginative and how out of the box this movie is. Um, because when you first watch this movie, there are, um, there, there are scenes that will make you cringe. Uh, there are scenes that might offend you, but, uh, it, like I said, it's daring and, um, but it's not for everyone. Um, this is also, uh, the director's first film in English. Um, it was, uh, co-written by, her uh, longtime collaborator Jean Paul Fargo. Um, this was a, a project that uh, Claire Denis had the idea for 15 years ago. Um, and just so you know, like like 15 years ago, she had many people in mind to star in this movie. At one time, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in mind for this movie, and of course, like he passed away, and she was saddened by his death because she wanted to cast him in the movie. Um, she actually like I thought this was interesting, and the reason that it was it, it was in English and not in her native tongue of uh, of French is uh, she said I had a screenplay which was naturally in English because the story takes place in space, and I don't know why, but for me people speak English or Russian or Chinese, but nef- but definitely not French in space. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, think about the space programs, you know. Oh yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. They weren't the ones that were were getting it wouldn't seem very historically accurate. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, a, a very cool quote in my opinion. Um French physicist and black hole expert uh Aurelien Barreau uh was a part of the project as a scientific expert. Um and um a Danish Icelandic artist Alofur Eliasson has designed the spacecraft for the film. And so like a lot of care and uh attention to detail and even science was involved in this movie and and uh, I will say this is the best Robert Pattinson performance I've ever seen he he was really good in this movie um this movie is bizarre it is fucking bizarre um and it's got one of those endings where it's kind of like it leaves it up to you to kind of like make up your own ending so like this movie is not going to go over with everyone but if you want to see some if you want to see some science fiction that is just out there and um the best way i can describe it is kubrickian um i highly recommend watching this again brian yeah i gotta see this again it's one of those movies that demands that you watch it again Okay, I was curious about that. If it was like, okay, I saw it, I respect it, it was good, but I'm never going to see that again. No, those scenes will still make me cringe, but I know that they're coming. But there's still enough in there that I I feel like upon a second view, I would get even more out of it. Just like a Kubrick movie, right? I mean, like the more you watch a Kubrick movie, the more you get out of it. And I feel like 
that's what this director brought to this film. So I give it a Tupperware. Yeah, I give it a Tupperware, and and, and I am going to. Uh, not everybody is going to agree with me once they see this, but it is it's bizarre and it's daring, and uh, I appreciate it, and I'm glad that this movie was made. It is not. Um, this is not for everybody. So let's talk about that Watchmen teaser trailer before we wrap this good pop, bad pop segment. Um, I know this. Why is this not in DC news? Uh, so I can irritate you, you fucking cunt. Um, <laughs> the Watchmen teaser came out. Um, Jake, did you see this? I did not. I read a little bit about it, but didn't actually watch it. I, I like read the timeline and stuff they were doing. You didn't have two minutes to give the uh, old Watchmen t- teaser there, Jake. No, I, you know <laughs> I. I'm not gonna lie. I was at work when I saw all the stuff. And yeah, I read, but I didn't hit play on it. Paul, did you watch it? Multiple times. Wow. I want. Yeah, I wow. really. I, I last yeah. time I was on, we talked about Scott Snyder, and this is my favorite movie of his, Watchmen. Yeah, so I was excited to see where they would go with this. Okay, so this is Damon Lindelof's take on the Watchmen. <laughs> And, uh, it's definitely happening, uh, you know, this is, I, I believe it's, uh, happening, uh, com- comic book canon, post, and don't, don't, no, don't give me that shit that Watchmen was a novel. Fuck off. It was originally, uh, a 12 issue miniseries. So all you people out there that have said, like, well, you comic book. No, it was not originally a graphic novel, people. It's been since a graphic novel. So knock yeah. it off. I'm, Slapping the cock out of your mouth right now. Oh um, shit! I don't know. <laughs> People do that stuff, though. You know what I mean? Oh no! Yeah, yeah they well, get all hoity-toity about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Looking at you, Jansen. Look it's at, too it, artistic to be a comic book. It's a graphic novel. It was originally a twelve issue. I believe twelve issues, but it was originally single issue comic book. People before it was turned into a graphic novel, and now people thirty years later just assume that it was always a graphic novel. So. um what did you think? Paul, what did you think? I mean, like, this is taking place, it feels like it's comic book canon, but it's taking place 30 years later, like, like in present time. Yeah, I am, first off, the cast, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I, like, like, uh, Don Johnson, I don't know who he is in this, but he looks like, I mean, the last thing I think I seen him in was Django Unchained. Yes, yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he looks great. Jeremy Irons. Last I thing I know. saw him in was Book Club, where he was, where he was trying to woo, <laughs> he was trying to woo Jane Fonda in Book Club. <laughs> Perfect casting there. It was. No, um, not getting to like, I don't know if this is any spoilers, but like, I love the whole like how Rorschach kind of created a movement. Yeah, and he's got like his whole cult followers and like the police, kind of like I don't know. If I'm just guessing, but like they're kind of concealing their identity because no. maybe they're viewed as the bad guy. I think I think that the <clears throat> I think that the Warshak group is rising up against the police. Yeah, they're taking yeah, it, them out, and, they, and they're killing the police, and then taking their badges, and they're becoming the law. Yeah, it, it looks like. I mean, well. Exactly like you said, like it looks like it's totally canon, like it's living in that Alan Moore, uh, you know, utopia or dystopia that he created. Like I, a oh man, I love the, like, the fuck the, the whole tick tock 
TikTok. TikTok. Oh man, like even with like showing like HBO presents, like yes. how that was like a fucking you know the big hand ticking, like everything. It was only a minute fifteen seconds, but man, this was it was everything I needed this trailer to be. Yeah, it just showed like it's a great teaser in my opinion. It's a oh, great yeah, like, teaser. It built upon that world. It almost looks like it could be from the Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Like, it just shows, like, shit has not gotten better since we last left these characters. We, this cast, let me go over this cast. Jeremy Irons is going to be playing an older Osmandius. We got Regina oh. King. Fucking, yeah, Regina fucking King. So good. Uh, Don Johnson, Louis Gossett Jr., Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Adelaide Clemens, Andrew Howard, uh, Jacob Ming Trent, Yaya Abdul Mateen II, uh, Sarah Vickers, Francis Fisher, Tom Meisen, uh, Gene Smart, Gene Smart from, uh, Fargo, Legion. Um, she's gonna be playing an FBI agent, uh, and James Walk. Uh, Damon Lindelof is gonna be the, uh, he's the writer, he's the showrunner, um, I mean, this is just like just insane. I, I I cannot wait for this. I feel like I, I feel like um, what is this all like? What is this all leading to? Is this all leading to like all this madness, all this chaos going on with this Rorschach group? And they're talking about like how they've been dormant for so long. People, and I think they're talking about people with uh, superhuman abilities, superheroes, and things like that. Superheroes, mm-hmm. zero heroes, and supervillains being dormant for so long, and now they're back. Does this all? Count, they're talking about the the end of the world and and things like that. Does this is this all counting down from a countdown to it? Like by the time we get to the season finale, are we going to get like Doctor Manhattan leaving the moon space to come back? Do we get the return of Doctor Manhattan by the end of this first season? Well, I feel like we get a return to the Watchmen group itself. Like, I know Rorschach's gone, but I feel like they're going to have to almost come back to counteract what the fuck's going on. But I would love to see Dr. Manhattan come off the moon. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I keep feeling like we've got to get some... Go ahead, Jake. You can feel like... I feel like you got something to say. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I, I could see that plot-wise, but that seems like a very fast-moving kind of angle for a Lindelof like screenplay mm. like it, it seems like a little bit like i expect him to kind of ground this a little bit more in just the characterization than the fantastical yeah, you know? know yeah but dr manhattan's such a big part of the totally. of the watchman series that i i don't i'm not For saying, sure yeah it brings so many like nerdy complaining eyes to the whole thing once you do that though yeah, but I'd like to see like you know Damon Lindelof's Damon Lindelof's take on on Doctor Manhattan and like what it would be like to what would be enough to bring him back. Well, so. I feel like that journal that Rorschach had is almost going to be like the Bible for a lot of these people, which could lead mm. you know yeah. Manhattan because he was the one that did it at the end. And did we get a tease to the Silk Spectre costume? And this preview, or was that just a yellow mask coming up on Regina Hall's character? Putting on the, I think it was her character, putting on the officer outfit. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't connect that, but I can see where you can, I see I see where you're coming from, yeah. Yeah, but I was mad, dude. It's like, put this on HBO now. Like, fuck. 
Yeah, I'm ready. I'm fucking or, ready. Or on HBO Go. Or HBO. <laughs> but but Jeremy Irons as fucking Ozymandias, dude. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do this. I'm ready. It comes out in the fall. Oh yes. shit! Yeah. Yes, it's a fall show. Yeah. So I'm looking forward. To Sunday, it. I presume, like the typical brand new HBO drama time slot. I would imagine. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what do you? What would you? Ra- I don't know. It's a. It's a weird thing to rate. I mean, I mean, based on how it got me, like really, because at first when they announced this, I thought maybe it was just going to be a reimagining or like a reboot mm-hmm. of. Yeah. You know, sure. And then when we got word that Jeremy Irons doesn't play uh, Ozymandias or however you pronounce it, um, like okay, we're gonna do a little something a little bit different. But then seeing just how fucked up the world is that they created, I I gotta give it a Tupperware just because I really want to watch this and I feel like I'm gonna be into it every week. And especially with that cast, you know, Regina Hall didn't she just win Best Supporting Actress for uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, right? Yeah, like, I mean, they, like, HBO is really pulling all the stops and seeing the intrigue with, uh, Tim Blake Nelson and, uh, Don Johnson and what they're, like, how they're gonna live. Cause they almost have, like, a cowboy feel, like, like yeah. a Wild Wild West feel. Yeah. Like he's a Texas this. Ranger or something, yeah. Exa- exactly. Like, I just, I feel like I need to know what the fuck's going on and I would watch this tomorrow if it was popped up. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I, my anticipation is at a Tupperware. I, uh, the trailer, I don't know, man. It's a, I mean, it gave you shit. Like, it didn't tell you anything what right. the show's going to be about. Yeah. Like, I get that. But, like, it's like, dude, just the visuals with the whole Rorschach army and the cops, like, it's going to be a beautifully shot show. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, fuck it. I'm not Sergeant Stingy. I'll give it a Tupperware. I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jay. I'm pulling rank. Um, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I'll give it a Tupperware for my anticipation on this because I, I'm, I'm so ready to see what Damon Lindelof does with the Watchmen. I, I really don't care what Alan Moore thinks about it, so <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, he does. He hates everything. No one does. Yeah, he hates everything. Exactly. Yeah, he's an old curmudgeon. Let's move on. Hey, let's move on into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. How's that sound, boys? Fantastic. Let me just see on real quick. Sounds gangster as fuck, yo. Here we go. Pop culture leftovers news. All right. And uh, quick news. Uh, We talked about the uh, samurai film and development Yasuki a few weeks ago. Looks like Chadwick Boseman has been cast in that role. So that's uh, very exciting. Yeah. He'll be great in that. Yeah. I, I I love Chadwick Boseman. He's great. Black Panther. I love them in 42. Fantastic actor. So looking forward to seeing Chadwick Boseman in that role. Uh, news from Deadline via Dark Horizons. Yeah, I teased this earlier. Chris Hemsworth and Tiffany Haddish are set to team up for the stripper-themed buddy cop action comedy Down Under Cover at Thematic Entertainment. Uh, Hemsworth stars in the film as a detective who goes undercover to crack a series of baffling casino heists in which the prime suspects are a troupe of Australian male erotic dancers. Uh, he's forced <laughs> to take the partner no one else will, a lone wolf, played by Tiffany Haddish, who does things only one way, hers. Together, they have to work as an unlikely duo to solve the crime of their careers. Uh, pa- Peter Hoare... 
it's a horrible Peter Hoare <laughs> Peter Hoare penned the script I'm giggling because I'm saying the word whore. Yes, that's that's a thing that's happened. <laughs> I thought you couldn't make it past that. Uh, There's more to the name. No, it's 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 spelled H O A R E, and I'm trying to pronounce it a different way, but there's really no way to pronounce that other than whore. <laughs> Peter, Hoari, <laughs> Peter, <laughs> yeah, Peter Hoari, Peter Hoari penned the script, and the, that's why you should take over the flow of conversation, Paul. Um, Peter Hawari penned the script and the film's tone is said to be akin to 48 hours and rush hour. Hemsworth not only has the required physique, but has shown a knack for comedy in recent years and, and the film is expected to be a hot seller at Cannes this year. So, uh, the Cannes Film Festival is, yeah, they're talking about that. It's gonna play there apparently. Down Undercover, Chris Hemsworth, Tiffany Haddish. You guys looking forward to this, uh, this comedy duo? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, like, overselling it a bit with the 48 hours of rush hour. But, I mean, it gives you a flavor for the kind of, you know, thing they're aiming for. But, yeah, it sounds fun. And both these actors are great in comedies. And, yeah, it could be good. Are you thinking to yourself, Jake, there's no way Chris Hemsworth can stand up next to Nick Nolte on a comedy on a, com- <laughs> wow. on a comedy playing field? You're just like, no, <laughs> nobody beats Nick Nolte. I mean, I'm Nick a, Nolte is a legendary straight man in that movie. <laughs> he is very good. I, I'm not. I am not discounting that, Jake. You're right. So, but yeah, I mean, this is a, a bit of a different dynamic. When did I, Nick I, Nolte swallow steel wool and continue to just keep talking? Oh, fuck! Doesn't it sound like Nick Nolte just took like a fucking like mouthful of gravel? And just like, what the fuck, right? Yeah, yeah, he became like a self-parody. It was ridiculous. Oh my god, his voice. Like a mad magazine version of himself yeah. in real life. <laughs> Especially in, uh, what is that, Tropic Thunder? Tropic Thunder, yeah. The fuck, you can't understand him in that. Uh, hilarious. Hemsworth and Tiffany Haddish is like a duo I never thought of in a comedy. And I'm really, I think that's kind of like... You never know how these duos are going to work out, Jake. Like I, like uh, Kevin Hart and The Rock. Like it works. It's, they're fucking great together, dude. And so I'm hoping that that I think it really comes down to the chemistry between Hemsworth and Haddish. Like I loved Tessa Thompson and Hemsworth in Thor Ragnarok, which has me really excited for Men in Black International. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there's some great chemistry between Hemsworth and Haddish here. Yeah, and you got to imagine the chemistry of one led to the other as far as the um, the Men in Black stuff. So yeah. This, it's hard not to imagine this wasn't just, let's get two big stars in this role and hope they have good chemistry. Yeah. So, let's hope that is the case. I hope so. I hope this just isn't a bomb. Like, I feel like these Dave Batista comedies that are coming out, Stuber, and what's the other one? Spy something or other? Oh, with the little girl? With the little girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I've got, I, I, I feel like these are, these are, I feel like they're gonna be Sylvester Stallone comedies. Like, it's gonna be Oscar and like, stop or my mom will shoot all over again. Oh, shit. Yeah, I could see that fear. That's very valid. It, it, yeah. it looks pretty crappy. Yeah, and I love Dave Batista. I hope that one of these is a hit for him, cause I don't wanna see like, him not be a leading man in like a, 
action comedies. Do you think that like do you think that they should have gone action comedy or do you think that they should have gone a different route with one of these movies for Batista? Maybe like just a legit action movie. Kind of like maybe throw him into like a um a spiral but like have him be I don't know, or like a Fast and Furious type film or like even like a John Wick type. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know that he's a guy that is going to drive a movie rather than be just always an awesome like character in a movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm not sure he's leading man material yet. Yeah. Hey, Michael Cannon, here's a mashup for you. Dave Barista, and he works at Starbucks. <laughs> Make it happen. Yes. All right. <laughs> I just thought about that right now off the top of my noggin. Hey, guys, got – hey. Paul, are you excited for uh, the what is it uh, down under uh, whatever the fuck it's called? What is it called? <laughs> oh yeah, no, uh, yeah. Da- uh, down under cover. Yeah, I I really am excited because what was the movie? Was it Girls' Night she was in? Was she? Or, um, that was was or, was Girls' fuck. Night. Was that the that was was Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson? Johansson. Uh, Can we say that in unison next time? Absolutely, I think we did. Uh, yeah. Um, the movie with like where they're doing blowjobs on like fruit and vegetables. The fuck was that movie? Uh, shit, I forget. Like it came out the same time, but uh, I think Chris Hemsworth does really good work when he's with strong female actors like Tessa Thompson. And I mean, he did great mm. in Ghostbusters. Uh, you know, like I feel like he kind of stole that movie working with Kristen Wiig and uh, Melissa McCarthy. And I think I really think this could turn her into a huge star as well you know being in a movie of this uh, capacity with Chris Hemsworth I think I'm really excited about this I haven't even heard about it until we uh, started recording how long before we get a twins reboot starring Chris I was Hemsworth? thinking that how long fucking it's gotta be not too long off okay who would you cast in the Danny DeVito role in uh, the twins reboot starring Chris Hemsworth who would just who would you cast in the Danny DeVito role? And would you do Jonah Hill? I would. You know what? I would do Andy Milanakis. I'm kidding. I'm. Uh, oh fuck that! <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> you know what? Going back to you, I would almost do Thomas. Uh, Thomas Middleditch. Yeah. Hmm. Part of me. Part of me wants to go with uh, Danny DeVito's co-star in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and go with Charlie Day. That would be good. Yeah, that would be funny. Yeah, or just not do a twins reboot. You know, let's or like, you think that, or or with like what they're doing. Don't you think they'd almost do a gender swap? Yeah, that, that, that seems to be happening a lot now. They were going to do that triplets movie where they were going to add like Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah, they're going to do Eddie Murphy. Uh, that kind of like three three Eddie Murphys. No, it was it was going to be Schwarzenegger, Devito, and Eddie Murphy. I know how. Murphy loves to play different characters, but yeah. Oh, I, okay. I see. I didn't realize you meant it was a twin sequel. I never knew about yeah, that. Yeah, they were going to call it Triplets. Oof. Yeah. They got real close to actually shooting, I think. Yeah, very close to shooting. Now it looks like they're they're doing the, the come, Coming to America 2. Do you hear that got pushed back? Yeah. I, that's one of those things that could get pushed back into never. Yeah. No, they, Did they, they show clips they, at Cinecon too they, about it. Yeah, like this is in development now, Jake. It's uh, okay, they okay. they've the Cinemacon had some. They didn't show clips, but they showed pictures at Cinemacon. 
Okay. Like of Arsenio and uh, Eddie Murphy back as these characters. So it's it's happening. Paramount is making this movie. So man, that first movie's amazing. Uh, we're getting a yep. yeah. Oh god, coming to America is fucking incredible. And if they do not get James Earl Jones in this movie, they're out of their goddamn minds. And I hope that he's not the like a villain in this movie. I hope he's like awesome in the movie. Just like a cool grandpa or yeah. something. You, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. You're reading my mind. Um, Deadline uh, news from Deadline via Dark Horizons. Uh, we are getting a reboot. Speaking of reboots, uh, Rennie Harlan's Cliffhanger, uh, the 1990 movie with Sylvester Stallone. Sure. Looks like it's getting a uh, reboot. Producer Neil Moritz is reportedly developing a new version of the Sylvester Stallone-led 1993 mountain climbing uh, uh, actioneer. This time with uh, a girl walks home alone at night and the bad batch helmer Anna Lily Armapur attached. Uh, the new take is said to be searching for a female lead to take on the Stallone role. While actor Jason Momoa is reportedly in talks for a cameo. Uh, the script for the new take is, I know, weird, right? Um, the script for the new... really random. Well, is he going to be the one that falls at the beginning of the movie? Like, that, you mean you think... Uh, right. That you, beginning you, has stuck with me. That was, that was a good beginning to that movie. Yeah, and again, it was, it was, uh, it was, it, again, it was shown in the, uh, Ace Ventura sequel, right? It was with, uh... <laughs> with, with a uh, raccoon. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep fucking cut. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Uh, the script for the new take is being penned by Creed Two writer Sasha Penn. It's being penned by a pen. Um, <laughs> so, Tessa, so Tessa Thompson's new cliffhanger. Sasha Penn is writing it in Pennsylvania. Um, oh. I know, I'm kidding about that. Um, <laughs> to really piss people off, though, with a quill. <laughs> uh, the original remains one of Stan Stallone's most entertaining works. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, that movie uh, starred uh, Janine Turner, Michael Rooker, John Lithgow, uh, Caroline Goodall. Um, Jake, what cliffhanger reboot? Like this just has like uh, fucking uh, for me. This has uh, Point Break reboot written all over it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think you're probably right. There's 90% chance this is probably going to be bad. But I don't think it's the worst movie to reboot. Um, you know, in today's age of IMAX screens and 3D, this could actually be really cool. So mm. hopefully it isn't a big piece of shit. Uh, I mean, it probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the worst. Like, they, there's worse things they could reboot. Like, I'm not completely, like, rolling over. And upset about them remaking Cliffhanger. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, no. Like, if this movie's good or bad, I don't give a shit. It's not like, uh, like uh, I loved Cliffhanger, nineteen ninety three. I remember that movie coming out. God damn it, I remember that movie. I loved that movie. I thought it was so good. It's a good I, movie. It was really yeah, it was good. Good. Fantastic movie. One great action movie. I love Cliffhanger. But like, if they if if they come out with a movie and it's shit, it's not like I'm gonna be like, "How dare you besmirch my Cliffhanger?" You know, like whatever. Like if if it sucks, it sucks. But um, you know, like who are they gonna cast as this female lead? Is this gonna be like a like a Ronda Rousey thing? Like, like who are they getting for no, this? Please fucking no. Thing? I know Jennifer Lawrence. 
Ah, J-Law doing this? What's she up to? Other than this Dark Phoenix, what's she doing? She retired, basically. She said she was doing as much after um, whatever movie came out that Dark, you probably wouldn't see her for like a couple of years. Really? Yeah. Hmm, I didn't know about that. Taking huh. a break. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I don't Tessa know. Tessa Thompson, who knows? Tessa Thompson and the Cliffhanger reboot. I don't know. Maybe they can it's get... not the worst idea. Get, uh... Get Rebel Wilson in there. She did the hustle. Let's see her climbing some goddamn mountains, right? <laughs> kind of cool. Melissa McCarthy <laughs> as a Michael Worker character. Yeah, we can make it a comedy, you know? <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Uh, cliffhanger, and she's, like, just going to, like, those uh, those man-made rock walls. Those little rock wall structures that the... You know, she's even got, like, the, the harness on the whole time. There's really nothing to worry about. And Joe Stark is pounding his fists on a table right now. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't need this. I don't need if they if they make it. That's fine. Whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, 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 you know, hopefully it'll be cool. Yeah. Do you guys remember uh, Quibi? Do you remember me talking about Quibi? If you don't, I'll give you a refresher. Yeah, refresh me. I need it. Mm-hmm. Paul, are you ready for a refresher? I was born ready for this shit. All right, here you go. Uh, it's the it's an unlaunched streaming service. It's called Quibi, and uh, that stands for Quick Bites. It's uh, it's a new service that they're that they're going to possibly launch here shortly, and uh, everything on the service is going to be very short episodes. And I'm talking like not you know thirty minute episodes. I'm talking like five maybe to ten minute episodes. Um, They've announced their first big series, and um, it looks like it, it. This comes from Deadline via Dark Horizons. Stephen James from uh, If Beale Street Could Talk and veteran Lawrence Fishburne are set to star, while Jasmine Cephas Jones, Skeet Ulrich, and Annabeth Gish will co-star in Antoine Fuqua's short-form drama series, Hashtag Free Rayshon. Um, Antoine Fuqua, he, uh, if you're familiar with him, he's the director of Training Day, he did The Equalizer, and, uh, the Magnificent, the remake of The Magnificent Seven. Uh, Sony Pictures TV is producing the project, which will be featured on Quibi, a short form mobile streaming service, which takes long form content and breaks it into little bits. So that's what Quibi stands for, Quick Bites. Uh, one long story told in chapters. Um, James, plays Rayshon, a young black Iraq war veteran who is set up by New Orleans police on a drug deal, runs for his life, and takes refuge inside his apartment building with his girlfriend and child. Uh, With New Orleans police department and SWAT team outside ready to storm his home, a social media frenzy begins as community members and news outlets arrive at the scene. So it has to do with social media, Hence the title, hashtag free Rayshon. During this growing mayhem, a sympathetic cop named Stephen Poincy, played by Lawrence Frischburn, plays the role of negotiator. And over the course of one brutally stressful day, Stephen tries to get Rayshon to calmly surrender in order to avoid an escalation of unnecessary uh, unnecessary violence. Um, So yeah, uh, when I first talked about Quibi on... 
in a previous episode, I believe it, Rebecca was on that episode and we talked about it a little bit. I was not sold on this service. Um, I just thought it's a weird way to tell stories. And I know that this is a big, like people say this is a big thing with millennials and they have short attention spans and they need to, they just, this is how they, you know, consume their media and like quick bites is like (laughs) perfect millennial service. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to lump all millennials into like, they have short attention spans and shit like that. I think that's kind of ridiculous, but, um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm still not sold on this service. Um, I don't know how much it's going to cost. And I don't know, you know, like, I don't know at the end of the day, this, this has got to come out with so much content to keep me around because like, I can't imagine even spending six bucks a month for Quibi. Paul, you yawned again, you son of a bitch. No, no, this time I swear to God, I didn't. All right, yeah, sure. All right, yeah, you did that the last time as well. <laughs> you sure. got me. Uh, you got me before this time. It wasn't me. All right, uh, who, who was it? Was you, Jake? You qua- it was not me. Was like, well, uh, quick bites, we got, uh, quick yawns, quick lies. No, I was about to say something, but I didn't want to interrupt oh, you. Okay, no, it, it's um. I wasn't sold on this service. Jake, it's a weird thing. Think about, I don't know how much the service is going to cost. Six bucks, five bucks, four bucks. I don't know. Like, is there, like, cause if you're watching something, if you're only watching it for one fucking thing, this, this Antoine Fuqua show with Lawrence Fishburne, and it's only five minutes a week. I mean, when you were describing it, I never in my wildest dreams imagined it would be anything but free. Exactly. Does it is it going to be free? I don't see how you could charge for this. It's, it sounds like it's almost like social media platform meets Netflix. But if it's fucking, oh, I'm not, I'm not yelling. Yeah, I'm not like yelling. Lawrence Fishburne on it. They got to get their money somehow. I guess I don't know. But, uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston does Super Crackle for Sony's uh, uh, Super Mansion for Crackle, which is owned by Sony. Brian Cranston's on that. Chris Pine's on that. Um, you know, like, and that's a, you can watch Crackle for free. It's all ad supported. But here's the thing. It's like, if this is ad supported, like some of these ads might be almost as long as the fucking show that you're watching. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's a solid point. Or I, yeah. I don't know how to work. It, it yeah. does seem bizarre to charge for this though. Yeah. Like that's, uh, it sounds interesting, but I wouldn't give money to it. Yeah, no, yeah. It, and those, you know, that's not a, Fuqua isn't a big enough creator that I think it's going to make people pay any amount of money for this. It's not, I, I can't see this exploding. No. They, oh, well, that, it, that's the thing. Like, like, uh, can anybody at this point, at this stage in the game, other than possibly Amazon or Disney, be able to come out with guns blazing? And get the star power needed to get their service off the ground. I mean, think about it. Like you gotta, it's all about content, right, Jake? And, it, and I feel like it's not. I, it's for Netflix. They're they're pushing towards original content, and I feel like Disney is they're getting that original content. But one of the big reasons that they bought Fox is so that they could build up that library for Disney Plus. You know, by getting some of yeah, the and, and they already have just giant franchises as is too. Sure, but 
Yeah, yeah, they do. But like Bob Iger even came out and said like one of the biggest reasons that they bought Fox is for that library. And they wanted that for the streaming wars. Yeah, it's a huge library that, yeah. that you know, grouping of movies. There's a yeah. shit ton of twentieth century Fox movies. Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, Quibi. You you you, you 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 buying Quibi, Paul? No. The only way no, I see no. that kind of thing working is mm. like if they make it more creator centric, like they you know, users are making these five minute movies and uploading them and sharing with people. Like it doesn't seem viable as actually a paid entertainment streaming source. It seems that seems crazy. Uh, it feels like almost it, to me, I think that they should do kind of like what um uh, panel syndicate has done for comics and what uh, Radiohead has done for music and uh, pay if you want to. If you want to tip them, tip them. Right? Yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. Or, you know, just go, you know, the tried and true Patreon route with it, maybe. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, get yeah. The, go ahead, Paul. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I apologize. I, I get their concept of, like, doing short videos like yeah. i mean the reasoning is kind of solid like with everything we're able to watch now like oh here's something you don't have to commit 30 to 40 minutes of your time to but man like what you said they got some you know like it sounds interesting but man i can't i there's no way i would justify paying 6.99 you know especially with disney I know it's only five ninety nine, but shit was something like Disney. I would almost pay what Netflix is charging now for something like that, as yeah. opposed to you know to Quibi. Here's the thing: you're watching Quibi, mm-hmm. and it sounds like it's the way it sounds to me is that it's going to be like a, they drop a new episode each week, and each episode will be maybe like you know, uh, let's say let me just say four to four to six minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Five minutes later, you're done. Right? Like, is it, is the show gonna be, can they grab you in that five minutes enough to where like, you're like, okay, I'll be back next week on Tuesday. I probably forget about it. Yeah, right? Like, you'd almost have to have like 20 shows coming out once a week (laughs) almost with that shit. Like, five minutes at a time, I can, Literally, like you said, I could watch an ad on Facebook in between a video I'm watching. Fuck that. Here's here's the thing. Like, okay, so I'm watching Netflix, and Netflix, boom, Dead to Me comes out. Dead to Me on Netflix comes out. Christina Applegate, uh, Linda Cardinelli, as Paul calls Got it her. Got it right. Got it right. Oh, yeah, it's oh, Cardellini. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Cardellini. I'm fucking with you, Cardellini. Paul. Cardellini. Cardellini. The Cardellini family on the trapeze. And I sound very... <laughs> I sound the very... Cobblers. I sound very Mario and slightly racist right now. Um, you know... <laughs> very insensitive. Um... But you know, like uh, you got you got you got Netflix, and they and they and they and they drop dead to me. Here's ten episodes, fucking thirty five minutes a piece. You, yeah. you 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 watch the first one, brilliant twist at the end of the first episode. You know what Netflix is doing? 
They're dropping them all. Dude, yeah. You, you, the, the next episode drops in five fucking seconds, dude. Five fucking seconds. <laughs> five fucking seconds you're watching the second episode. Second episode, quick bites. Like, I don't know how this is going to work. If you're getting five minutes every – if that's what they're truly doing here and you're getting five minutes every week, what's going to keep me on that service? Jake, you're right. This service has to be free in order for it to really – like, uh, and if it's ad supported, dude, I do not want to fucking watch a Swiffer fucking, uh, <laughs> Swiffer ad for fucking like two minutes before it's I can half as long as the fucking episode. Boom. Fuck that. Yeah. This seems, this seems doomed to fail to me. Like, I mean, there's a reason like Vine and Tout don't exist anymore. Yeah. Good point. Great point. Yeah. Great I thought point. of Vine right away. Uh, let's see here. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna. The Dark Horizons have a had a story on uh, on uh, Chad Stahelski was doing rounds for the third John Wick film. Which, if you haven't heard the John Wick John Wick Three Parabellum, the reviews are in and people are fucking loving this movie. But Chad Stahelski, I can't wait. I cannot wait either. I've got my ticket already. Like, I fucking already bought my ticket. I can't fucking wait. He revealed that uh, a fourth film for the Matrix franchise is definitely in development with Warner Brothers and the Wachowskis are involved. Quote, I'm super happy that the Wachowskis are not just doing a Matrix, but they're expanding what we all loved. And if it's anywhere near the level of what they've already done, it wouldn't take more than a call to go. Hey, we want you to be a stunt guy and I would probably go and get hit by a car. If you don't know, like, uh, Chad Stahelski comes from a stunt background. He was, I believe he was Keanu Reeves stunt guy for the Matrix movies. Like, that's why this story is coming about. Um, but he comes from a stunt background, which is why, like, the John Wick movies are very, you know, heavily, <laughs> like, that's why you get a lot of action and a lot of stunts in those movies. Um, he was then asked to clarify if the Wachowskis stepped behind the camera for a fourth installment of the franchise, to which he said, I'm not sure of the overall. I'm not sure if uh, Lana is. He also adds he'd be happy to help the project in any way. Quote, I would absolutely be, uh, put down whatever I was doing to help them. Uh, it was then revealed that Keanu Reeves, star of both Matrix and John Wick franchise, uh, he was actually sitting next to Stahelski at the time that they were discussing this. And so the question turned to Reeves, who was asked if Neo will return in some capacity, to which he replied, quote, that would be a gift. I wouldn't say no to that. Yeah. So uh, a fourth Matrix film. Um, I'll be honest with you. I do not want this in my life. Yeah, nothing can fix this franchise. Um, it's dead. Let it die. If you want to do more stuff with it, maybe do some comics. Maybe do some like streaming television service. Or I don't know. I just don't need more Matrix. I I read that the um, Wachowskis um, denied this that they're not going to do. Yeah, that's what I saw earlier today as well. Doesn't matter what the Wachowskis think. If Warner Brothers wants to make this, it could happen. Oh I no, I, re- yeah. I realize, but it, it's not going to be from the original creators. It's going to yeah. be you know new writers, new vision. Not that that's a bad thing. It's hard for the vision to get any worse than it was by the end of the third movie. Um, Stahelski might have like you know I don't know what conversation he had with the Wachowskis, but. Yeah, no, I, I I hadn't read that, but that's interesting. But Stahelski seemed to like in this interview. Stahelski seemed to uh, imply that they were involved. Well, yeah, they actually referenced that interview in the statement that I read. Oh wow! Okay, saying that that was basically misrepresentation. 
Huh. So you were not wrong. Like yeah. they, they definitely bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, you look you looking forward to uh and if you are, I'm not gonna knock you for it. Are you looking forward to a Matrix four if it does happen? I mean <laughs> no. What? No, but you, you gotta think. I'm, you gotta think to yourself. You gotta think to yourself. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but you gotta think to yourself. Like Matrix, when that came out in 1999, mm-hmm. that kind of like there are movies that revolutionize film, that revolutionize that. science fiction. That re- well, I know everybody got that back in 99. Everybody got that. Like the, everybody was trying to bite off the Matrix, and like the Wachowskis, like what they introduced in the in those films, like the 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 blend of action and special effects, and like a lot of movies tried to bite off of that, and, and they're still movies are still doing it to this day. Totally. I feel like Matrix Four. If you if you do come out with a new movie or a new trilogy, like you got to reinvent it again, right? Like. You got to come out with something that's going to reinvent the genre, and I, I don't think we're there yet. And I don't, I don't think if we're, and I don't think the Wachowskis can give it to us at this point. I, Jake, I don't know. I, I hate to doubt them because I did love. I, I'll be. Honest, I loved Cloud Atlas. I thought it was a great movie, and um, Sense Eight. I thought it was a great series, but I don't know. I just. I don't know. I don't want to see the Yeah, chat. I don't really want it either or. So yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you, Brian. It really makes no difference whether the original creators want to be involved or not. I don't really want it either way. Yeah, I don't care who's involved. Like, if they could say, they could say fucking Noah Hawley is going to do Matrix 4, and I would, I would beg Noah I, Hawley to not do it. I, what if they said the guy from Upgrade was going to do it? Oh, uh, Lee Winnell? Yeah, I'd tell him to drop it. Yeah, oh, do something else. Yeah, for, yeah. There's, There's no a, story I here. Agree. Move along. The thing, I mean, you're dealing. I think the biggest problem with some of the stories like that are like the whole chosen one aspect, right? I mean, like, yeah, they've already kind of yeah, kind of spilled all the dirt, like right. To do any further revelations would disintegrate what's already happened even more. So it's mm-hmm. just like you either have to completely reboot or yeah. just not do it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even want to see like um, Denis Villeneuve like do it. You know, like the the director for Blade, you know, 2049 or Blade Runner yeah. 2049. Or he's going to yeah. do the new Dune. I, I mean – Christopher Nolan could say, you know, they could say Christopher Nolan's doing a new Matrix movie, and I would just be like, what is he thinking? Like, do, <laughs> like, you know, like, I love what Christopher Nolan does now. Like, he'll, they'll announce a project, and they'll, they'll literally tell us nothing about it. And it creates kind of like, for me, I don't know, and I, and for other cinephiles, like, I think it creates like a frenzy. But if like, for like, like, oh, what's he doing? We know nothing about this project. I can't wait to see the first trailer to get an idea of what's going on here. Um, but if they announce that Christopher Nolan's doing a Matrix movie, I would just be like, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Like, you, ha- there's so many other projects that you could be working on. And so, 
new stuff. Like I, I love directors that do work on new stuff. I, Lee Winnell from Upgrade, I think he's great. Like I, I've, I've said on previous episodes, I'd love to see. Like if they're gonna do this fucking Crow reboot that they're beating into the goddamn ground, like Lee, like Lee Winnell is the guy that you get to do that. Like if you yeah. have to do a fucking Crow reboot, Lee Winnell's the guy that you tap to do that. If he, if he's gonna. I mean, I think I think like he's the only director right now, in my opinion, that could that could pull it off. But yeah, I, I think a Crow reboot works better than a Matrix reboot. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, the, the Crow is a timeless tale of revenge. Yes. where the Matrix is kind of hindered by advancing technology. Twenty years later, mm-hmm. you're right. You're like, what are they going to do in the Matrix? Like Matrix Four, are they going to introduce drones? Fuck you! I am so sick of goddamn drones. <laughs> I am so sick of drones, Jake. I'm sick. Yeah, they basically already yeah. had those in the Matrix universe. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's like what drones could be, right? Yeah, you have the super drones, the super octa drones. drones. I agree. Uh, let's move on. In. We're going to blow through the rest of this fucking shit because there's really not a lot. I really don't have a lot for Marvel News and DC News this week. So real quick, Marvel News. Two things in Marvel quick news. Uh, New Mutants, as far as we know, is uh, still going to be a theatrical release. It's it hasn't been. Uh, it's not confirmed that it's going to go straight to Hulu, like some previous reports. So, but it's been pushed to April 2020. It was actually supposed to be released this year, August 2nd. Um, this is crazy. The original trailer dropped in late 2017. It was originally supposed to be released in April of 2018, and now it's getting a release date, as far as we know, of April 2020. What? I mean, and they, like, this is like, crazy. this is like Maisie Williams revealed that they never did reshoots on the movie, which was something that was supposed to happen. What Yikes. in the fuck is going on here, guys? Yeah, that's wild. Like, the cast looks, like, so much older now by the time the movie comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's crazy. I'm actually surprised this is even still coming out. Totally. Yeah, I mean, is it? Is it really going to come out? Are they really... They've changed the release release date, like, at least three or four times now. I think they've already... Like, they don't have to spend much more money to put this out. I think they can keep it as an isolated, separated movie thing away from you know the comic universe stuff they're trying to do i think it will probably come out this just makes sense for me to just drop this straight on hulu for me it just makes sense or or, or oh, it, i agree with yeah that. i agree with that yeah i just mean it will come out like our eyes will yes. be able to view this thing one way or the other yeah, oh man I, yeah i don't this i don't want them to like treat this like roger corman's fantastic four yeah, that would be legendary. I would really want to see it once that happened. Because, I mean, this thing's in the can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, you looking for uh, Either one of you looking forward to this movie? Like, still I, think, I am, actually. You still have... You think it has a chance to be good? I think it has a chance to be interesting. <laughs> Shit. I mean, I... I, uh, digging around in my feces has a chance to be interesting, Jake. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm not paying <laughs> eight bucks to do that anytime Jesus soon. Bro. I'm just saying, like, you know, like, hand me a stick and a pair of rubber gloves, and I mean, there's an afternoon with my feces. I'm just saying, like, you never know what you're going to find. The consistency each and every time. It's different. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I'm asking, my question is, is there a chance that this movie can still be good? Mm. <laughs> Don't everybody answer all at I mean, once. A, I mean, I guess there's a chance. I don't know. The if first this movie was, was good, it would have already been out. Yeah, they would have had it out. Do you think this hinders on at all on uh, – I mean, I know Dark Phoenix is coming out, but do you think this hinders – because it almost seems like the start of a new franchise. Do you think this has anything to do with Disney acquiring and the possibility of them rebooting the entire X-Men franchise at all in the near future? <laughs> it's not helping. Yeah. It's not helping the cause here. It's definitely what's slowed it down a bit, right? I mean, it, it's kind of it was just in such a bad position. Like they they decided they wanted mm. to kind of change it around a little bit and do some reshoots, and then the merger happened, and then they never you know had the time or fundage to schedule those reshoots. So yeah, it is crazy. It's a crazy story. I I I do I know interesting sounds like a boring way to describe it, but. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by this movie, and I really want to see it. Well, I was fascinated by the uh, prospect of getting a uh, Channing Tatum Gambit movie for the same reasons, and that's not going to happen. That's been R.I.P. scrapped. Yeah, I've always kind of, like, I haven't cared about that. But honestly, like, I I do hear what you're saying. If that movie was in the can, I would be dying to see it. Me too. Like, I wanted... I wanted Chambit so badly. Like you have no idea how much I wanted that. Ch- I wanted that movie just to be made, just so I could see it. They've been teasing it for for years now. I think it was like, wasn't it? Uh, God, I'm trying to like, wasn't it? Uh, San Diego Comic Con 2015 where Channing Tatum was teasing this. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. Yes, like I, I talked about, you know it. It was something we talked about way back in Frank's basement. Like this was something we talked about way back in Jay's house. Yeah, yeah. This, this has been a, a long time. Well, and they had three directors on the prop uh, on the project. I mean, Rupert Wyatt, Jeez. Doug Lyman, Gore Verbinski. I mean, this is shit. There's your triplets cast. Yeah, yeah. There we, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Make it. Make it so. Um, What's Gore up to? Pirates Nine. <laughs> oh man whatever it is it's gonna be garbage i'll tell you that what a fucking way off topic but what a fucking letdown right I, people always shit on m night let's talk about gore verbinski oh god gore verbinski came garbage. out so strong with like the fucking ring and then pirates one mm-hmm. and then just nothing but garbage crap what's Absolute the last thing crap. he did a, a cure for wellness I think that might be it. And that was pretty underwhelming. Yeah. Oh, God. I couldn't even get through it. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, I could not get through that fucking movie. Yeah, that's a shame. He really seemed like a really big prospect for a minute there. Did you guys see the uh, article from Entertainment Weekly that talked about uh, Catherine Langford's role that was cut from Avengers Endgame? I did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, directors Joe and Anthony Russo finally explained who she was and why she was cut. 
Um, the 20 Good cut. 23-year-old Langford performed the grown-up version of Tony Stark's five-year-old daughter, Morgan. Uh, so, yeah, that... Uh, um, that would that that would have been a scene in the movie. They they said uh, there was a, an idea that we had uh, that Tony was going to go into the metaphysical way station that Thanos goes into. Uh, remember where Thanos saw his daughter? Anthony added, "There's going to be a future version of Tony's daughter in that way station." Uh, the Stark sequence was meant by the Russo brothers to bookend the experience of Thanos had after uh, perpetrating the snap in Infinity War and finding himself face-to-face with the younger version of his daughter, Gamora, whom he murdered to claim the Soul Stone. What did it cost? Little Gamora asked him. Everything Thanos answered. In that scene, it was a moment of agony for the villain, but in Endgame, the vision of a grown-up Morgan was intended to offer Tony Stark a sense of peace. Quote, the intention was that his future daughter forgave him and gave him peace to go, Joe said, but it was just a it was just too many ideas in an overly complicated movie. Uh, instead, the Russos found that it was just confounding for moviegoers, and it didn't pack the tearful power they wanted. So, yeah, um, Jake, that was one of the um, that was a guess that I had on our on our Endgame pot when I wasn't yelling. That was uh, one of uh, <laughs> one of the guesses that I had that she could have been uh, the uh, older Morgan. Yeah, I thought you mansplained this really elegantly on that podcast, too. <laughs> yeah, this um, – when I read this, I, I I was almost shocked that the Russos even ever thought this would work. Like just on paper, you can kind of see how this would just have zero emotional impact for the audience. Like who gives a fuck about this person that you don't even know as a character? Like how are you going to try to sum up? 20 plus movies with character you've never met until just now uh, to make us yeah. you know feel all this emotion of everything we just saw this was just a terrible idea from onset i'm sure the minute they put paper to film and actually put their first like rough edit together and saw this they they knew like and they said confusing but even beyond confusing even if you follow what's going on i still don't really think this like no one's shedding a tear or crying or getting goosebumps from this. And when you have so many of those moments that actually do work earlier in the movie, like this is just needless. This was fantastic cut. I honestly don't even want this included on the Blu-ray. All I needed. I I don't want to see this. All I needed from Morgan was for her to tell me that she's hungry for cheeseburgers to make me cry, man. That's all I needed, man. Yeah, and that kid, we had the connection. You know, if if we were going to have the older version of Tony Stark have any kind of emotional payoff, we needed to set that character up at least by the beginning of this movie. So, yeah, that's crazy. Crazy idea, but I get it. Yeah, they were just trying to... They were trying to bookend it with Thanos. Like the first movie, they were they were they were into that mindset. Like, oh, the first movie, Infinity War, was Thanos's movie. The second movie is all about Iron Man, and we're gonna bookend it. We're gonna have that, you know. We're gonna have it, you know, to where you can go back and you can watch Infinity War, and you've got that whole scene. And in the second movie, you're gonna go back, and and by the end of the day, they were just like, you know what? It, it sounded better. It looked better yeah, on I also, paper. I also think you lose emotional impact by seeing 
what's basically forced Ghost Iron Man at that point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Like, I, I had no problem with um, the message at the end with, with the recording, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't want to see what Iron Man's up to post-death. Like, that really right. comic books it right. up and takes away the impact, I think. Well, I mean, but Jake, they've done that in the in the Marvel movies. Like, who haven't they done that with? Black Panther, T'Challa, gets to talk with his dead father, T'Chaka, in Black Panther. Um, uh, you get you get the moment where Star-Lord gets to see his and say goodbye to his dead mother. You get uh, Thor getting to say goodbye to Odin. Uh, Thor in uh, Endgame getting to say goodbye to his dead mother. Like, when do they not do this. Fuck, even Tony got to say goodbye to his dead father in Endgame, Jake. This that's is something a, that's that... That's a solid point. No, 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 no. I'm not defending it at all. I'm just saying, like, this is the one time they didn't fucking do it. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I think they very feasibly still could do something of the like, but to do it 5 to 15 minutes later after his death I think is would have been the, the issue. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, I don't need that moment now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, no on the Force Ghost Iron Man. That was a great cut. I'm interested to know what. I mean, this is such a long movie. I, I'd be fascinated to like know what like the first rough cuts were like, or more just scenes that didn't make the actual cut. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's so long already, and like we know that they did cut a bunch of stuff out. Um. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I hope the Russos are very candid and open with that. I kind of have a feeling they will be. Mm-hmm. Let's move on into DC News. You guys ready for DC News? Not a lot here. Yeah. Uh-huh. DC News. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. There, there was a report that came out this week, Jake, and uh, I posted it on the Facebook page. There was an update to this report, though. I, the, the original report is Michael Rooker in talks. This came from the rap. Michael Rooker in talks to play King Shark in the Suicide Squad. And uh, other reports, other outlets started reporting this. The Nerdist... The Nerdist reported this as, like, basically, like, official. Like, yeah, Michael Rooker will be King Shark in the Suicide Squad. I, that, maybe that's not verbatim. I saw but, that. Yeah, but, like, Jake, what did you find they out? They had or- the picture up and everything. Yeah, what oh, did yeah. you find out I, earlier today? I follow today? Rooker on uh, both Facebook and Twitter, but I, I caught – he actually posted it about five minutes before I punched in at 8 a.m. this morning that that was basically a bunch of malarkey that he hasn't even been in talks. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so, the, some wishful thinking spun out of control. It's not the first time we've seen something like that happen in, you know, comic book movie related well, news. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can both agree though that Rooker will appear in the movie in some form or another. He has in every James Gunn directed movie and even some James Gunn just produced films. So I can see him showing up in the Suicide Squad, but you know, he's definitely saying like it's like, hey, you know, I'm not in talks to play King Shark. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He'll he'll, he'll most likely just have a smallish cameo, I would think, mm-hmm. honestly, in the movie. Yeah. Um, Do you think they'll get away with his his deal in Guardians Three just by Star Lord having a picture of him, and that's Michael Rooker in a James Gunn movie? I was thinking that um, 
the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 could start off with um, a flashback scene of uh, Peter Quill and um, Star-Lord. Each of those movies start off with a flashback scene. The first movie starts off with uh, young Peter Quill in uh, the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um Saying you know uh, with, with his mother dying, the second movie starts off back in the in the seventies with young Kurt Russell and Peter Quill's mother uh, at the dairy the, the whole Dairy Queen scene, and I think that the third mm-hmm. movie will kind of like uh, complete the flashbacks where they have like a uh, uh, a flashback of Peter Quill learning how to be a space pirate from uh, Yondu. That'd be sweet. Actually, yeah, I like that quite a lot. Like, it's a good emotional payoff to the end of the second movie mm-hmm. to actually see Yandu being a father figure to Star Lord. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. Oh, uh, I did get this uh, from Dark Horizons. They said uh, Oscar winner Benicio del Toro is being uh, rumored to be in talks to join the cast of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Uh, mm. This is according to sources <laughs> for Geeks Worldwide. Uh, via comicbookmovies.com. Uh, the site says the actor is presumably playing the film's primary antagonist with his character given the code name The Mayor and described as uh, an old warrior who lives for war. Um, th- th- this is There's nothing to back this up. This is just a rumor. Um, but yeah. Can I but- say I tossed this? Really? Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, I've I, no fault of him, but I've had my fill of him in tentpole flagship action movies. I, I feel like he doesn't take the craft seriously in both Guardians and Star Wars, and I've seen enough of him acting like a goofball in these movies. <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of just loved what you said. That was pretty awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Benicio del Toro. I but love like, him too. I know, no, yeah, I know, I know. But like the way you said that, like I was just like. I, before you said that, I was like, there's no way anybody can tell me that I do not want to see Benicio Del Toro in the Suicide Squad as the antagonist. And Jake literally said, like, just a few words, and I'm like, fuck, he's, he's right. <laughs> totally. Because <laughs> I'm, think, I'm thinking back, like, I'm thinking back, like, I'm thinking to, like, how much I love Benicio Del Toro as an actor, but I'm also thinking back to some of the decisions that he's made concerning his characters and i feel like they're his decisions like dj in the last jedi and that stutter and just like some of the decisions he made about that character in that movie and then like like the collector is just such an eccentric and bizarre character that it's like if you give him more of a meaty role as like your main villain like really like what the fuck is he gonna do (laughs) (laughs) In the yeah, Suicide Squad. embarrass himself more. Like, <laughs> stick to the serious dramas that you really fucking excel yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. You, he, he just, there's no fine line between, like, the campiness and the seriousness of comic book and, like, tentpole movies for this guy. Like, he, he just doesn't get it, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit, Jake. You fucking, you're preaching, man. 
Uh, yeah, I, it felt weird to say that, but yeah, I, I, when I read this, I was like, oh, please no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. That's great. Paul, what do you think? I mean, uh, Jake's, Jake's, Jake uh, said it perfectly. I, there's nothing I could say to, there's, yeah, nothing. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in agreement. I was like, cause like, uh, I read it and I was like, oh my God, that, that's a name I like, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to help you continue to like that name. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, stick to yeah, yeah, stick to stick to like uh, indie films and shit like that, right? Oh, he like, was so great in the fucking um, I'm forgetting the name of it, the the prison show on Showtime. Oh God, yeah, uh, Escape at Danamora. Yeah, Sicario, Sicario, older yeah. stuff. Like I, I, I'm a huge fan from Fear and Loathing. And oh man, yeah, but yeah, what was it? These- the Way of the Gun. If you haven't seen The Way of the Gun, and Ryan Felipe. Fuck yeah, dude. That's a good movie. Great fucking movie. Great fucking movie. He punches Silver Sarah Silverman in the face. No, it, Ryan Felipe punches <laughs> punches Sarah Silverman in the face. <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. <laughs> I, it's yeah, it's terrible. But you know what? Like I, Sarah Silverman would not want somebody to pr- even pretend to punch her in the face if she didn't want to see that in the movie. Oh no, that's no, no for sure. That's for sure. who Sarah Silverman I, I, is. I, I'm a huge fan of Sarah Silverman, so that's almost what made it seem more horrible. I also think she's probably a pretty method actor, where she probably wanted to take a hit. You know? Yeah, God, oh, she's. <laughs> I think she's awesome. Um, yeah, I love Sarah Silverman. That's great. One of my favorite Disney princesses. Yeah, I tell you what, Star, <laughs> yeah, Star Wars news. Yeah, I'm not even going to play the bumper. Um, you know, like everybody asks the question of like, uh, was Luke a virgin? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I ask it every night. <laughs> <laughs> Every night, Jake, before you lay your head down on that pillow, you think My to Empire yourself... Empire Strikes Back pillows cover. Yeah. <laughs> you think to yourself, was Luke a virgin? I think the more important question is, do you think Porkins was a virgin? No. <laughs> I mean, it's implied in the name, right? Porkins. But, like, like, do you think, like, you think Porkins was getting ass on the reg? Or do you think, or even yeah, on the once, rag, on the, at least once, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say half a dozen. Do you think he had to pay for it? Do you think he had to go to some kind of like dirty cantina and take? You know what I mean? He had at the, least for yes, for at least a third of those six. You know, like he heard the words like that'll be three portions, and like you know, and then you know, <laughs> then he had stay to stay on target. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't shake him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, jokes write themselves for this yeah, one. Man. Yeah, I, I on the Lucas the Virgin front though, it is a hot topic. I, I was I was joking, but Pam want to know in, in that big you know time span that thirty yeah. years. Like, did he have kids? Are there other kids out there? Because that could have huge implications to mm-hmm. the storylines and everything. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't Hamill, know. I, I have a feeling that he's not. Hamill on Twitter says that he thinks that Luke is not. Oh. Ham, Hamill posted on Twitter that if, 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 if you know that if if it's him, 
Luke is not a virgin. He believes that Luke Luke fucking busted a nut up in something <laughs> somewhere. Hamill don't know shit about Luke though. <laughs> when was the last time Hamill was right about his character? Well, no, I'm I'm just saying like <laughs> Hamill. I know it's like Hamill has like one uh, one vision for his character, but like whatever director like uh, takes over the film has a completely different direction for that character. But like that's all I'm saying is Hamill believes that Luke, you know, fucking planted a forest tree in some vagina somewhere. <laughs> I believe it. I believe the Mary Jade, like, something happened. Yeah. He definitely, I mean, all that time, he was just secluded. Right. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess it is, the the there is, like, lore in it, right, in the prequels that you do kind of find out that you know, abstinence and not having relationships is kind of part of the deal. So I guess, you know, the window's open for that, too. But it just doesn't feel like what happened. I think they got it all wrong with that abstinence bullshit. Right? For the Jedi? Yeah. I think that that's yeah, all definitely. wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was wrong. I think that's kind of one of the overarching themes of the prequels is they were kind of just a little bit too into their fucking Jedi mumbo jumbo and they let the real problems just slip right under their nose mm-hmm. totally <sighs> why am I talking like this I don't know um, <laughs> Star Wars films uh, released after episode 9 it looks like we're going to have to wait 3 years after episode 9 to get our next Star Wars film uh, it looks like they've released dates for uh, December 16th 2022 and then 2 years after that December 20th 2024 and then December 18th 2026 we know that we have 2 trilogies in development we've got the uh, Guardi- uh, the Guardians the Game of Thrones guys uh, doing their own trilogy and the Ryan D the D and D and then we've got Ryan Johnson doing his other uh, trilogy um, what we have here is just three movies though so it could be uh, one uh, movie from Ryan Johnson and uh, two movies from the Game of Thrones guys or vice versa we don't know um, but um, it looks like uh, Lucasfilm Disney is going to be using Star Wars a little bit more sparingly. Yeah, they're going away from this uh, one film a year thing. Uh, Solo kind of wrecked that for everybody. And um, <laughs> thank God, even if it wasn't Solo, though this this needed to be done. Like they needed to slow it down a bit. I I think that. Um, even if Solo didn't do it, I think that this initial this initial launch was very exciting, but it was an experiment. It didn't work, and I think that uh, I think I think waiting three years. After episode nine is a smart move. We're still going to have like the Mandalorian. We're still going to have some animated stuff coming out, and then who knows what else Disney Plus is going to give us. We'll still have Star Wars content. We'll still have comic books. We'll still have things to to keep us busy with Star Wars. 
And then after that, yeah. we're only waiting two years. It's not like we're even waiting three years, like when what we did with, like, when Lucas was doing these movies. We're still just going to have the two-year wait after that. I, I, I think this is a smart move. I, I don't want to see, you know, like, I, I want to see people excited about uh, Star Wars. I personally love Star Wars. I could, I could handle a movie every year. I, I could personally handle it, but I could, I'm seeing how this is not the MCU. Like, the MCU, we're getting three fucking movies a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but the MCU's got so much, like, more versatility than, than fucking Star Wars. Or, I mean, at least, at least they haven't proven that Star Wars can kind of dip into more different genres yet. Or they haven't had the balls to try to see if that's possible. I mean, I know people will say, like, oh, Rogue One was the heist movie, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it really fucking wasn't. It was just more Star Wars with even more fan service than Episode 7 and 8 had. So no, I don't want to hear that fucking nonsense. I, I think this is a smart move. Like, like, I don't... God, I don't want Star Wars to be something that people are just kind of like, oh, there's another Star Wars movie every year. I want people like to be... fatigue or something. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. But, I mean, to me, one of the biggest reasons the fatigue was setting in was they weren't really taking chances. Like, And mm-hmm. I think that was proven with the Lord Miller firing on Solo, right? Yeah. That they were willing to make Star Wars movies that didn't have to follow all the Star Wars rules and take some chances, I think this possibly could work, that we could yeah. be on the one Star Wars movie a year. So I, I guess I'm kind of talking myself into agreeing that this whole thing was Solo's fault. Yeah, I think it was Solo's fault. I think <laughs> I think, I think Kathleen Kennedy um, sees that. And, I, and um, for as much as, like, me personally, like I was, I was very excited for the news of getting a new Star Wars film every year because I'm, I'm, guys, I, I don't know, I'm just, it's uh, for me sometimes it's just like the more the better. Like I love Star Wars, the more I get it, fantastic. I was just like, what a world that we live in that we can get a new Star Wars film every year. Like wow, and not, and like one is part of the saga franchise, the other one is just like a, another story. So it's like I'll get like a saga movie, and then the next year I'll get like this completely other story, this other new story. Yeah, it didn't work. It it, it fell yeah. apart. It didn't work, and I felt like Solo was kind of like the beginning of like people having what Paul was referring to as Star Wars fatigue, and and I don't want to see that happen to something I love, and so I think that this is a smart move by Lucasfilm. I really do, and it's it's one of those things that'll um, keep people. Anxious and waiting, and 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 um, excited for the franchise, having to wait two years. You know, sometimes you, good things come to those who wait, and hopefully these will be great, uh, great movies that uh, that come our way. It just it does make me a little upset because I feel like with this uh, with these announcements that we are even further away now from a Ewan McGregor Obi Wan Kenobi movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It, def- it definitely ruined that, and it, it is a very time-sensitive thing. I mean, once you get to the point where Ewan's at, you know, Alex's age when he did, uh, yeah, 
episode four, it's kind of like you missed the mark. So, Jake, yeah, I, I agree with that. Could they turn the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan Kenobi series into a uh, movie, into a Disney Plus series? Yeah, honestly, that's probably the best home for it. Cause That'd be cool. I think just like Solo, as cool as the whole idea sounds, it's still going to be a very safe Star Wars movie that doesn't really bait, break any Star Wars boundaries. And I honestly think that would work better on Disney Plus as a streaming television series than doing another kind of half-baked, same old, same old oh, Star man, Wars movie. we find out. We find out in the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. That Obi-Wan was laying some pipe on some alien broad. I'm sorry, that was just very, that was a terrible thing for me to say. No, he's, let's say he's like laying some pipe down, right? I just said it again. He's laying some pipe down on, um, but we find out like he has another, like we found out that he had a romantic relationship in the Clone Wars. Let's say he finds love again in a series. And he starts, he has a romantic relationship that could send ripples throughout the Star Wars universe and affect future films. Like, we, there could be, uh, that the, the, the Kenobi lineage could uh, continue in Star Wars if, if that were the case. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to totally. see. Star Wars is a little bit more loosey goosey than, uh, the MCU. It'll be interesting to see how well they can, uh, hold all these threads together mm-hmm. with all these different projects going on at the same time in the next uh, five to ten years. Yeah. You know what? I This is a good time. I'm going to give a big virtual fist bump to the, you know, uber-level troll that started the news story that the Ryan Johnson trilogy wasn't going to happen. Oh, God. And, oh, my God. I love – whichever guy is responsible for that, I love that guy. All those fucking haters got so excited and then – Fucking found out it was fake news. Yeah, uh, good, good stuff. Some of my favorite fake news of uh, 2018, right there. God, <laughs> everybody was saying like that trilogy is not going to happen for a long time. Like Reddit, I saw that all the fucking time on Reddit. That like, oh, it, 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 somebody posted just like recently within the last couple weeks another article saying, oh, that Ryan Johnson trilogy is a, uh, it's, it's been canceled again. It's like, oh god. Yeah, fucking hell. People fucking hate that dude. No shit. But uh, hey, we are done. Um, I had Star Wars spoilers, but you know what? Fuck it. It's fucking late, and um, I, I think that uh, I don't think this episode could get any better or any worse at this point. So we're gonna oh, no. we're gonna wrap this show. No, Paul, you were fan- you <laughs> were bad. fucking fantastic. You were awesome. Awesome. Love it was a fun you. time. Appreciate Love. it. Are you sure? Did you have fun? I always worry about. That. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I, you know, no, I feel like you know. It's it's after like a uh, after like let's say Jake like you're in a new relationship or like a first time sexual encounter with a new partner, and uh, you know you you've had uh, what you thought was a rousing lovemaking session, but you're not sure of what your partner is accustomed to. And so you don't know if what you did, you know, you were knocking the boots, as they said back in the 90s. And you don't know <laughs> if your partner, if that rocked their world as much as it maybe had rocked your world. And so you, you don't know. And so it's my like, I, world was definitely rocked. I, I can't talk for you two. My world was rocked. Good loving body rocking, knocking boots all night long. 
Well, another song to put in the head. <laughs> Making love to you to the, the well, how does break it go? Till the break of dawn. There we go. Yeah, I hit every note there. Thank <laughs> I, you. I, I love that. I I would make that my ringtone. If I, could. <laughs> <laughs> I shut up just to not interfere with the fucking audio. Yeah, there. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Hey, um, let's see here. What are we doing next week? Next week, uh, this is 283. Next week is 284. Jake inching very close to 300. We are, man, we are very close. Yeah, we're doing it. All the Zack Snyder 300 jokes are coming. We're doing it and doing it and doing it well. (laughs) We're doing it and doing it and doing it well. That's LL Cool J, people, if you don't remember. Yeah, that was like his resurgence song. Oh, that was uh, Mama Gonna Knock You Out. Oh, this was the resurgence after he failed from that resurgence. Yeah, okay. All right. We're talking about two different resurgences then. (laughs) Yeah, many, many people have them. I know. Multiple resurgences. (laughs) I know. Christ raised from the grave multiple times. (laughs) 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 Solid point. (laughs) Good one. I'm going to hell. Hey, uh, next week is going to be episode 284. Paul, yes. what happened to the animated Batcast? That thing coming back? We're going to try to. All right. Yeah, Paul does a pot. get a bearing on everything. I know. Think life, man. You know what I mean? Son of a bitch. You can be a winner at the game of life. You remember that fucking game? You remember that commercial? Remember that jingle? That game. You remember that yeah, jingle, Jake? Yeah, game. You know, I, like a, I used to play. I used to play life with uh, with the family back in the day when I was a little kid. Spin that fucking wheel. You could be a winner at the game of life. That fucking game lied to me. I hate everything that's happened. <laughs> that game has some harsh realities with like how you got your job and your pay and everything. <laughs> that's true. I'm just. I'm talking about real life, Jake. I'm talking about oh, yeah. IRL, buddy. Oh man, yeah, yeah, I try not to think about that. Yeah, oh, fuck that. Yeah. IRLAF. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to wrap this fucker up and I just can't. Um, Paul, thank you so much, dude. Always Thanks great to have you me. on. Was this your second episode? This was my second episode. You know what? Last time you were a virgin, you came back. You came back. You know what? You've done it like twice as many times as Porkins. <laughs> <laughs> Only the second episode, man. Feels like six. I can't tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, man. I guess it was better for me than it was for you. <laughs> always love having so, you Always on. the way. I always love having Paul on. It's only been two times, but both those <laughs> yeah. times, I've always loved having them. We're going to have you back on, Paul. Awesome. Yeah, fuck you, Jake. Yeah, I, the, I was told the rule I'm was we didn't get sentimental till the third time. I was just trying to keep protocol. We got sentimental as fuck the first time I was on. <laughs> it was a long time coming to have you on that Breaking first time. Breaking all the rules. It's my fault. I know. I know. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, it was it was a fun time. You guys capped off a, a, you know, it was a fun time. It capped off a rough week. It was it was good. Yeah, glad that we could be there for you. Glad that we can be there for our listeners 
the ones that enjoy the podcast for what it is and the ones not, <laughs> not the ones that don't like it for what it is not yeah fuck you jansen <laughs> I imagine you just like winked at the audience so hard that it made like a sparkling noise. Oh my god! Right I, after you said that, <laughs> seriously, like my eyeball actually fell out of the socket when I did that, Jake. Like it is hanging like near my cheekbone at this very moment. I've got to have to. I'm gonna have to push this thing back in to my face. Try to wait till tomorrow, dude. The ER is so expensive. Oh, oh no, shit. <laughs> Oh my! Yeah, well, put that eye on ice and go at night in the morning. It's uh, it's already in a bowl of visine right now. So, you know, just like all good leftovers stay in the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week with episode two hundred and eighty four, where we'll be talking about John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum. We'll see you next week. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it. It lets embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should. Separate the wheat from the shaft And do the shaft the crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushed over Top culture leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftovers Love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover, counterculture pushed over, pop culture leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.